Again, brothers, sisters, everybody saying, Gonna bring the flame, I'll show you how. Got a question for you, better answer now. Episode 398. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftover, and you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon. We will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this arbless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd. In the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only $6 a month. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And I'm we're the leftovers. leftovers. Jake, you're coming in a little soft, buddy. Coming in soft. Is that yeah. better? I don't know. You're coming in a little soft, little quiet church mouse Jake baby. <laughs> I'm shy. It's been two weeks and I'm shy and nervous now. Yeah, I know. You're going to have to open open up a little bit more, huh? All right. All right, all right. Why don't you be that uh, seductive little Sharon Stone and flip the leg over? <laughs> show, show us a little bit of that outgoing JJ, Jake. I don't know if that'll transfer well on, on the audio medium. Okay, all right, fair enough. Hey, fuck it, we're back. Jake, we're fucking back. Whew, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, we got giggles over there. From one of our guests, can't just... just, just well, I never heard of a fucking mute button while we're doing an intro here, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's obvious we're going to be hilarious in the intro, so you would have to mute yourself so I can't hear you. I know. The hilarity ensues when we start an episode, sir. All right. Yeah, anyway. All right. We are, yeah, we're, I thought we were going to come back a little bit more excited than we, than we did, and it, it, it went from, 
<laughs> I just started I started complaining about how quiet you are. <laughs> Classic PCL. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of days for me. I pulled uh, work till 10 back in at 6 in the morning back to back. And so now I'm just like wired on coffee and ready to return to podcasting. Mm-hmm. Is is that basically like is it like is that like uh, an excuse for like how you're going to perform on today's episode? Is that is that what we're getting at? I think it might make me better. So really? I wouldn't call it. What, what's the opposite of an excuse? Uh, a reason. Yeah, it's a reason I'm so great on this episode. Okay, so the perfect cocktail for for, for finally eight years later we're gonna get we're gonna get good Jake on this one. I think so. I think there's been a few episodes <laughs> like this where I'm just completely almost like delirious and wired by caffeine. And I, I look back and those feel like some of my better episodes. It's just a, <laughs> not a price I'm willing to pay for our listeners every episode. Right, right. Hopefully your heart doesn't stop during the episode. <laughs> it just explodes. Like, uh, what was it? South Park when Kenny's fucking heart, what was it? His heart exploded in the microwave. They replaced his heart with a baked potato. With a baked potato. I knew there was a baked potato involved. Yeah, I knew there was some kind of starch involved. I'm not going to lie. It instantly started beating harder when I started thinking about talking about Venom 2 later. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Let's. Okay, we've got guests. What Guests. Welcome. Welcome back, Stephanie Chapman. Jeez, she's on fucking mute. Sorry. I was, now it's, that was, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing over there? <laughs> I was trying not to make noise so I didn't get called out, so I muted myself and then had a trouble hitting the mute button. And then when I call Hi, you, you, then when I call you out, then you're not there, and you make me look stupid. Well, you know. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted us to have kind of like a little domestic dispute over the air. Uh, like, wh- why are you making me look stupid in my front of my friend, Stephanie? <laughs> You got a well you know back, so I think that was kind of a little domestic dis- dis- uh, It was kind of like, well, yeah, you, you know. A full-blown fight in front of, like, company, because then, like, it's super awkward for them. So then you, then you resume the fight when they leave, and you're, like, cleaning the dishes and the table and stuff. Sounds like you've got experience, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you need to take, I think you need to take a little look inside yourself, Stephanie. and uh joining us from the reality guys billy blinks brian i'm here let's bring the energy people let's go we're excited no but seriously i am excited to be back uh sorry for snickering i always get called out in the beginning of these podcasts i just i never get through the first two minutes without getting brian off the flow and 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 doing something but you know i I do what i can that was a roller coaster wasn't it jake yeah i'm I'm actually shocked. That was a twist. I thought it was Stephanie that snickered. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was Stephanie as well. Until just then. That's yeah. the whole time I thought it was Stephanie. Yeah. she was. On- I'm not going to let Stephanie go down for my actions. You know what I mean? I'm a real team player, so I'll step up and, and take the bullets, you know? Yeah, you're Thanks. a mobile guy. I was, ready to be the, I was ready to be the fall guy for that. But I appreciate you. you. See, we've all been through enough domestic disputes to know when sometimes you just need to step up and not you know, rat your, your friend out or rat your little brother out, you know? <laughs> All right, let's see here. Oh, uh, Billy, uh, I can't, I, I was surprised you wanted to do this. Up, you're getting married soon. I am getting married three weeks from yesterday. I was, I was kind of funny when you said that. You're like, are you sure you'll have the time with the wedding and stuff? I'm like, because of the wedding, that's exactly why I have time right now because everything has been, I think anyone out there who has gotten married, whether it's a small wedding, a travel wedding, or, or kind of a bigger one like ours is, just a lot of, um, 
a lot of dealing with a lot of people, a lot of personalities and a lot of things. So I, um, I talked to Emily, my fiance, shout out to Emily. I know she'll be listening. And I said, listen, I need a night with my boys. And Brian was coming back and I just happened to be talking to Brian said, I'm ready whenever. And he asked me to come on. So perfect timing. And like I said, uh, excited to share some of my precious little time with two or now three of my very dear friends. Now that me and Stephanie are, are ride or dies. <laughs> this sounds like the worst bachelor party ever. <laughs> Listen, I just got through a bachelor party that was okay. All right, so let's let's not, let's, let's 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 leave that be. I got a question, Jake. Let me, I got, I'm gonna. I got a question for you. Let me throw this one out to you. Um, okay, so Billy is he's getting married in a few weeks. Right now, he is what you would call a fiance. What if? And this is hypothetical. What if between now and then he gets like hit by a bus and he fucking dies? Okay. In, in the obits, is it going to read like, you know, Billy Blinks, uh, son slash fiance? Cause he didn't quite make it the hmm. husband. I feel like the obit would mention that he was about to get married. Okay. Right. Would they list him as, the tra- as a, created the tragedy like that? Cause you don't get the fiance label that long. It's like an interim thing. It's like, you know, you're like a single guy, single lady, and then it goes to fiance for a very short period of time. It can last a little bit longer sometimes, but anyway, mostly a short time. And then it goes to like husband or wife. Do you think like once you die and you're a fiance, does it stick? I think it does. And I, I feel sorry for Billy's family in that hypothetical situation because obits are expensive and that's just one more word. That's like my father. My father doesn't have a middle name. My grandfather always told me it was $5 more for a middle name on the birth certificate. So that's why he doesn't have one. Are you serious? Genius. Swear, well, that's what he always told us, but he oh, doesn't wow. have a middle name. But the story, I never got another reason other than it was too expensive to have a middle name. So hmm. the struggle is real, guys. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Jake, we've been off for a uh, couple weeks. Uh, did you do anything interesting in the couple weeks that we were off? Not really. I, I've been reading a bunch of classic comic books. I kind of use that extra time just to read a bunch of old stuff from when I was, you know, eight to twelve years old. So I've been inspired to do that. But other than that, not not too much. I finished Squid Game. I watched Halloween finally. Oh my god! Yeah. Fun. Fun entertainment stuff. Finally. And he's not talking about the 1978 one, people. He's talking about the 2018 one. Finally, you watched it. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. It was, I mean, you hyped on it, but I, I honestly didn't think it was going to be as brilliant as it was. Like, it was just really well-directed, really great cinematography, lots of awesome one-takes, and, and legit kind of frightening in scenes. I thought that bathroom scene was just insane, one mm. of the best horror movie scenes i've seen in a decade it's so good uh, halloween so i cannot wait for it's a uh, halloween kills coming out next week and then i'm hearing bad things i'm scared really uh, that yeah that sucks and then how great vine it's not a good sequel huh and then halloween ends is where they're gonna wrap up the trilogy i hope it's good god damn it they got the same people all back and everything fucking trailer looks amazing yeah, I heard there's not much lore reaction. She's pretty much banged up in the hospital the whole movie. Well, she got so stabbed. She got fucking stabbed, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's a little bit of the the fallback for starting it right after the other one ends. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you kind of That character kind of gets taken out of the equation. And yeah. We get to meet these new characters that we're going to meet. 
Yeah. Well, it looks like, Jake, the, the trailer I saw t- uh, today when I saw Venom was that they're bringing back basically any character that was left alive from the original. Like, anyone who appeared, even if they made, like, a three- or five-second appearance and spoke in the movie, they're basically saying, like, we're the survivors of Michael Myers. So he's he's just going for cleanup duty on, on his old classic. Yeah, I read up on that a bit. It doesn't sound like they're using the same actors for the most part, though. That they it's, They're the same characters from Halloween yeah. 1. But they're they're recast. It's not like the, the Jamie Lee Curtis of it all. The only one I think is the little girl is Kyle Kyle Richards, the one that's one of the Real Housewives. She was the little girl that they were babysitting in the original, and she's back as the mother now that they showed in the little teaser on the swing set scene. She has her own kids in town, and Michael shows up. So kind of interesting. I mean, if, again, if someone's been a big fan of that series, it is cool to see those little nods, like bringing back any actors when you can. Yeah, it is really cool. And just another reason that it was probably a smart move to just start at one and erase everything else. Uh, we see yeah, that. We see that a lot lately. Like, you know, even like Terminator tried to do it. They were like, okay, the first two are good, so they're canon. <laughs> and then they're like, uh, okay, then this is going to pick up from those. We're going to wipe out Terminator three and then Rise of the Machines and then Genesis. Those are, those are not canon now. And then they still fucked it up. Yeah, they're just so wishy-washy, though. Like, I think Halloween, what it did really successfully was within the first 15 minutes of the movie, they kind of casually drop a line about Michael Myers has only killed five people. And you're just it's a little bit of a shock of a line. And it kind of just smacks you right into that reality of exactly what's going on there, where I think Terminator kind of fails by never really addressing the subject. Like, you really have to read between the lines to figure out what's canon and what's not canon just watching the movies. Oh, they fucking kill off John Connor in the first fucking, like, ten minutes of that. (sighs) Fuck you for that shit. Jesus Christ, you motherfuckers. That movie was fucking garbage. Isn't that the same thing that Blomkamp wanted to do with the Alien series? He wanted to pick it up on after Aliens. Yeah, Is that correct. Or yeah, he one? wanted to. He wanted to bring back Newt and uh, what's his name, Michael Bean's character of uh, Hicks. Oh, that would've been cool. Yeah, I think that's smart. Alien Three is where it went astray. Fucking uh, in the comic books, they used to have like they're, they're, in the comic books there would be issues. Uh, like I think this was in was Dark Horse doing Alien? Yeah, they'd have issues where like where she'd fucking come out of like the cryostasis and stuff like that, and they had they had issues with Hicks and Newt and stuff coming out of cryostasis and handling shit in between. And um, that's what I think they should have done here. They should have like if Neil Blomkamp, I and I'll be honest with you, have it, and I'm I'm in the minority here. I haven't enjoyed a Neil Blomkamp movie ever. I don't even like District 9. I don't like any of his fucking movies. But I was like, I was gung-ho for him taking over this fucking Alien franchise. Because of, like, he had, like, artwork and shit. And he was talking about uh, bringing back Newt and Hicks and all this shit. And I was just like, that's incredible. I would love that. And I would. it would have been cool to find out that someone took Hicks and took Newt. And they just left, like, you know, dead bodies there. And Ripley believed that they were dead. But in, in all actuality, they had been taken. Yeah, that'd be exciting. It, it's damaged goods. So, by all means, let let him go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Oh, uh, I, I did. I painted my house. My house is, is painted. Got it painted. I love it. I'm happy for the new fresh coat of paint on the old house. So, that was, like, my big thing. And then the weekend. Uh, so, that was last weekend. The weekend before, Jake, I went to, uh, have you ever been to Arcadia, America's Playable Arcade Museum? No, I have not. 
It's in McLean, Illinois. So it's like right outside of Bloomington. Um, you can go Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. And it's two different buildings. They've got arcade building, and then they've got a pinball museum. Oh my god, it's play all playable. Fucking incredible. I had a blast. Including the pinball. Yeah, oh yeah. I played a fuck ton of pinball from like, uh, pinball machines from like probably I think like the 60s all the way 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and current. It was incredible. I had, I had a blast. That was a great photo that you posted. Oh god, yeah, I posted like, I posted like 50 photos. And it, it was so cool cause like, Kids would like ride their bikes there and just park their bikes out front and they'd be playing games inside. It felt, it felt like it was like straight out of like the, the eighties or nineties, Jake. Yeah. I, I was thinking time machine. Jeez. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the better pinball machines that I played, I, I played the Doctor Who, Star Trek, the next generation, the dread pinball machine was great. Do you remember the phantom movie? Yeah, yeah, with Billy Zane. Uh, no, was that was that Billy Zane or no Shadow? It was the Shadow. Billy Zane was Phantom. Shadow. Uh, oh, it, oh yeah, you're talking about Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, the Shadow. They had a Shadow pinball machine there, and that thing was fucking incredible. It was so much fun. I love that fucking machine. Oh man, I love pinball. I was a bit of a pinball wizard. I, I loved Theater of Magic and the Twilight Zone. Those are my <laughs> those are my two go tos. Oh, mine was uh, the Black Knight. Not the Black Knight. Oh, I remember that too. Not the Black Knight 2000, but like the old school Black Knight. I fucking loved that pinball machine. I, I they had the Black Knight 2000 there, and I played that. And it's okay. Oh, they had the fucking Indiana Jones one. It looks gorgeous, but it is the hardest pinball machine to play. <laughs> My favorite what year was one. That? Go- oh, sorry. Ooh, no, good, good. I was just gonna say, is that a mo- more modern pinball machine? Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's more modern. Probably within the last, you know, fifteen years or so. Yeah, I think they kind of just went a little bit too wonky with the theatrics and some of the the later pinball machines. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. What are you saying, Billy? My father was a huge pinball guy, and I remember we had a few old school ones in my town growing up. And the Adams Family one was his favorite, and I always remember playing that one as a kid. I remember that one being a real bitch. But that, and I did yeah. Jake, the Twilight Zone one. I did play. I do remember playing as well. So it is just really cool. It just the amount of craftsmanship and the amount of work and skill that goes into building those machines. That's really even more so than even the gameplay itself, which is obviously fun. I I find half my time when I'm playing those machines looking for like the Easter egg. You know what I mean? That they have throughout the board and the bumpers and things like that. That's really where I, I get my kick out of the pinball more than even the gameplay. I've, yeah, I've, I love that. How they name each little like light and each little bumper like has its own like designation or zone. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, uh, The Demolition Man pinball machine is amazing. Um, the, the fucking flippers are gun triggers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, we're supposed to go... <laughs> I was supposed to go over the Cruella contest winners, and yet I have none of your names pulled up. So we'll do that next week. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to wait. You'll have to wait to see Cruella. People, people have already, people have already waited three weeks for us to come back. And they're like, oh fuck, first off, the episode sucks so far. Then they're like, oh my god, I don't even get to see if I won the Cruella. You should have paid your thirty bucks to Disney Plus. No, what do you want from us? That's thirty bucks. That that thirty dollar price point can go fuck itself. That is such bullshit. It's the worst fucking price point ever. Right? Terrible. Yeah. 
Oh, but if you have a family, it's what? Fuck you. It's 30 fucking dollars. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't care if your fucking family looks like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory and all your grandparents are laying in the bed together. It's fucking ridiculous. It's a fucking ridiculous price point. That was a crazy podcast. setup. That's what this podcast episode is right now. A bunch of old, crunchy people sitting in a bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> old, crunchy people. <laughs> I was going to say crusty, but I look crunchy. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Listen, I'm, listen Brian, I'm also out of practice, okay? So let's, let's just, you know, we can all, we're all taking some breaks recently, okay? Oh, man. Old, crunchy people, Jake. Yeah, it really painted a picture. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I want to thank uh, Anthony Gibbons uh, for uh, your donation, and he sent a very uh, awesome email. So I, I wanted to let you know I did read that. And I do thank you, Anthony Gibbons. And I wanted to thank everybody in the Leftover Army that, uh, it looks like Joe Stark put together a, uh, who's, who's clinking glasses over there? Huh? Somebody, oh, that might be on my end. I'm sorry. What are you, uh, raising, raising a glass, a little cheers moment over there, Jake? What's going on, buddy? <laughs> no, no, it is not I. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Joe Stark put together a bunch of uh, people in the leftover army, uh, and they put a video together for me. And you guys know what it was about, and and you guys, uh, everybody that uh, that uh, was in the video, I did watch the entire thing. Came out to forty six minutes, Jake. Forty six minutes of people, and um, I'm not going to get into. To, wait, wait till you get the Snyder cut. Yeah, wait. Uh, but I want to thank uh, everybody for, you know, recording what they did and sending it to me. It meant a lot to me. And if I'm ever down, I will I will uh, watch that video again. A lot of uh, a lot of great things being said in the video and I can't I uh, can't thank everybody enough. Um I'll never play it f- over the air or anything like that. This was just for me and I really appreciate it. It meant a lot to me. It really did. I teared up in moments and uh some some of the people and what they had to say uh quite a few people that actually just gave me chills when I was listening to it. Just like, so thank you so much. That really fucking meant a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cruella. Cruella winners will go over next week, Jake. Waiting yeah. with, waiting with bated breath, aren't we? Yeah. You'll have to wait to find out why she becomes that evil dog killer. Yeah. Did we really find that out? You hated the movie, Jake. I loved it. I I thought it was fantastic. I loved Cruella. Did she ever end up actually killing any dogs in 101 Dalmatians? I really can't remember. She's wearing I mean, you don't see it happen, but her coat is made out of Dalmatians. She's wearing them. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Real downer. This is a great episode. Let's see. Oh yeah, let's jump in. Let's, oh god, let's get out of let's get out of the banter corner. Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Let's jump in. Banter corner. I Jesus! Like let's get into uh, let's get into good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Ah, good pop, bad pop is where I open up this fucking beer. There we go. All right. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Oh, thank God for that refresher, Jake. I forgot the rating system. Not going to lie. <laughs> it's been a long time. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, is it a Ziploc baggie rating? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, Stephanie, for the pity laugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, uh, I did. Uh, I was telling everybody that, uh, God damn it, we are rusty as fuck, Jake. <laughs> Oh, I know. I I'm know. gonna get a tetanus shot after this fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Make sure you don't get the old lockjaw. <laughs> oh, what? That's you get the tet- tetanus yeah. shot, right? If you get like if you get stabbed by a nail or yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah, you don't want the lockjaw, so you fucking get the tetanus shot. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're a medical Black podcast. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, sorry, like, <laughs> welcome to the WebMD portion of the podcast. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, I, you know, before we took our break, I was letting everybody know I was going to the theater and watching uh, the Lord of the Rings extended cuts in the theater. And I did want to let everybody know that I did show up to watch Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And, uh, God damn it, Jake. It, I, 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 Four hours and ten minutes in the theater. Yeah, that's so long, so long. Yeah, it's man. worth every second. It is, but Jesus Christ! I <laughs> see. I had to go there on a Wednesday, and uh, the movie started at seven. And uh, I, you know, and the theater's forty-five minutes away to begin with. So it's like I'm fucking getting home at like one o'clock in the morning and shit. But, Brian's uh, got to walk to Rivendell to go see a movie. Jesus, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. I did enjoy it. Um, you know, uh, I'm glad that they changed some things. Of course, like you know, from the book to the actual movie. And uh, I think that Peter Jackson did some of that stuff right. He did some of the stuff really right. Like me and Jake, we have our gripes about like the uh, the dead army, but. Uh, I like how they look like scrubbing bubbles when they're fucking killing everybody. <laughs> Do you remember the scrubbing bubbles? Yeah, he really, he really, I just watched this movie. He really cheated on that part. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but I'm glad, you know, like, you know, the Shire wasn't decimated like in the book. And then also, I really appreciate the fact, cause like, we, and I haven't read the book in like probably 20 years, but I just remember like Sam being like Frodo's servant. Way more in the books than in the actual movie. Like in the movie, he's just like the gardener and he's like, you know, he's like a cook and he makes all this stuff. In the fucking book, like he's drawing Frodo a bath and shit. Well, yeah, I mean, that relationship that Tolkien drew, remember Tolkien served in the First World War, and that relationship, Frodo and Sam, is really based upon a British officer, and I I can't remember the term now, but all the higher-up officers would have basically a body man, an assistant, a person that did every single thing for them, and it was a, a really big honor in the service to be able to serve one of these generals or lieutenants, et cetera. So that's why even in the book, Sam's so earnest, and they they did catch that spirit a little bit in the books. It, it, it's an honor for Sam as a, a gardener of the Shire to be able to 
to follow Frodo Baggins to hell and back because that's something that's somewhat in that, you know, they have kind of a societal, you know, patriarchy a little bit and there's levels of it. So that's, and that's part of it. It's like I said, the only reason to that kind of like stuck with me is funny enough. You say you don't read the book. I'm currently in my yearly reread right now, Bry. So I'm in the middle of the two towers. So, um, and that relationship really, especially when they separate from the fellowship, that's really when you get to see those parallels a lot. Yeah. You sucked all the fun out of everything I was going to talk about. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. I think it I think it kinda works better in the movie, honestly. That's what I'm saying. Across, yeah, it comes across as more of a friendship and yeah. less of like these like class yeah. bridges that they have to hurdle. He felt like a fucking I servant. Was a thing. I was just saying that's kind of where that, that inspiration came from. Yeah, I'm just glad that they kind of updated it because he really felt like a servant in the in in the books and it was just uh, you know, I remember like after like the, the one, the wraith is on the horse and stuff like that. Like after that moment, like, you know, he's like drawn Frodo a bath and I'm just like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, you're Frodo's little bitch. I get it that they got a lot of money and shit, but Christ, dude. You do have to, re- you do have to remember too, Brian, that Frodo in the books is supposed to be like 60 or something like that. He's not young and, and they're not both really? yeah they're older in in the books yeah like like Mary and Pippin are much younger than Frodo well, in I'm, the books when fucking Gandalf went away to do his like you know look into like the the books and all that stuff and study up on uh, the ring and stuff it, well, he was gone for like 30 years it wasn't it was it was a uh, it wasn't like a 3 hours later kind of thing it was there's significant again and that's why those books that's why i i think that's the best adaptation because like you guys said they were able to take this great world and a lot of great storylines but a lot of it you just could not translate beat for beat to a book i mean to a film so he was able to find the parts that you you guys said i don't think people would have loved if sam was just a manservant if so sean Aston was elijah wood's manservant the entire time so i mean like things like that you couldn't have or we couldn't have tom bombadil in in the movies because there's this big powerful god guy they meet two chapters into the book and you never see him again <laughs> and they're like well where's that guy he can yeah. help that guy's that guy's pretty big yeah okay yeah. wait I didn't read the book. Only saw the movies. I actually re- recently rewatched the movies about two weeks ago on an airplane. So, kind of fresh. But my question is, if in the books, Gandalf goes away for an extended period, does Frodo just have the ring that whole time in the books? Yeah. I'm so, I'm curious. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So and he's just hey, sitting Everything with the just ring. takes longer. Like, uh, just all that stuff, it's just more spread out. It's... I think I agree with Billy. I think it may be the best adaptation ever done. And I think that's a lot of it is how much they just trim the fat and they get right to the heart of the story. And I, that's what's so disappointing about The Hobbit is like it's the exact opposite experiment that he did with Lord of the Rings. Like instead of trimming the fat, he's like trying yeah. to duct tape it back on. Well, he added a lot of stuff from the Silmarillion too. So um and another thing is like when he gets ready to throw the ring into the fire in the book, I, from what I can remember, like he has a hard time doing that. It's almost like he doesn't want to do it because like he's touched the ring at that point and it's already kind of got a hold on him. And it was a big deal. Just, excuse me, putting like the ring in the fire. He didn't even want to do that shit. So. Yeah, I think the struggle was described a lot longer in the uh, in the book, but that makes sense. Like that's just another one of those things where you got to keep it tight. 
the music can only be that dramatic for so long before you're going to lose your audience. No, I'm glad they did it the yeah. way they did. You know, I, you know, of course I, I, I love the books for what they are and it gets into like a lot, a lot more stuff and I, and I love it for that. And I think like Tolkien does have like a sense of humor in the books. I remember there's like a part where he's talking about like, somebody cut the head off an orc or a goblin or something like that and hit it into like a rabbit hole. And that's how the game of golf became invented and shit like that. And like, <laughs> you know, just funny shit like that. But, uh, Oh, and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about from return of the King is like when they're lighting the beacons and, uh, you know, the fire, it's like that yeah. part where, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, where, that shot. where Pippin yeah. lights. Here's the thing that I want to, I want to bring up is that like they light that fire and then another fire gets lit, and then another one, and another one, until it finally reaches Gundor. So there's probably, like, fucking, who knows how many, 30, 50 of these fucking fires getting lit and shit. So you're telling me, like, these guys, that's their job? It's just to hang out a bunch of <laughs> fucking wood and wait for this fire to go up? And it hasn't been lit in fucking probably hundreds of years and shit. Yeah. So like I had the exact same thought while watching this scene. So basically, it's <laughs> like it's like it's like bring your dad to you know bring your it's like career day at school and like you know little Johnny fucking brings his dad in there and they're like what's your dad do? He's like oh he fucking guards wood all day. <laughs> <laughs> my da- yeah, you know those guys that stare at the wood. That's my dad. That's that's my dad's <laughs> job. That's what he gets paid to do. <laughs> he hangs what about, the guys, what about the guys that never actually got to light it and they go through and they get their gold watch ceremony when they retire after 30 years of service and you're like John never actually lit the fire but he was always ready he always <laughs> had his tinder good but if he had to have lit it he would have and that's good enough for us like so here's to your retirement John like what did they do <laughs> You think like they do a test run like once every like cycle or whatever, you know, like how we do like emergency alarms and everything. They're like on the on the first oh, Tuesday. like every Tuesday. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because then <laughs> they can't do that because because Gundor hasn't seen that shit lit. Oh, my God, they're coming. No, no, it's the it's the the test run. That's somebody's fucking job. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it's their life. It's not their yeah. job. I don't think they ever leave. Right. <laughs> No, they gotta You're have shifts. Me out of those, out of those thirty to fifty people, all of them were that quick to the ready. Like, hey, that's that's dedication. Like, not a single guy was like asleep at the wheel for that. Is it their job or is it like jury duty? Like, oh fuck, man, I gotta. It's my turn to watch the wood. Uh, I pulled Gondor flame. Duty. <laughs> and they don't. Yeah, they don't even fucking call it like they don't even call it flame duty, Jake. Because they, they're like, we never light those things. We gotta go up there and watch wood. Uh, <laughs> stick duty. Gondor stick duty. We don't even have a goddamn so king. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even invented smartphones yet. I'm just going to be bored. There's like that one guy who's like, oh, fuck, dude. I didn't pay attention in training. I don't even know how to light a fire. <laughs> Wait, what I want to know is like what happens, you know, how Mary goes, I mean, Pippin goes and he lights it and the whole chain of events happens. What would have happened if it was a false alarm? Like, what happens to the guy that starts the whole chain? What happens to that guy? He loses loses his job. (laughs) Yeah. He's done. He's done. He's the village idiot. You'll never watch wood in this town again, sir. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh... You have to work at Moria. 
speaking of village idiots, Jake, you know what movie I watched for the first? I watched. I watched like I went back and I watched like uh, movies that I hadn't seen in years since I was on my break here. I went and I I, I watched Cabin Boy for like the first time oh, in probably awesome. over a decade. Awesome. Yeah, Chris Elliott Cabin Boy. Oh my god, it's it's still fucking hilarious. Oh my god, it's so good. No, it holds up. I think I watched it about maybe five years ago. Did you notice when he was at Fancy Lad School, his teacher was Alfred, a very young Alfred Molina? Yeah, yeah. I just noticed that the last time I saw it. So I don't think I knew who he was maybe the first time I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched, uh, do you remember Boiler Room? Vin Diesel, Giovanni Rabisi? I've never Rubisi. seen Boiler Room. You've never seen Boiler Room? Mm-mm. Don't tell me nobody on this podcast has never seen Boiler Room. I've never no, seen I've it. never heard of it. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> we can get up. Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel. Who else is in there? Scott Hahn. Ben Affleck's in it for a little bit. Yeah. I was watching this. I hadn't watched, I probably hadn't watched Boiler Room in like, uh, 15 years. And when I was younger, when I was like, when I was real young, like I'd say when it first came out, I was probably like my early twenties. I was like, man, this movie's so good. And I watched it, and I'm like, this movie is not that good. This it's oh, on the on the most recent watch <laughs> it came out in 2000. Yeah, it came out in 2000. I was in my early twenties when it came out, and so when I watched it then, I thought this movie's brilliant. I was like, this is a fantastic movie. Now that I'm like, you know, in my in my you know early forties, I watch it, and I'm just like. This movie is just not as good as you remember it. This is just, these guys are just a bunch of fucking dumb meathead fucking wannabe, you know, stockbrokers. <laughs> these guys are just douchebags. I don't know why you thought this movie was cool or anything in this movie was cool. This is just, and this is a, this is before, this is back when Vin Diesel used to wear sleeves, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Lies. Jake, do you think that there's a uh, landfill somewhere dedicated to his sleeves? Oh, easily. Maybe more than one. Yeah, there's like there were <laughs> they're like two and a half right now. Yeah, he's a real douchebag for not recycling. <laughs> it's like a it's like a it's like a sleeve graveyard. <laughs> yeah, he wore sleeves in this. I I was not a fan. I uh, got caught up on uh, the Walking Dead. Uh, I didn't even realize season eleven had started, and then like. <laughs> A week ago, I was like, holy shit, they're fucking, they're seven episodes in a week into The Walking Dead season 11. And so I burned through all those. And then I got AMC Plus, and so I got to watch the, you know, mid-season finale a week before. Can I ask a question? Sorry. You're, you and your questions, Stephanie. Sorry, I'm bombarding you. No, I love your questions. Go for (laughs) it. I know you're kidding. That's fine. Um, so... I gave up on The Walking Dead a while ago, and I've been contemplating getting back into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I really genuinely want to get back into it. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you seeing it through because it, it, you watched it from start to finish, or is it really, is it still, it has it gotten better? I think with the new showrunner, I think, I honestly, Scott Gimple, I think he fucking just kind of, it, it went from, um, what's his name? I can't remember the second showrunner. It's like Mazada or something like that. Frank Mazada. I can't remember. Not Frank. Frank Darabont was the first guy. Glenn Mazada, I think was his name. And then it went to Scott Gimple. And now it's Angela Kang. And I didn't like the previous two guys. And I think Angela Kang, her first season, she had a, she had a really tough task ahead of her, kind of like writing the wrongs of those two other 
showrunners. Mm-hmm. And I think she's done a great job. In season 10, it was fantastic. And now season 11 has just been really, really good. Um, you've got Maggie back on the show. And now you've got Negan, who's basically a part of the community. So she's having to work with Negan, the man that killed her husband. Right. And it's it's really made for some interesting interactions between those two. And, and Daryl uh, and I heard Carol people are, are shipping there. them. Is that happening? Oh God! I, if I wouldn't be surprised, it's happening, but that'll never happen. <laughs> That's so wild. I was like, that can't be happening on the show. Now, especially after the, uh, I think the. Not the last episode, but the episode before that. I don't. I, there's no way that's ever going to happen. It, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. never going to happen. That's ridiculous. And who's left? Daryl and Carol are still there, right? Yeah, yeah. Daryl and Carol. Michonne is alive, but she is not on the show right now. She'll probably come back for like that movie finale or whatever they're doing. And then Rick is still alive, but he's yep. he's off somewhere. I'm. And then they've got, there's really no, I wouldn't say that there's really a B story going on. They're all pretty important. You know, the new, the story with the, the group at the Commonwealth is really, it's, it's really cool. I'm enjoying what's going on there. And then you've got this other group, um, um, the Reapers that are led by this guy Pope. And you've got Daryl, who's kind of, in that group right now, but doesn't want to be. He wants to get back to his group, but he has to pretend that uh, he's a part of that group. And I've really been enjoying season eleven. It's it's been really good. It's been really good. So I'm. I don't know if it's worth it if you dropped off. Depending on what season you dropped off, I don't know if it's worth it because there's a lot of seasons where it's hard to watch. How far back are you? What's that? I oh yeah, Stephanie. I dropped off right um, the at, when they captured Negan. Okay. That was like, so like seven? Two, so like eight and nine probably you would, oh, okay. or nine and ten you may have, yeah. You know what drives me crazy about The Walking Dead sometimes is like they'll do like a time jump or they'll just like fucking go to a, a community and then like there's these new people and they just act like they've always been there. And it's like, I have yeah. no idea who the fuck these people are. And I don't care about their story that they're presenting right now. And they, that, that they, drove me fucking crazy. They take for granted, Brian, like you said, that like there's been, even though some of these characters, we may have had different levels of love or hate up first. The ones that are still alive, obviously, during the years, we've had seven, eight, nine years with a lot of the characters that are still left. And now they know kind of it's a blessing and a curse because they want to have other characters because they kill people off. But sometimes too in the on the flip side of that they put you through some of those painful side episodes where they're just trying to do some character development for some of these new characters and like you said we really really don't care um i think the only original other person too like you said rick maggie i I mean morgan is still alive but he's on the other show now because that's even you start even getting more complicated when you twist off to the other shows i I don't even even count him because he was barely in that first season and it took him forever to even get back on the walking dead yeah, on the side shows he's a little bit better, but like uh, at least from the things I've read, they're aiming to try to have all of those side shows catch up chronologically and be on par with this final season at some point during this final season. So when they move forward, it's moving forward in the world 
without having to still be in like prequel era kind of stuff. They better not do crossovers because I don't watch those other shows. I don't care about watching Walking Dead Beyond. I don't care about Fear. I'm not watching them. And if they start doing crossovers with that shit, it's going to annoy me. What is Walking Dead Beyond? It's kids. Oh, Lord. Jeez. It's Walking Dead Jr. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically... It's like these fucking kids that were in this community that really hasn't been affected by zombies. And so the kids have just grown up like regular kids. And so now they're out on their own and they're fighting zombies and shit. It's, I, I think I watched three episodes and... I just, I could not convince myself to keep watching. It's also an hour-long show. Yeah. Oh, God. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's like, it's a, it's it's in its third and final season, I think. They only planned for three. Is that only on Plus? Was it tr- to try to sell people on Plus? No, I think it's on AMC proper. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It adds a little bit of stuff for the CRM and the comments. Some of the, it kind of, it just, there's nothing on there where you couldn't not watch it. I'm sure if there's any kind of crossover stuff where the things that they cover on that show are a character or two, I'm sure that like they do with a lot of sideshows, they integrate into the main show. They'll explain everything you need to know about that person or thing within 30 seconds and then you could just move on with your lives. So. It's just too much, man. You know, like it just burns me out. Uh, burns, yeah, I get burnt out when I fucking have to. Now, that's what happened with the CW shows, Jake, for me. It was like, okay, I'm loving The Flash. And then they're like, okay, well, here's Supergirl. Okay, okay, I'm enjoying this too. And they're like, well, here's Legends of Tomorrow. And then here's Black Lightning. And, uh, here's, uh, Green Arrow. Like, well, yeah, it was Green Arrow. And it's just like, you've got fucking like 17 fucking shows. And then you got your crossovers. I just get, I can't watch three fucking Walking Dead series. That's just, that's, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, one at a time. One at a time. One at a fucking time. Oh, my God. Just speaking of th- things that have too many things, what about the uh, Game of Thrones? Did you guys watch the House of the Dragon trailer? I, I Absolutely. Did. Yeah. What'd you, you, Stephanie, it sounds like you liked it. I did. Mm. <laughs> I did. I, I, I liked it. I also didn't hate the end of Game of Thrones as much as other people did. Um, so that's probably why I don't, I don't know if that's partly the reason why I'm excited. I saw the trailer. It didn't really give a whole lot, but no. it gave me enough that I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in with both feet. Hands down. I'm going to, of course I'm going to watch it, but I, I, I didn't get excited either though. I was, uh, Fair. yeah, I'll give it, uh, honestly, I'll give it a low tasted for the excitement level that it created within me. I mean, yeah, I, me. I, I liked it and I did get a bit excited. I'm going to give it a high tasted. I fucking hate George R. R. Martin. He pisses me off so much. His whole shtick and the whole thing. Everyone knows this by now, but I will watch it. But I'm so goddamn sick of him. I, he, I just, yeah, no, I just finished the goddamn books, dude. He, it's insane. I, I remember when season three was airing, we were talking about Winds of Winter and that he was going to have it done before like season five ended. And now we're like going on two three years after the series finale and there's still no publication date for that same book it's Dance insane. Of Dragons came out 2011 came out in 2011 like i was in college yeah he's like published chapters and stuff like four winds of winter like in the last like eight nine years it, it, it's wild and he's written all that like he's written the like the targaryen like history and like 
basically like an encyclopedia. I didn't read it, but like, I don't think there's any. I don't think he's writing anything. I don't think we're getting anything. He'll probably come out with just, he'll come out with a Game of Thrones cookbook before he comes out with the next book. He's such an asshole. Yeah. I, I would totally believe it. I think Wins a Winner will probably, if it comes out, will be the last one he writes by himself, regardless of what is said. Oh, a dream of spring, yeah, please. A dream of kick rocks. There is no shot that is happening. <laughs> And then I was also kind of, uh, it was funny, but the Peacemaker trailer really did nothing to excite me either. No, it, I mean, I'm excited for that show, but yeah, the trailer was nothing special. Yeah. Did you guys watch the Peacemaker trailer? Yeah. I love John Cena. <laughs> so I'm a little bit of an apologist for it. I mean, they got the wrestling background and things like that too. I, I just admire, like, I think, no, I, I, I think you're getting at what we're saying and totally wrong. Like, I, I, I love John Cena yeah. as well and I loved the Suicide Squad, but like, I mean, the trailer was just kind of like a, a jokey trailer. Like, as far as just the trailer's concerned, like, I'm, I can't wait for this show. I think the Peacemaker show is going to be incredible. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's James Gunn, John Cena working together. I think it's going to be a great show. Just let down by the trailer. Are, are you guys worried that I, something I've kind of worried about because I love that character as well a lot? Are you worried that it's almost if you give too much of a good thing that maybe it would kind of we may spoil it a little bit or water down that character a little bit? Like, do you think this is kind of how do your feelings like on that? Do you have any trepidation about that? I don't. Not really. I'm I mean, not too worried about mm-mm. that. We've had so little of the character to begin. Exactly. With. It's not like it's like oh, more peacemaker. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh fuck, we're getting more Loki. Like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> give, give me that Loki series, and we got way more of Loki than we ever did going into, you know, from Suicide Squad and out of this Peacemaker series. So yeah, I have no problem with it. I, w- I want more of the character. Um, it's just, I just feel like the trailer was just like, here's like, here's like one scene. It's funny, it's jokey, but it was like, it was nothing to like get me like pumped for the series. Like, there's really nothing to, like, you know, dissect or dive into when it comes to that trailer. It just wasn't, like, the trailer to get me fucking pumped, you know, for the mm-hmm. series. Um, mm-hmm. Really no speculation I could come to. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the series, of course. But, you know, we all we, we all know that John Cena can be funny. Steve Agee can be funny. James Gunn can be funny. It's just like, yeah, I get that. What What is this, what is this show going to do different? What's What's new with this show? And we just saw them hanging, eating at a diner or whatever. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, I was nonplussed by it. it. I love the characters, and it may be my favorite movie of the year, for all I know. You know, we're yet to see, but so, yeah. it's a series. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm excited. It's on HBO. Yeah, and that there's no holds barred when it comes to the content and what they can do. So yeah. Yeah, I wonder how long uh, uh, did they? Oh, they already went over episode length. I just can't remember it. I remember us talking about yeah. the length of every episode too, but I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. All right, let's jump into something I think we've all seen. Uh, I've watched the first two episodes of Foundation on Apple TV Plus. Foundation is a compendium of sci-fi novels written by Isaac Asimov. According to Apple TV's synopsis, Foundation chronicles a band of exiles on their monumental journey to save humanity and rebuild civilization amid the fall of the Galactic Empire. And uh, this one stars Jared Harris, Lee Pace, 
Lou Lobdell, Leah Harvey, Laura Byrne, Terrence Mann. Um, I want to hear what you guys thought. Stephanie, how many episodes have you watched? I did not get a chance to see any. Okay. All right. It's only and been, I contemplated it's only been out two weeks. saying I watched it, but I didn't. Sorry. It's only, only been out for three, I've four weeks. I've only done that once. <laughs> um, Jake, did you watch any Foundation? I did. I watched the first two episodes as well. And where are you? I, I'm going to give this an absolute Tupperware, actually. I have no idea how you guys feel about this show, but uh, I had no expectations going in, and it may be my favorite show currently airing. I, I find this to just be amazing. Um, I love a lot of the metaphors that are happening in the storyline. Um, I think Lee Pace is really bringing it as this, like, just sinister political leader. Um, his performance is really, really great. And I love the main character as well, Gail. And uh, Jared Harris is always great. Um, nice to see him get a little bit more screen time than he normally gets when he does stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear if you guys think this is a clunker or not. I, I really could not tell what other people would think of this. But I think visually it's one of the most stunning things to air on TV this year as well. I, I'm really surprised at how much Apple TV spent on this. Or maybe they didn't spend much money on this and they've got a visionary that just really knows how to bend the budget. Uh, the graphics, like the special effects look like it's – I don't know. Did you ever watch that uh, Ender's Game that came out a couple years ago? I, with Harrison Ford, yeah. I have not seen that. Yeah. I mean, it looks Ender's Game level on a TV show. Like, I think that they put a lot of money into this. Um, basically, like in the story, you've got this, this mathematician, this guy who's like, he's in this, in this field of psychohistory and he's through mathematics, he's able to predict the future. What he believes is like, this is what's going to happen if things keep going. Um, and this is the future and this empire is going to collapse and the empire is run by Lee Pace's character of day, but it's, it's dawn, day and dusk and it's three clones of Lee Pace's character. So he's got a young boy, uh, him, you know, kind of like middle age and then, and then him as an elderly man. So they're all three clones and like basically they just keep the, it's basically like keeping the same leader of this empire over centuries they're just able to clone this guy so there's really no change and um jared harris's character <laughs> what's that it's kind of gross yeah and so like jared harris's character predicts like the fall of this empire and there's one person who can you know basically nobody else is smart enough to check the math on this guy there's one person that can do it and she lives on like it's come it's almost like a futuristic like amish community or something you know like they don't believe in technology and stuff like that. But this one girl that lives in their community, she's got like this gifted mind and, um, she's brought on to, to check his work and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm also going to give this a Tupperware, Jake. I I've only watched the first two episodes. I would have watched three and four cause they are out now, but Apple TV for me, it's, I have to watch it in a particular room. The bandwidth is not strong enough in my bedroom on my Roku for some fucking reason. So I have to go into talked about that before. That's frustrating. I'm in the same boat. Um, not with the internet problem, but I, I would have watched three and four, but it's just been such a busy week. I cannot wait. Like it's the next thing I watch will be the next two episodes of that. And I, believe I looked it up and it's every Friday they drop. Yeah, they drop it. That's, that's Apple schedule. They drop their, 
there were shows I think on this Friday. Is the first time I've ever cared so much about an Apple show that I had to pay attention to when the new episodes dropped. You're crazy, Ted Lasso. Christ, I, I, for not, all mankind. Oh man, he doesn't watch it. I love Ted Lasso, but I just I just watch it when it's all over. Uh, like I, I don't know. There's not like so much buzz around it where I can like just wait and nothing spoiled for me, you know. So I know I don't know. Um, yeah, you watch Ted Lasso week to the week to the week. <laughs> yes, watch it at midnight on Friday. <laughs> There's midnight a, on Friday. It doesn't get past Sunday for me, Jake. So. Um, okay. I can't watch it typically. Sometimes I can't watch it on Fridays and Saturdays because I got to prepare for the show, but it doesn't get past Sunday for me. That's how I am with Ted Lasso. So, um, I, I've given yeah, it. A, it's great I'm, though, right? I mean, yeah, gosh, I, I can't, I can't a, wait to see what happens. Normally I always complain about the trope where we see the future before the past, but I thought this really did that trope really well. Um, man, I, yeah, I'm just so excited. Billy, what'd you think? I love this show. I totally Tupperware it as well. Funny enough, I have also watched the first two episodes. Uh, I think Lee Pace like chews up every scene he's in. I just love the world building. I did a little bit of research. I, funny enough, you guys were talking about, man, this looks expensive. So I had looked into it. At least the only article I could find was one written in Ireland. Apparently it was filmed majority in Ireland. It was like $45 million budget for the first season. And I think that's even probably not incorporating everything, but just even the production on site. They said that when Goyer went and pitched this show to Apple, he pitched it as an eight-season show, 80 episodes. So they're, they already renewed it for season two. So mm-hmm. I, 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 and I love that because you can just tell from the first couple of scenes, even in the premiere, there is a lot of world building going to be there. And there is a lot you're going to have to learn and a lot you're going to have to you know, buckle in for and learn. But what I was pleasantly surprised, I didn't have a lot of high hopes for it because it's very hit or miss. We were talking about Lord of the Rings earlier and obviously a lot different trope. But the idea of still having to build a big world and get everyone caught up to speed, so to speak, to understand what the world that you're in. And I was worried that this was such a dense world, just even from the trailers and from the concept, this is going to be way too much. And it was just going to shoo people away after the first couple episodes. And I was pleasantly surprised that it was completely the opposite. I think it's the fact that the cast and the dialogue actually is really, really great. And like you guys said, I mean, the CG effects and stuff are nuts. That painter scene in the, in the pilot where it's the big mural to the history of the empire. Oh and yeah. I was shocked. The, and the, yeah, what happens to the painter who accidentally read something by the, by the doctor. So I, I'm really looking forward to the same thing. I, I'm glad to hear that there are already two other episodes up. I kind of caught on to this late as well. Once Brian said we were watching this, I was, I was excited because I knew I had fallen behind on it a little. So. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where seasons one and obviously two go now. Is eight seasons too much? And l- let me put it to you this way. It's like certain shows, I mean, we I wasn't upset that they went eight seasons up until, of course, the end for me. But like Game of Thrones, like went eight seasons. And uh, I think like every year, though, with Game of Thrones, it was almost like event television. And, you know, it was like, is this, I don't know if this is going to be like that event television and to where it like demands eight seasons, or is this going to be one of those shows that it catches on a little late with people and maybe it'll get a bigger following, um, 
you know, by the time they get into like maybe season three, everybody's saying, oh my God, go back and watch Foundation. I think it does help that Apple gave it the renewal. Cause like mm-hmm. jumping into a show and I'm not going to finish Mr. Corman. I got through like six or seven episodes of Mr. Corman and they canceled it. So I'm like, why do, why do I want to finish the first season? Why do I care? Why do, I don't care now. They fucking canceled it. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with the show, but like, now that I know Foundation is getting a second season, it definitely makes me like, okay, I've got to watch this first season. And I don't know, Jake, eight seasons? Do we need eight seasons? Is or is like or? But sometimes there are certain shows where it's like I don't mind them going eight seasons, but that's that's rare. You know, I feel more comfortable them saying that during season one. Like it always feels a little bit underhanded when you're like five seasons in, and then they start telling you that it's always been this eight season vision, or you know, there's been cases like that. So it does make me a little bit more comfortable. I know there's a you know there's quite a few books. So there's definitely the material is there. And I agree with Billy that just from the world building you see in the first two episodes, there you can easily see a lot more to come. Um, so, yeah, I, I think eight seasons is almost like if I the perfect number, I guess, for me would be like six or seven. But it, if the story holds up, I, I think eight's good. And, yeah, I mean, if if it's just the one bad season at the end. I mean, that's fine. It'll be seven great seasons and then one bad season. So even there, yeah. eight seasons is enough. I don't, I don't know if seven seasons, the end is going to be the end, right? No matter how long or short it takes you to get there, it's it, going to be so story dependent on just how, how you digest what I, the final beats of the story are. I can't compare this with like Supernatural, which went on for like 15 seasons or whatever the fuck. And it's like 20 episodes a season, but like, Trying to get, like, let's say eight seasons are out. Trying to get somebody to watch eight seasons of a show. You know? Trying to talk to somebody. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a big ask. It's a lot. I was really, like, just went off thinking about event television while you were talking about that, too. I, I honestly think that with Game of Thrones, event television is dead. I, I don't think we'll ever see event television again. I Just the, the way that people consume entertainment these days it's just not, you know, no one for the most part. I think the closest thing we've come to event television is maybe some of the Marvel stuff where people are waiting until the exact moment that it drops on Disney+. Plus. I, I just think the culture just doesn't support the, the craziness that happened with Game of Thrones the last few seasons. Well, Netflix, Netflix is – there's no uh, event television with Netflix. Let me just get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I hate that. You know me. I complained about the destruction of event television because of what Netflix was doing, like, from the beginning of this podcast. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. I For me, it's like there there's times where I fucking love it because I can just burn through a whole fucking season. But then there's times where I hate it because I burn through a whole fucking season. And then the next thing I know is the second season comes out. I can't remember hardly anything from the first season. So I've got to do a complete rewatch because I haven't even thought about this fucking show in a year. Yeah, that's a huge negative. I think the other just giant negative is just not having that shared communication with everybody. Like there's something to be said about we all just watch this hour of programming at the same time. And and now we can discuss the crazy shit that happened in it. Like that Netflix just destroyed that culture. Yeah, it's and, true. Uh, like you go out with your friends and then you sit down and you're like, oh, are you watching the, the new season of, uh, you know, let's say just Daredevil on Netflix. And uh, they're like, 
Oh yeah, I'm for the, for the I'm, I'm through the first three episodes, and then your friend, <laughs> then you're like, oh, I'm through five, and then it's like, what do you conversation over? Conversation's yeah. over because like it's like basically like you have to stay within those first three episodes, and if you say something that spoils it, then it's like fuck, you know. So yeah, yeah, it, I can't do that. I, you know me, I'm I'm terrible at doing that. So it's I can't even have that discussion at that point. We just can't talk about that subject. And that's unfortunate. I, I just really started thinking, like, man, I think Game of Thrones was it. I, I don't think we'll ever experience anything on that level ever again in our lifetime, honestly. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I mean, HBO, there's still services that release the stuff week to week. And if there's a big enough show, I mean. There hasn't been yet. I, like I said, I think the closest thing since is maybe some of these Marvel Disney Plus shows. I kind of tend to agree with Jake in the respect that I kind of think about my own personal experiences. Even if you go back to the beginning of Game of Thrones or even prior to Game of Thrones, HBO Sunday was a big thing, whether you were watching something like Entourage or True Blood or something. But it was more concentrated in the respect that everyone was sitting down and they were watching it on their cable. They didn't have a streaming option. They didn't have a next second streaming. It just seems like the more optionality we have in how to view it and when to view those things, you don't feel the necessity to be able to have to talk about it, boom, the next day. And then unless Brian kind of said that same point of where you also have the shows where you have to binge throughout, I think in a weird way and in a good way for people like ourselves, like, podcasting and things like these episodes like us sitting here and doing a podcast episode that becomes more of the for myself at least more of the event than an entire season dropping because like you said the only way you're going to really be able to quickly talk about it is if you have fellow people like yourselves doing something like this and being able to fully discuss things without worrying about the spoilers and such like that so it's a it's a cool thing because it's part, uh, you know, something in your past that I'm a little sad about being gone. Like I said, the event viewing on Sundays, but I do like the fact that it has kind of given more of a necessity to kind of the conversations that we're literally having right now. So it's kind of a, you know, good and a bad. As far as like event television is concerned, though, like I guess we could all say that maybe even, even before, you know, streaming services and stuff like that, you could say cable fucking killed it too because as oh, many as many viewers that Game of Thrones had, I guarantee you, the people there were more people watching the final episode of Mash probably than there were people watching the final episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It just having oh, more yeah. options and but like that, the streaming service just just sped that up. It's I know, but that just gets into the whole argument of like what is event television then anyway anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I it's think- it's constantly changing, and it has been changing from you know when you had the big three channels, then it went into cable, and now now it's streaming services. I agree. I, I, I agree. Go ahead, Stephanie. No, sorry. I was gonna say. I just I think it's possible that we will see event television in if we're thinking of the framework of that as something like Game of Thrones, where like everybody stops what they're doing at the same time. I don't think. I think all of the stars would kind of have to align. It would have to be, in you know, in a, a show that gains enough momentum over like the first couple of seasons to become, you know, as popular as it needs to be. It would need to be on a platform that only drops the episode weekly, like HBO or you know, I don't see it being on cable. Oh, that is that HBO is not cable, right? That's not considered cable, is it? It's a cable. It's not TV. It's HBO. Okay, <laughs> but like I think all the stars would have to kind of align in that way if it doesn't happen, and I I think it'd be. I found a lot of times event television that I that, that that kind of pops in my memory has been HBO. It's been Sopranos. It's been 
uh, Game of Thrones, shows like let that. Let me throw this out there. Let me throw not this out there. Though. I mean, you got your Walking Dead and your Breaking Bad. Yeah, but let me throw this out there. 24 and Homeland. That was event you, television. Heroes when it first season started. one. Well, let, let me throw this out there as far as the streaming services and maybe event television. And you can agree or disagree. But I would say it was basically water cooler talk for me. I know everybody at my job was talking about it. I know everybody online was talking about it. But just last year when Tiger King came out and I know the pandemic just started, but Tiger King was huge. Mayor of Easttown, maybe? I agree. But Mayor of Easttown is, is a really close one. And it felt like we were all just ready to jump on social media after those episodes. But I, I, I would say that Tiger King was even bigger, had a bigger uh, I agree. Oh, bigger, yeah, definitely culturally cultural impact than anything that we've seen in a long time, and that was something that everybody could binge in a day. Yeah, I agree. That that's a close one too. Making I a murderer agree. was like before that. I would say making a murderer was a big one too. But I'd say I don't I'd, think that one even even came close. No, no, no. It, it snuck up on everybody. It snuck up on everybody because it came out. Like, it came out like. Um, a months before people started really talking about it. I'm the one I'm sticking to is Tiger King. Yeah, because people I know that don't even talk about TV talked about Tiger. Yeah, King. like yeah, I, I I'll agree with you there. That's a good one. I just I don't know. It, it's it's not an event though when it catches it by surprise. You know that that's a little bit different. Like event television still has the definition of you're looking forward to it. It's not just like surprise thing that wow this is great everyone check it out you know uh, event Squid television in that well, same event like, well event television used to be uh, you couldn't record it mm-hmm. and you had to be sitting at your house in front of the tv at eight o'clock and if the power went out you fucking missed it i mean that event television used to be you had to be there watching it as it's fucking airing now it's right. just it's just yeah, okay. you can watch it whenever Brian, what's the first show you can remember having that feeling with? Like for me, I remember in high school it was Lost. Like I, if I didn't see it live and had to try to go into school the next day, go to my lunch table, it was an absolute nightmare. Like what was your guys' first show where you were like, I, I cannot miss it. I am in front of the TV. I got to fight with my parents. I'll fight with them. Like, do you remember their first show? Yeah, mine was Quantum Leap. Mine was. Oh, I'm going. I'm going back even earlier. I think than Quantum. My, my, might be a, no, that was yeah. The one that I, had to be there when it aired. Though. Sure. Oh my god. I would say this is going to sound silly, but like when I was uh, when I was like seven, eight years old, it was Alf. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I wasn't even thinking about that. Was that's definitely awesome. that was water cooler talk for little kids. The next day at school, I remember the the the, the night Alf aired. I remember the next day going to school, and all the kids were talking about. Did you watch Alf last night? And we all talked about Alf. Like we could not stop. And every week we would talk about Alf. Alf was like a huge show for like little kids back then. Cause like, oh, you know, it was like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Jake? Oh, for sure. For sure. It, that made me think about what an event it was for the first day of fall Saturday morning cartoons when they were brand new. Oh God. Yeah. Like that was like the biggest. Yeah. Like, I remember like buying the TV guide and like getting the highlighter pin out and like figuring out what I was going to watch in each. Time. Oh, I so, know. Like, Me too. And then I, well, I remember like the preview shows that they would have like the week before, oh, and they they give you like little clips of like these are the cartoons that are coming out now. Oh, get ready for season three of the Smurfs! Holy shit! Oh my god! And we would go nuts. Fucking! I remember Pee Wee's Playhouse. Pee Wee's Playhouse was fucking huge kid when we were kids, yeah. Jake. Yeah, yeah, giant. I mean, all that stuff. Fucking yeah. Muppet Babies and Smurfs. Oh, and, God, yeah. 
Yeah, the cartoons were just oh my gosh. Yeah, I, well, see, I don't know. I think I think I think as TV and uh, as entertainment evolves, you've got to change the way you look at event television and like. Yeah, we're just getting into the weeds about we like, the definition of. Yeah, event what is what is event television anymore? Because it's never going to be the way that it was when fucking like you know like it felt like one out of every three people on the planet were watching the finale of Mash, you know, like uh, you'll never beat that number. Yeah, but there were 106 million. Oh yeah, there weren't (laughs) options. Yeah, 106 million. That's I'm just saying, like, then what do we call event television anymore? It's it's like we can say Netflix destroyed it. We can say that it'll never be the way that it was, but. In a way, it's like fucking, you know, once cable came around, that destroyed event television, what it had been prior. So it's like we just got to adjust what how we view event television because it is going to evolve as entertainment evolves. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. I just I just don't see anything like. Oh man, it's unfortunate that we won't all be watching the finale of some insane show at the same time. Oh, I, I know. really think Disney Plus should um they would be heroes if they released those new shows like at a normal time. Like it's so frustrating to me that they have the ability to drop those on their service whenever they want and they Agreed. choose to at like what, three in the morning? Yeah, that's like, so stupid. I work six AM to two PM on a normal day and I just have to just dodge like crazy and it's like I I don't even get a fair shot to have instant gratification and i love being able to watch shows like that and then instantly comment on what happened it's like by the time i get off work the shit's already been out for 12 hours and it's already stale the spoilers and the memes that already blown the fuck up i why don't they release that shit at like 5 p.m 6 p.m 7 p.m like a movie like 7 p.m friday night debut you're debuting the new marvel show that makes the most sense and we all can enjoy and all these people like even the streamers or youtubers that try to even they end up doing well because of it because they can watch it and they do it overnight and this and that. But like, like you said, I go to work. I go to work at five in the morning. I am on my phone all day and it's, it's so, you're so natural in your habits. Even if you really are trying to be conscious, you're going to click on Twitter once or twice. You're going to click on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because we are who we are, the damn algorithm is going to pop up Mephisto the second <laughs> that son of a bitch shows up. You and I are going to be working on a construction site somewhere and like, I'm going to get blown up by some kid and be like, dude, I can't believe Mephisto. Like, you're right. Like everyone, not just saying us, but everyone should have that opportunity to be able to react. And that's like the beauty of going to a movie, unless you've read the spoilers. You're going to go into a movie and experience a premiere with everyone, and you're going to know it is. And then you can go out and talk about it and choose. But like you said, you have no fair shot when it releases in the middle of the night during a work week. And now how they're doing Marvel, they're doing Wednesdays and Fridays when there's Star Wars and Marvel. So then you have two days of the week, Jake, where you're dodging bullets on Twitter and Facebook. It's crazy. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. I, I think they really should just fucking use their power. Those shows are popular enough and get people's butts in seats at fucking 7 p.m. all at the same time. It would only benefit the product to have all social media just taking over because, I, I, you know, they already become the number one trending topic at four in the morning. I, it would blow up even more than that at a proper time. All right. I don't know. It's a wasted opportunity. Yeah, yeah, we could, I could, we could talk about this all day. Um, let's see here. Yeah, uh, definitely watch Foundation on Apple TV Plus. It is fucking phenomenal. I'm, 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 I'm here for the ride. I'm really digging this show. Um, I didn't tell you guys to watch this, but I did want to talk about it. I started watching Dark Side of the 90s on Vice. 
Um, I'm a big fan of Dark Side of the Ring. I'm all caught up on Dark Side of the Ring. The, the part uh, they're releasing week to week part two now. I think they've released three more episodes recently of Dark Side of the Ring. But I started. I saw Dark Side of the '90s on there, and I was like, okay, what's what's up with that? And um, it's it takes a deep dive into the '90s and and has like one particular thing that they're going to talk about. And then in, in the first episode, I th- no, it was the first episode they talked about like the trash TV, like the Jerry Springer stuff, and and that was interesting. But I I really got into it was the second episode of Dark Side of the '90s. They talked about the Viper Room. The yes, uh, so good. You watched it as well. Yeah, it's so good. I remember when Joaquin Phoenix, uh, not Joaquin Phoenix, a uh, River Phoenix. I remember when River Phoenix died, and it was all over. And like every tabloid had it. It was all over the news, and it happened right out in front of the Viper Room, which is a a, a club that Johnny Depp bought. And um, the episode starts with uh, the nine one one call that Joaquin Phoenix made about his brother dying and, and, you know, get someone here and you can just hear his voice. He's like crying. He's worried. And I was like, Holy shit. I was just like, from that moment, I'm just like, Holy shit. I just, I'm just sucked in. Like I knew, you know, I knew about the Viper room, Jake, but this really gets into a lot of like, you know, like the history of the Viper room and, and, uh, the lead singer, the, of the counting crows was, they had him, he was being interviewed there. Like he went there and he's like, you know, got a fucking like number one song and shit, but he's like serving drinks to like the other celebrities one night and shit. And it's fucking crazy. They talk about how it was kind of like, uh, you know, like, I guess like the grunge version of like, you know, studio 54 at the time. You could, and if you got in, like, you could just hang out with, like, you know, different celebrities and shit. Christina Applegate used to have, like, a burlesque show there with, like, some other girls and shit like that. I was just like, holy fuck, this is insane. And, um, they, they talked about River Phoenix. They showed a bunch of, like, his interviews, uh, throughout the years. And, um, I, I, I was just, I was just kind of blown away by, uh, by this documentary. So, um, and then they did a – did you watch – Billy, how, how far – did you watch the whole thing? I definitely saw the first two that yeah. you were talking about. If you said the episodes, I, I could remember if I saw them or not. Yeah, I'm like – I think I'm through four episodes. Um, they had uh, the – they did like a 90210 episode and like all like the teen dramas and shit. So they talked about 90210. They talked about Party of Five. They talked Party about – Party of Five, yep. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm a big, amazing. I'm a big dark side of the ring guy too. I've been on it from, you know, obviously with my wrestling connections yeah. and my things. So I've been on that from the jump. So anything that Vice puts out on their channel or on YouTube, I, I eat it up. Trust yeah, me. I'll give it a shot too. But they talked about like how, like, how revolutionary 90210 was, but then also on the flip side, like, there's also like, the, there's a dark side to that that kind of blew me away. Like, Gabrielle um, Carteris, who played Andrea on the show, she had to hide her age from the producers because, like, she got kicked off of a fucking uh, thing that uh, she landed a role and then they found out how old she was and then they kicked her off. She was 29 when she fucking started 90210. And they're supposed to be playing teenagers. She looked like a fucking, you know, like she could be a teenager. And... But then they got into um, some of the topics that they brought up on 90210, like with, you know, the school wanting to hand out condoms to the kids. And then 
90210 is actually quoted in in the paper and the Los Angeles school board voted on this and one woman changed her mind about how she was going to vote because of the episode of 90210 and they t- I mean I I was I was a huge fan of 90210 uh, I never really watched Party of 5 um but I did, and I didn't watch my so-called life when it first came out. I, I, I didn't watch that until I was an actually, I, until I was an adult. And, uh, that's a really good fucking show. But man, it was just, it was crazy. Uh, but Gabrielle Carteris was doing like the, what was it? The, the circus of the stars and her and Alfonso Rivera, uh, from, uh, Fresh Prince. He played Carlton. They had to walk. I it. love that dumb show. They had to walk, they had to walk a tightrope doing the Circus of the Stars. And, and then they did a practice run. She'd been practicing for months on this. She did a practice run and she got done. And when she got done, she hugged Alfonso. And the producers took her aside. And I fucking, I'm not even kidding you. I gasped when she said this because I couldn't believe it. They said, when we do this tomorrow, just don't hug Alfonso when you're done. Oh man. Jesus. Basically, Cold. basically saying like, you know, they said we have an audience in the Midwest and we'd rather not, you know. <laughs> oh gross. Yes. Mm-hmm. I fucking went, I, I, I literally gasped when I heard that shit. And then Gabrielle Carteris, she, t- uh, Carteris, she took Alfonso aside and she said, tomorrow would it be okay? If after we get done, when, when we, when they film it and it's being televised, instead of giving you a hug, would it be okay if I gave you a kiss? And he said yes. And then they showed it and I fucking started to cry. Like, like, oh my God, it was so fucking powerful. She is such a wonderful human being. And, um, oh my God, I, and they showed the clip too of her kissing. And like, if you were to watch that that night, like, you had no idea that producers had fucking coached her and told her not even to give him a hug. I was just like, oh, my God. They really fucking, you know, um, spill the beans on a lot of shit here. So I, I, I highly recommend this show. It's fucking, oh, they had a Beanie Babies episode as well. <laughs> oh, man. So I'm hooked on it. It's called Dark Side of the 90s. It's on Vice, and it's fantastic. I give it a, a Tupperware. So. Right, I knew nothing about the Viper Room stuff, I and mean, I'm not going to try to get into even opinions on things. But damn, just Johnny Depp has always been in some shit. He just never is not involved in something. It seems like I didn't realize it goes all the way back to that early. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you have you seen him in his new uh, cologne commercial? I have not. No. He looks fucking great. This is the best I've seen Johnny. It right now. It is the it is the best I've seen him in years. He looks fantastic. I think I. He looks great. He looks like he's fucking fifteen years younger. He looks great in the commercial. Going on mute to look at the commercial. (laughs) Oh, um, River Phoenix for us. That was like that was like. Because we're, I think we're a good ten years older than you, Billy. But that was our kind of like Heath Ledger. That was like, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, that makes so that actually puts a that 
is a great way to put context into it. Yeah, I mean, Heath Ledger, Dark Knight for me, I was 18 yeah. when that happened. So. Yeah, yeah, I was, a, I was a teenager when this happened, and, you know, like, fucking River Phoenix was, like, a huge actor from, you know, Stand By Me, and then he starts, you know, it, he was he even played young Indiana Jones in that fucking, you know, uh, Last Crusade, and... You know, he'd been in some, he'd been in some, I'm trying to think of some of his other movies, Jake. I was, I didn't watch a ton of River Phoenix stuff, but I remember he did, was it, it wasn't singles, it wasn't Reality Bites, I can't remember what it was called. Mm, it was something just like that. Though, yeah. Right, in that genre. What, was singles, was that Matt Dillon and was Reality Bites Ethan Hawke? I always confuse those <laughs> two movies. I, you got it right, you got it right. Okay. Which one do you like better? Uh, I was a bigger fan of Reality Bites. Uh, me as well. Me as well. Yeah. Better cast. It yeah. was funnier. Better music. Yeah. Oh, who was I? Who was I watching recently that did a a good Matt Dillon impersonation? Justin Long. Google that sometime. Oh, I can see it. I can see. <laughs> he it. worked with Matt. Private Idaho. That was a big River Phoenix movie. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Mosquito yeah. Coast, the original. Oh yeah, yeah, with uh, Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sneakers. That may be the one you were thinking. No. I remember that too. I remember that one too. Was that, was that a spy movie? movie? I think Nick Nolte was in it as well. Okay. Look yeah. it up. No, it's Robert Redford. Sometimes I confuse Robert Redford and Nick Nolte in that era. Oh, I confuse Nick Nolte and Gary Busey sometimes. Oh, I can see <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Nick Nolte just sounds like he fucking like ate like a fistful of steel wool and he's trying to talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised at how well he enunciated in his uh, Mandalorian voice work. Yeah. Did I think they used digital effects there. Um, I didn't ask you guys to watch this either. Did anybody watch Lula Rich on Hulu? Mm-mm. Yes. You did? Yes. Yeah, LuLaRoe, the billion-dollar clothing empire, accused of misleading thousands of women with their multi-level marketing platform. It's a pyramid scheme, and uh, I would I would recommend this, wouldn't you, Stephanie? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really, it's the some of the crazy stuff that was going on that some of these women were forced to do or felt forced to do, and just kind of the structure. It 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 was it was fascinating. There have been a lot of rumors circulating about LuLaRoe. Leading up to the documentary, a lot of people have come forward. They had been accused of some pretty egregious things, but like, and there were funny moments in it. Like, it was, I would definitely recommend it. It was a, it, I would, yeah. def- I would give it a Tupperware. It's basically like, it's a, it's a, it's a pyramid scheme. And this guy was saying, oh, it's a multi-level, what did he say? Multi-level marketing or whatever he called it. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's yeah. not a pyramid scheme. It's a, it's multi-level marketing. And, Anyway, like these women would buy these clothes and then they would open up their own storefront, which would be like a room in their house or whatever. And then they'd get on Facebook live and try to sell through these dresses. Anyway, gets to the point where it's like, just like with any pyramid scheme, the people at the top are basically getting commission from people under them. And then the people under them are getting commission from, you know, it it just, it, 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 it's, it, 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 all the money flows up to the top. And the people at the very bottom aren't fucking making shit. And they're telling them to buy more product. Oh, if, if your product's not being yeah. sold, you're not doing your job right, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. And then the, some of the people at the top, they didn't even have to fucking sell their clothes anymore. They were just making pe- money off of the – it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. And then some of these women would order clothes 
Well, they didn't have an, th- this company didn't have enough like room in their warehouse to like hold these clothes. So they just had boxes sitting outside and they were getting rained on. And these women were getting boxes with clothes and material that was just ripping. And, and it was moldy. And moldy. Smelly. Yes. I was, I, it's four episodes. It's on Hulu. You could bang, you could bang this out in a fucking afternoon, but I highly recommend it. It's called Lula Rich. It's on Hulu docu-series. I give it a Tupperware. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought that the people that own the company were just fucking jackasses. Yeah. It was a husband and wife duo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awful people. Who got a chance to see uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage in the theater? I did. I Me. did. Yeah, I saw. I've seen it twice. I, I saw it the second time in. Uh, I wanted to see it in 3D. They had a 3D showing at a theater in Champagne. So I was like, oh, I'll go check it out in 3D. Fuck it. Eddie Brock is still struggling to coexist with the shape shifting extraterrestrial Venom when deranged serial killer Cletus Cassidy also becomes host to an alien symbiote. Brock and Venom must put aside their differences to stop his reign of terror. It's directed by Andy Serkis, stars Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Woody Harrelson. And, uh, I'll, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just get into how I th- thought about this movie. I loved the first one so much. I do. I love that. I, and it's not like, it's not the venom we know from the comic books, but my God, I had so much fun with that fucking movie. And I, I do every time I watch it. I thought it was really funny. I thought Tom Hardy was great. This one, on the other hand, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give it a, uh, it was fun. But I'm going to give it a taste that it was fun. Uh, it's just, I thought Woody Harrelson was unremarkable. Um, I thought the direction by Andy Serkis was terrible. The pacing, even if with it being an hour and a half, it felt weird. It just, it felt like a, like an, a, like a, a nineties movie, but like in a bad way. Um, and, uh, can we all agree that when Cletus Cassidy broke out of San Quentin prison and killed that guy for his clothes, he killed Guy Fieri on his way to a funeral? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll co-sign that. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> did, did Woody did? No, I'll ask this question later. Fuck it. Uh, I'll give it a taste that it's just a standard taste that. I did have fun with the movie, but my God, um, this was, I thought the direction was absolute, and I love Andy Serkis, but my God, just keep him away from a camera. I'm sorry. I can't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I thought the direction was terrible. I thought some of Woody's lines were so awful. Like, uh, um, like when the, when they're, when they're pumping the lethal injection into him and, and, he starts to turn into carnage and fights back. And he's like, something wicked this way comes. I was like, (laughs) I have so many cringy lines written down. Trust me in my, in my comments, I I have. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. Um, and there's like, yeah, there's like a, there's a moment where he's talking to like shriek and he's like, and they said romance was dead or something. I was just like, this is so bad. The dialogue is so fucking bad in this movie. I thought Tom Hardy was fun as he always is. Um, I thought Carnage, the way Carnage moved was amazing. Carnage looked great. And it, in 3D, Carnage looked the best. Like Venom didn't really look good 
in 3D. Carnage looked fucking amazing, though. And I'll, another thing that I didn't like about this movie, as much as I enjoyed in the first one, was the action sequences. I don't think the action sequences, aside from the Carnage prison breakout, was really good. Um, I don't. I, I I was not impressed by the action in this movie, as as much as I was in the first one. So it's just a it's a taste it. It's a fun taste it, but it's it's not something that I would have like repeat viewings watching Venom Let There Be Carnage. Um, Stephanie, what'd you think? I agree with a lot of what you said. I was just going to say um, the, the breakout, the prison breakout scene of Carnage breaking out was probably the most excited and the most edge of my seat moment that I, I think I experienced. I think my issue. I'm going to give it a taste it, and that's a little difficult to do. I think that's being a bit generous. Yeah. The first movie, yeah, for all that it was, the first movie was, it's ridiculous moments. There was, it felt fresh. It felt, this movie just felt like a lot of just extra that. And it didn't, it felt ridiculous to the point of like it not being that great. I think, I agree, Tom Hardy was good. Um, I think Woody Harrelson, for, on like, for like what the bones of the movie is I think was good casting, but I completely underutilized, and I agree the dialogue was absolutely ridiculous. I think they could have made that they could have utilized him in ten times better. I think um, like the casting of Woody Harrelson, they were just like, oh my god, remember that movie he did, Natural Born Killers? Fair, yeah, you know, that and was it's a good movie, yeah, yeah, and but I don't think it was like inspired casting. I think this was like. I think like these Venom movies was just, it's just like a fucking boys club where it's like we all get to hang out and make a stupid movie. (laughs) And it it came, it read more stupid as the first movie, even though it didn't really feel like they did a whole lot that was different. It just kind of, I left feeling like it was just kind of dumb. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of felt dumb. Like a lot of the lines were just cheesy. The it was just dumb. It, it was, was dumb. It, it like it was it was it was it was dumb fun and like but it wasn't as fun as the first one and the, that's what kind of like elevated the first one for me. I just had fun with it. I could shut my brain off and have fun with it. But like as funny as an idea of like cuz I I felt like this was like a uh, uh a breakup movie. You know, like it's like, you know, Eddie and Venom broke up with one another. Like, let's let's have some comedy. We can have some comedy in there. I don't know. It just for as much for as fun as an interesting idea as that is, it just didn't really it didn't really work. Riz Ahmed was such a better villain in the first one. And it's not like he's like one of the most memorable villains of the past, like, you know, decade or anything. He's like he's definitely not any. uh you know, Heath Ledger Joker or Josh Brolin Thanos or anything like that. But, you know, he was better than Woody was in this movie. Um, Jake, what did you think of uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage? Oh, man, I, I fucking hated this. This is a toss-it for me. I, it, it's very unfortunate. And I, I was teetering between, between a low toss-it or a low taste it and a toss it. And I actually revisited the first Venom. I think it's like the fourth time I'd seen it. Yeah. And uh, I liked it less because I saw Venom 2. And I, I thought, you know, this is a toss it. it that, that's the definition of it for me. If it makes me even more disinterested in the franchise, then I, I was excited for the franchise. I, I just, this was such a fucking mess in every way possible. It was just a massive cash grab from one end of the movie to the other. Um, 
definitely plenty of stuff to talk about. An interesting post-credit sequence, but very in theme with the whole movie and just like more just attention getting cash grabbery. Um, man, it's so much this movie didn't make sense. Like I shriek like why she just is done like at one point is it too much for her like carnage and her killing police officers and then like a line is drawn where she's like no i'm done i'm not gonna work with this maniac anymore that made zero sense whatsoever um i thought the um relationship between uh, tom hardy was fine like he was good and the best part of the movie is him and venom and their relationship yeah but i actually thought it took steps back from what we did in Venom 1, and I didn't really care for it. I mean, you're led to believe that the only reason Venom's not just eating brains is because of his friendship with Tom Hardy and the control that Tom Hardy has on him. So, you know, Venom breaks out of Tom Hardy, and he eats zero brains. He steals a motorcycle and wears glow sticks and goes to a rave party where there's plenty of brains to eat that no one will miss, and uh, he restrains himself from eating all of them. I it makes no sense. Carnage's origin itself, like, I don't, if you're not a comic book reader, it's some movie mumbo jumbo bullshit. Like, they don't explain anything. It, how hard is it to have one line of dialogue where they even have Carnage call Venom father, just like he does in the comic books? But other than that, you, you get nothing. Uh, yeah. Venom says some dumb line about, oh, it's, it's the red one. Oh, no, I'm scared. Oh, my God. This movie was such a fucking mess. When a movie is bad, it makes me nitpick the comic book, like, accuracy more than I would if I had a fun time. Like, that was the difference between this and the first Venom. Yeah. Uh, sure, it didn't do a lot of stuff comic book accurate, but I had such a fun time. The heart of it was there. Fuck it. But this, once I'm just upset, bored, and pissed off, I'm just going to sit and nitpick every single thing. And this was one of the worst comic book blockbuster movies I've seen in a long time. Just awful. Billy. I. Um, so every episode of PCL I appear on, Brian somehow gives me some big, giant, piece of shit turd movie to see. And for me, this episode, it is definitely Venom, What the Recarnage. This movie stunk. I <laughs> This movie stunk. I'm sorry. First of all, off the top, there's the things that I think about coming out. Like, I should be coming out of that movie thinking about the post credit scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I should be thinking about how, like, Carnage did look really dope, and I liked seeing the... You know, famous imagery of like him in the cathedral and the prison break stuff is really cool. But then this is the shit that I'm thinking about when I left this movie. Apparently, symbiotes are really good at using Google and you, like. Hack- no, it's not Google. It was it was Web Find It. Web exactly. Like they're really good at search <laughs> engines and algorithms, and apparently they have USB ports in the symbiote thing. That's really cool. Sony movies just can't help themselves with product placement. They're naming things like Lucky Strike. They're showing Sony Bravia TVs every other scene. It's it's obnoxious. It's it's literally obnoxious. And you were talking about the dialogue. They literally said it's gonna be a red wedding. Like, <laughs> I literally, and I was okay. I was like, I mean, I wasn't had a bit, again, I wasn't hate watching the thing, but I just wasn't really, I was getting upset. Like you said, Jake, it's a really good point you make. When you really aren't enjoying something, you start to get more nitpicky about the character and what you remember about the character. And being like a 90s kid, 
Maximum Carnage, the animated Spider-Man stuff. That was such a big storyline. And to me, and that's probably why I have a really big problem with the first movie in general. And just I understand the circumstances behind it. But the story of Eddie Brock and Peter Parker are so intertwined to me with the characters of Venom and Spider-Man that it's really hard for me now to just see that. They may try to shoehorn some explanation where there could be some kind of animosity and the hive mind stuff that they kind of mention or whatever. But I just I just feel like it's just not the way to do it. And I know Sony knew it was a character they could use, but in a perfect world, I would have loved to seen Venom introduced after we had been introduced to Eddie Brock and having some interactions with Peter Parker. But um, Brian, you're right. The action really wasn't there. I just it just was disappointing. I, I really just didn't enjoy it. I, I ended up leaving again. I, I laughed at a lot of things. It was kind of I, I, I it was akin to me of how I watched uh, fast the most recent Fast and the Furious movie. Basically, I was like I enjoyed it, but there were just so many things wrong with it, and that's kind of the things I ended up leaving thinking about. Not the plot at all, or not what happened. Just like I can't believe Dom was Bane from Batman. Now I'm like I can't believe that freaking venom and carnage know how to use internet explorer like it's just that's the things i'm walking away with so unfortunately it's a toss-up for me and i love carnage so I, I just wish that it had been more fulfilling and that they maybe hadn't gotten rid of the character so hastily so bad i hated the look of carnage too i i mean aesthetically he looked cool but the sizing was just insane like he was whatever size he needed to be at any given scene i was as a kid i was thought one of the cooler things about carnage was he was kind of like the ferrari of like venoms like he was just smaller sleeker more deadly but instead in this they make him like even more bulky than venom and i i wasn't a fan of that art design yeah i, I was talking more of uh the way he moved is what i really appreciated um like the fighting in the in the prison. I love the way he would move and I don't know what you call those little thing, tendrils or whatever coming off of his body. Mm -hmm. the, the way that they would move, I thought it looked really cool and comic book accurate as far as what the, I think the movements would be, you know, translated to film. Yeah, I get that. I, the special effects weren't terrible, but yeah, the action was not good. And I mean, Brian, we knew like the end credit scene before we saw this movie and I, I'm being 100% transparent when you were telling me about that, I was excited. And that's how bad this movie was. Like, by the time I, I'm seeing it with my own eyes, I'm like, no, go away. Like, I, I just don't care. Here's my question. Okay. Let's talk about the post credit scene. Here's my... Okay, so now he's in the MCU. Something happened. There's an event ha that happened, and he's in the MCU. Now, can we tie that in with, like, what's going on? We can definitely tie that in with something that's going on with the multiverse. Is it, like... Is it, is it what Wanda did? Is it something that's happened in the events of Loki? Is it something that's gonna, that we're actually gonna see? Are we gonna see this happen in No Way Home? Is, is it possible that, that what the, whatever the event is in the post credit scene that causes, you know, Peter to show up on the television, could it, I'm thinking it's No Way Home because, you know, like he asked, Doctor Strange to do the thing and apparently it backfires. And so I'm wondering if it has something, if it's directly tied into that. 
I'm just guessing, but that was my assumption. I could also be 100% wrong. I'm right there with Stephanie. I think it's 100% going to happen in No Way Home, uh, mostly because of the Sony connection. I think they want the synergy of these two characters meeting each other to be like foreshadowed in their own Sony movies. So I can't see it happening anywhere else but the next movie, or No Way Home. Yeah, do you think, uh, here's my question, um, do you think that we've seen members of the Sinister Six through some of the leaks and things like that, um, and we know that um, Green Goblin, uh, we know Doc Ock, we know Lizard, um, we know Electro, and um, I'm trying to think, who's, but we haven't seen... Who's the other two? There's a mystery sixth member, right? I, well, I've I've gone over four. Mystery six. Who did you say, Bry? Mystery. You said Electro, Lizard, or Sandman, Green Goblin, Doctor Octopus. Okay, there so we go. Five. That we're at five. Okay, so is the mystery six Venom? Uh, yeah, that that would be really cool. Know. I've heard a lot of Mysterio rumblings. Uh, I, I, you can talk, you can say Mysterio, but um, uh, later on, I'll, I'll bring that up. Okay. Um, yeah, because we are gonna. There are some interesting Spider-Man No Way Home rumors that I want to talk about in Marvel news. But I'm thinking that the sixth one could be Venom showing up. Yeah, that could be really cool. I mean, it, it would probably be a good action sequence. We we know what you know. Web can deliver the action. It won't be Andy Circus behind the fucking camera. So I'm a little bit more excited. It's, it's John Watts. Oh, John Watts. I called him Webb. Uh, no, Matt Webb left. He was doing the Amazing Spider-Man series with uh, Garfield. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not completely off my rocker. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that director, as much as we thought about the first two Spider-Man movies, like there was never an issue with the way it looked or how yeah. the action flowed. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that, that that's exciting. I, I hope that is where they use them rather than just like what I would hate to see is. It's Venom 3, and that's where we're seeing this play out. Like, please no. Oh, we're going to get a Venom 3. <laughs> oh, you. I know we're going to get a Venom 3, but I don't want to yeah. see Venom 3 be the Venom Tom Holland. This movie was breaking, like, box office records, so, yeah. Yeah, it had the, the men in black factor going for it, where they got it, like, 90 minutes long, and they were able to... You know, especially with movie theaters now limiting their showings, like, and only showing at a, a certain window, you can cram in an extra showing of this thing every fucking day. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that 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 does help, but, like, you know, Endgame was a very long movie, and, you know. Oh, oh, agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, it's just, I, I, it just depends I can't, on the it's film. the same way. I'm not saying it's the only thing. Sure. But it, it, it helps. It is a way. It helps. It is a way to bolster it. Like, if this yeah. was a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie... I don't think it'd be shattering these records. Sure. I think word of mouth would be uh, putting a stop to some of these profits. Yeah. Jake, I think it's almost too perfect that, and, and I'm, you're not going to be happy about this, that Sony does Venom 3 as a Spider-Man-centric thing with a little synergy with how Spider-Man 3 was a Venom-centric thing. So maybe they're going to try to wash the bad juju away. I, I, I mean, I think there's a great chance you could see him in No Way Home. I'm thinking more so maybe towards the end or maybe even like a post-credit scene of that. My question would be like, what what would be Venom's motivation to go after Spider-Man, right? Isn't Eddie supposed to be in like, they're supposed to be basically like the lethal protector? Like, Yeah, here's the thing, really lethal protector, but what, what, did they see, what, what did they see on the screen? They saw that he's public enemy. Man, they don't do their fact checking. Apparently, I thought they were really good at search engines. No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, like, 
all I'm saying is at the end of that movie, it's like he said you can eat anybody. You know, after this, you can eat anybody you want. And like <laughs> yeah, they're looking, sure. they're, they're looking at who the who who the television is basically. This media, uh, you know, uh, the, the Daily Planet, not Daily Planet, uh, the Daily Bugle is basically saying that he's an enemy. And so they've got to protect the people from this menace of Spider-Man. So, yeah, let's fucking eat this kid's brains. Let's get Venom. <laughs> I, but let's here's the thing. It. I personally think that the one that's going to clear Peter Parker's name in this whole business is going to be vice. Like he's almost like a vice reporter, Eddie Brock. I think Eddie Brock might be the one that actually fucking is the one that clears his name by the time this is all d- said and done with. That would be cool. That, that would, would be cool. cool. Yeah. It'd be a way to make him make it relevant exactly to take it, the twist on the character and actually have a reason for it. And Stephanie, I, I don't think that Doctor Strange does that spell. I think Doctor Strange oh. is showing a demonstration of what it would be like if he cast that spell and showing the Peter showing Peter the dangers of messing with the multiverse. I think it's a demonstration. I think we're led to believe, and I, this is what I've read online, that a lot of the trailer that we saw is misleading. And this is from like very good like leakers that are out there, like legit leakers that have said that uh, the trailer is very misleading. I think that Peter goes back to the Sanctum Centorum with Mary Jane and with uh, Ned, Ned, and they perform it. Yeah, we've seen those Ooh. photos, too, where they're slinking around in the dark yeah. Uh, yeah. in Strange's Place. So, yeah. Yeah. That would be good for his character. Peter is dumb and naive enough, and that's a great Peter Parker character trait, like to just try to have the best intentions as a simple young kid and have catastrophic results. So I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I thought that in-credit sequence was really clunky, though. Like, the the idea and the ramifications were cool, but the actual execution was kind of a D-minus. Like, he, I didn't know, like, any kind of a blip was going to happen. Like, I just thought the... Re- Going in, I thought the reveal was going to be that he just was in the MCU the whole time. So he can't be. Surpri- he can't be. Like, um, no, I get that. I get. Well, that. hold on, hold on. The, the one thing that I want to throw out here is, and I don't know if it's in the f- first movie, if it's ever. No, I don't think it's ever in the first movie. But in the second movie, they show the daily. They they show the Daily Bugle, and it's an it's a it's a print newspaper and it's an online paper, and in the MCU, it's like this. You know, it's kind of like this vice kind of like, you know, hard hitting media. media. Yeah. 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 So it's they're two different kind of like two different kind of uh, uh, news sources than they are in in the two different worlds. So I just thought it was a hard sell that Eddie Brock's number one priority after having that happen, which would just be shocking and displacing, is to immediately pay attention to whatever's going on in the TV. Like, it, like the audience would be interested to see that was on the TV, but it, it's really wild that he's relaxed and like paying attention enough to that's his immediate next step. Well, here's so, the thing: it's very like bizarre. one minute they're watching some kind of like you know Latin soap opera, and then it flips like there everything's changed, and then like okay, let's try to let's try to figure out like where the fuck we are, what's going on on this TV. I would be watching the TV as well. I would think, yeah, I'd be I'd be a little freaked out by my surroundings, but like if I was in a completely different world and there's like a fucking, I might pay. I don't know. It just it just felt so forced to me. Yeah, just I, the whole I, act of it. I guess I, that wasn't my biggest gripe. 
Mm. That's my know. biggest gripe about the end credits. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the better parts of the movie. Yeah, I don't really want to gripe about the end credit sequence because I am excited to see Venom in the MCU. I want to see, I, I, I want to, like, I, I want to see what they can do with Tom Hardy in the MCU. Because, like, if, if in a perfect world, I want, like, I want them to just have fun with it. Like, they've had with all the other movies. Like, we get to see, like, Thor hanging out with the, with the Guardians. Like, I would love to see fucking, like, Deadpool and Venom hang out in a fucking movie. That would be a blast. So. Yeah, they would be hilarious characters to interact. I just have a really sour taste in my mouth now. I, I'm, you know, if they make a good movie, they could easily turn this around. I mean, we had to watch two stinker Thor movies before we all of a sudden were in love with a Thor movie. Yeah. So I, yeah. you know, I, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. But I'm not going to really... let you and Billy drag me down as much as you hated this movie. I still liked it. I still liked it. Oh, I gave it a taste. Please, we're not dragging anything. <laughs> yeah, no, you, no, no. Hold on. Shut the fuck up. You're dragging this conversation down because, like, all we're doing is shit about shitting on the fucking movie. So I'm gonna fucking lift it back up again a little bit. I didn't hate it as much as you two fucks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Listen, I'm the most family friendly person on this podcast. Oh my god! Will you let that? Will you remember will, that? Will you let that joke die. Jesus Christ! It will never die. Brian. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Midnight Mass on, uh, Netflix. Um, who got a chance to watch Midnight Mass? I did. Did, did uh, okay. I watched the entire thing. Oh. Same. I watched one episode of this. Yeah, yeah. I kind of figured. God damn you, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> I saw three. <laughs> let's start with Jake, because, like, if you watched one episode, you did not like it. I thought it was okay. It was okay. the road taste it for me. Oh my god! But I, I, I didn't have any with other stuff to watch and other stuff I was more excited for. I didn't immediately want to move on to the next thing. Um, I'd kind of had my dead cat quota for the night and was ready to watch something else. So <laughs> yeah, right. it was a, a middle of the road taste it for me. I, I thought it was a gorgeously shot show. Uh, I thought the music was really good. The acting pretty good. Um, it's kind of a slow simmer in the first episode, though. It doesn't really like get its meat hooks in you. In the first episode, I assume that that'll happen later on if I were to continue watching, if it happens at all. Oh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not, I'm not even going to act surprised. This is the best fucking thing I watched all week. Midnight nice. Mass. I, I, I will definitely give it a shot if that's where you're at with it. But I, like I said, I. Oh man, I was ready to just go back and watch another Foundation. Yeah, Midnight Mass is is. It, uh, yeah, this was the, this was fucking awesome. I could not stop watching this. Uh, let me read the synopsis. Midnight Mass sees Riley Flynn, a man haunted by a drunk driving accident, return to his hometown on Crockett Island, where he struggles to find a purpose in life. Enter the mysterious Father Paul. Uh, it's created and directed by, uh, in my opinion, one of the better uh, horror directors and creators out there right now, Mike Flanagan. He did uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. He did Dr. Sleep. He did Gerald's Game. And um, and uh, th- this one stars Zach Guilford from Friday Night Lights, uh, Kate Siegel, Hamish Linklater, Samantha Sloyan, Rahul Kohi, and Henry Thomas is in this one. And um, what was it? Oh, what was that fucking show? The, the Haunting on Hill House? He did that one as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I fucking love that. Um, this is the best thing I've seen all week. 
This is I I I, I could not stop watching this. Mike Flanagan is a fucking genius. This is an absolute Tupperware. So much that he does with this, and like some of it, if I if I talk about it too much, I'm going to get into spoilers. But there's a, there's a larger discussion to be had about this series because it is so. It is so well done. I've never, I will say this. It's a very devout Catholic community that, that, that lives on Crockett Island. And we have seen throughout history, people interpret the scripture and change what they want from the scripture to, you know, support their beliefs. So, um, no, no matter how you feel about religion, that's basically like, you know, we've seen people take things away from, from the scripture and add things. And in this, you see people that think that they are these devout Catholics and they're doing the right thing. We see them kind of like twist the scriptures to kind of fit their narrative within this town and the way that they want to see things go. And I was fucking blown away by this. There are times where um, there's like the, some mysterious thing that's on the island and like, it scared the shit out of me at times. Just like fucking creepy as all hell. And, uh, the story of the, of Riley returning home and just, and then, and then their, their, their fucking, their priest is gone. He's sick. And then this younger priest comes in to take his place and, and just, oh, Okay, Billy, talk to me. What did you think about Midnight Mass? You know, so I come on PCL, and every so often Brian gives me something really good to watch. This is one of those things. This is an absolute Tupperware. Jake, you should finish it. I know we were talking about the first episode. I can get that vibe. You feel like it might be going either way. The the dialogue in this compared to what we were just talking about in Venom is apples to oranges. I mean, this is literally some of the best monologues I've seen in a while in any series. I mean, the last time I can remember a monologue even affecting me, I think episode four is my favorite episode. Um, I won't get into any spoilers, but two characters have a conversation about what they think happens after you die. And um, the one of the monologues in there to me was probably the best monologue I've seen since for all mankind earlier this year. Um, there was a fight scene that I felt was very real, but just the characters were all believable. Um, I don't know how familiar anybody in the audience obviously is say with the Catholic faith or with devout Christians, but it really does play on some of those, not tropes, but some sad realities of some people for they let their devoutness get in the way of um, being a good person and being accepting and letting your devoutness cloud your judgment, even when there are some really extraordinary circumstances that would push you to decide the opposite way. You sometimes let some things get in your way, like your beliefs or what you think your value to the community is or what you have – this show is just so good, and Brian's right. Like you can't. I, I'm trying to. I hope I don't sound too. It's much. hard to talk about it without spoiling I, I don't it. Want to spoil anything? I really don't. And I know Brian. I know Brian knows what I'm talking about. There are just so many characters. I really. I mean, he named a lot. Zach Guilford, um, you know, always will be Matt Saracen to me. Riley Flynn, amazing. I'm really glad. And I, I, I'm hoping, and I really do think that this role is going to catapult him back into some I hope more so. notoriety and some better. He roles. was fucking incredible in this. Incredible. Um, like Hamish Linklater as Father Paul, 
amazing, but I honestly think the standout character to me, Brian, was um, Samantha Sloyan as as Bev Keen. I mean, a character you just want to fucking punch in the face on every scene. Yeah, she's in. yeah. She's so goddamn good, and she yeah. eats up every scene she's in. And everyone, please, if you haven't, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you have already, but if any of you were on on the fence or like Jake only watched maybe one episode. I would give it to at least episode four. I am telling you, if you get through episode four, there's no way you're not going to watch the last three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jake, I don't like, I don't enjoy seeing dead cats either. I didn't enjoy seeing the dog get killed in John Wick, but I finished the movie. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. It was just a, you know, I'm, I, I've never gotten up and walked out in the middle of a movie theater, but it's easy to not click next episode. So I know. I, I had a problem with that. that taste in my mouth. And but man, it's it's Mike Flanagan. I think Mike Flanagan is a fucking horror genius. And uh, I wanted to finish and see this through, and it's it, it wasn't a chore. It was like I have to finish Midnight Mass, and it was it's an absolute Tupperware. You've seen three episodes, Stephanie. What are your thoughts? So I'm not I'm on the fence to be honest because I'm three episodes in, and I feel like not a lot has happened. Um, I feel like there's obviously something. It's the third episode, and we finally see, without giving anything away, like at the end of that episode is finally when, like, something happens. This, like, and you're this, not even sure what happened. Yeah, this okay? is this is they they basically they have pegged this as a slow burning mystery. So you have to stick around to get the whole picture. They're just not going to give it to you all up front. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, part of that is like not knowing what's coming and still being three episodes in and the the burn is slow and so i don't know how much longer i'm gonna have to wait for it to really like this because there's not a whole lot of suspense they're focusing a lot on the the character who just recently came home and the the crazy town lady who you want to punch a face um i like the sheriff a lot um but like there's some there's there's they're giving you can tell they're giving you pieces of a puzzle um, that none of them have really come together yet. I mean, I may continue to watch. If it doesn't, if it really doesn't start giving me more in the next episode or two, I don't know if I'll be able to. This is it. crazy to me. This is Billy. I'm saying this is fucking crazy to me. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't, people, know. I don't, know I don't get it. Watch the same goddamn show. I don't, I don't understand this. I do not understand episode this. Episode four is the best episodes, I, I think. I think that's where the monologues I was talking about, but I was in from. Maybe maybe it was the, the killed the dead cat. Maybe the dead cat got me into it. Like I was just in from there. But no. But seriously, I'm not joking. Brian, I agree. I I this was, I watched this. I, I I had a long work week as well. But Friday I had a slow day, so I started on Thursday night thinking, okay, I'll watch one episode and then go in the office and you know, kind of relax and watch the rest. I think I watched five episodes in a row starting at like 11 o'clock on third i could not stop because i the characters i i just think the dialogue was so well written and i yeah i think i was gonna get blindsided and i don't think you will be in the end i think the ending is earned i think the ending when you get to the ending is the only ending there really realistically could be the fucking and, the fucking like, penultimate episode is insane the fucking the episode what what happens when the whole town gets into the fucking church is fucking insane. I do not understand. I can't even I can't even comprehend what Stephanie and Jake are saying. Like it's like it's like I'm listening to someone speak in a foreign foreign language right now. I have no idea. I, like, did, I didn't. I didn't dislike the show. Crazy. I'm not saying no. Just like I'm not saying negative things about the show. I, I just literally did not have enough time to watch much more than this. 
I'm just, I, it just, it blows and, my, and it didn't like, it didn't like, I didn't have the Billy effect where I watched one episode and I was like just stuck there and like, okay, I'm going to watch four more, but I, I trust both of you guys and I'll, I'll bang out some more episodes. I'll, I'll give it the four episode test. Like Billy suggests. There you go. You're going to have to because the first three will put you to sleep. You're oh, fucking out of, you're out of your fucking mind. You are, you are out of your fucking mind, Stephanie. Oh, we were ride or dies. How did this relationship fall apart so I'm quick? so sorry. It was a bit, yeah, I'm sorry. It was a quick demise. My apologies. I'm just. You are out of your fucking mind, Stephanie. You're out of your fucking, at least Jake only watched one episode. You've watched three. You, you have no excuse. No, I, I wasn't bored at all, too. And I, and I, I also liked the Bev character. She really gave me heavy, uh, Stephen King vibes. Like, she reminded me a lot of the character from The Mist that gets trapped in the grocery store with them. Like, she just had a lot of those vibes going. So, and I, this takes, like in, in I my opinion, too. and Billy, yeah. tell me what you think. In my opinion, this takes a lot of things that we've seen in a lot of different, in a lot of different horror. Uh, it takes, and stuff that could be boring. And Mike Flanagan just puts like this crazy new twist on all these different things. And I think where it's, it's the strongest is like the characters and then, and then I, I, God, and then just like when shit hits the fan later on, it's just like you're sucked in. I could not stop watching this. I think you're hundred percent right. And I think a way maybe I can put this out there to people that I think really resonated with me not like, it's not with personal experiences, but it's like. It is the supernatural scary, which is definitely more of the slow burn. But what the combination of scary and maybe even more scary is how it relates real life scenarios and what ifs. You know, this is no spoilers. It's in the synopsis. But one of the main characters, Riley, had been involved in a drunk driving accident where he unfortunately took someone's life. And then guess what? He's going to have to eventually come back to his real life and guess what? Your actions may have affected other people and put yourself in those shoes of having to come home to your family who's not doing well and you have to come home with this big, big, big sack of baggage and you're going home to a very religious community and guess what? There's also a lot of other characters there that are kind of fish out of water and really don't fit in with this and I think that's where the first few episodes really carried it for me was the real life, like yeah. God damn it! Like yeah. as crazy as this is, it's it's very relatable. Yeah, it's, it's real. I can see it's believable. Yes. before you get into the other stuff, I you know, and I come yeah. from I come from you know my parents very religious. I was like raised in the church and everything like that. So yes, yeah, so a lot of this maybe hits me a little bit differently than other people that watch it. I mean, so there's like that whole thing because like my parents were here last weekend and we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things now. You know, it's like one of those things where, where I'm older and I have my own thoughts and my own beliefs and we just don't see eye to eye anymore. And there's a lot of that that translate in this. And I'm not saying like, that's what made it good for me there. My God, there are some really creepy and amazing moments in this and just great dialogue. Like you said, Billy, and I would say this. On social media, I would say more people are loving Midnight Mass than are fucking saying, like, eh, whatever, it's it's whatever. I don't think this is your standard fucking, like, Netflix kind of, like, you know, release of a, sh- of a show where sometimes it just, like, nobody really cares about it. I do think that there is a, there is a, this, this, this miniseries has a pretty big following online. I think more people are enjoying this than not. 
I'm just, I'm just, oh my god, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked. I love this. This is so good. I will say, um, one of the things, one of the things about the, the first three episodes that I've seen that is giving me the most, that's putting me on the edge of my seat the most is not the supernatural or whatever appears to be the mysterious thing that's happening in the town. It's the small town itself. So like that woman who works at the school who's awful, like this kind of the things people say to the sheriff, those one-off comments, like the small town living that in itself, there's like a frightening aspect to that. Like these people are trapped and like the te- the, the, uh, there's Riley that came back and the teacher that he knew from when he was younger. And that's another character that's come back after kind of leaving the islands and like their, their way of thinking seems to be just, and the doctor, like their way of thinking doesn't seem to be aligned. And so there's like, not, it's not a fear, but there's almost like a like walking on eggshells because this whole town is so deeply rooted in their faith and and the way that they do things that that to me so far has been the most interesting. Not what's going on in the town, which appears to be obviously like the bigger picture of whatever is going on with these dead animals and stuff. But I will say that that is an that is a an angle that the show is taking. And they're doing it well, in my opinion. Your review when you first started off talking about this, it was like you were like watching paint dry. I like- mean, it is. It's just because I because I think although what I just the things I the, the thing I just mentioned that I like, although that's an aspect of the show, I know it's supposed to be like a horror or like a like a I don't know if it's horror, supernatural, whatever. That that slow burn is just where is it? Like I need it. I'll give it another couple of episodes because you guys, I trust your judgment. And if it's that good, like I believe that it's probably going to pop off soon. But like, I don't think you deserve to watch it, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know to do it myself right now. I'm still good to go, right? I can watch more. You know? <laughs> but Jake, like this, this is better than Foundation is. Like, okay, objectively, I feel. Like, I mean, again, it's it's going to be a whole different. It's thing, a different you know, thing, yeah. Series, but I mean, from watching that amount of episodes versus that, I, I had yeah. to keep watching this. I'm with. Know. I'm with you, Billy. Like, like I knew four episodes of Foundation were out. I was like, I can get to them and I can get to them. But Midnight Mass is like, I gotta finish this now. It was like, it, it was like, I gotta finish this. Ryan, they don't even know about Mephisto. It's <laughs> funny. I think my favorite moment in the whole episode was a, a somewhat comedic moment, but also sad was when uh, Riley's father attempted to give him a hug. And it turned into a real awkward handshake. I, I thought the dynamic between Riley, his father, and his mother seems to be one of the more interesting dynamics going on. And I, it, it gives me a lot of faith in this show. Like, that's also very Stephen King. Like, you introduce these characters. You introduce their very real-life situations, their very real-life motives. And then you kind of turn the dial up on the what-the-fuck-is-going-on stuff. And it, it makes that all the more interesting once you can establish these characters as relatable, you know, breathing characters. See, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing to give it more. I'm watching Chapel Wait on Epics, which is like, you know, based on, on Stephen King, Jerusalem's Lot, and I'm watching that, and a lot of people are thinking that is a slow burn, and I think I'm like six episodes in, and I've been hooked the entire time, so like, maybe, you know... I kind of, sometimes I enjoy the slow burn for what it is and because you've spent a lot of time with these characters getting to know them. And then so when, when things actually do start happening, you have more of a connection with these characters and there's characters you want to see live. There's characters you want to see die because they've been awful. So I don't know. I've, I, I absolutely love Midnight Mass. It's a Tupperware for me. It is something that I would revisit. Billy, did you get a feeling like there could be a season two? Well, I don't 
yeah, because there. I mean, we could talk. We'll talk about it offline. But there is a major plot thread presence that occurs throughout the season that we don't get a definitive answer yeah. on the outcome. Yeah, and maybe there. I mean, I know he, like I said, he did the Hill House and stuff. Do you feel like there could be a chance where they do a kind of? Um, we talked about a lot about Stephen King. Like maybe he'll have some kind of uh, Netflix horror verse where it's not sequels, but maybe these are all existing in the same sure. Earth. Like maybe the like next Castle series, Rock. original series, he does. We get a nod to this yeah. from that or something. Definitely could happen. Yeah, I could see something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Stephen King. Jake, when's the last time you watched, uh, what was it, Maximum Overdrive? Oh, I've actually seen that pretty recently, too. I was doing, like, a Stephen King old movie deep dive a few years ago. Did you know that the, I think they were, they were filming in Dallas. Did you know that the cinematographer lost his eye in that? I did. I did know that story. What? Yes. They, they okay, in the, in the movie. Um, did the Emilio Estevez one? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. In the movie, machines start, you know, coming alive and killing people. Anyway, they, they hooked up like a, a lawnmower to like a remote control or something like that. And this lawnmower, I think it hit like a pile of wood and a big pile of like wood, like went into the cinematographer's eyeball and blinded him. He lost an eye. Yeah, I think the urban legend I always heard was that it was just an actual splinter. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Like, not even, like, a chunk of wood. Oh, right? wow. That, like, the wood was, like, fractured and, like, a bunch of splinters shot at him. I, that's, I'm t- it's a hitting a little close to home. I cut down a few trees in my house today with a chainsaw, and, and it wasn't really, I didn't have my safety glasses, and, you know, that's, now I'm thinking, like, damn, I could have been the cinematographer. Yeah, you could have lost a the fucking eyeball. Home, guys. You're gonna, oh my god, yeah. Fucking, I don't know. Uh, Stephen King, I think he's a, an amazing fucking writer, but my god, most of the stuff when it comes out, as far as like adapting it to film, is just trash. Most of it. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. For every Shawshank that, Redemption, there's a mangler. Is that the name of the book? I, I don't recognize the, that. Uh, the like, story is called Truck. So truck. In one, I don't uh, think it's, it's in either Skeleton Crew or Night Shift. I forget uh, which. I, I get it actually, things. when it first, it was actually first published in a magazine. Well, all of those stories from Night Shift and Skeleton Crew were all in like Cavalier magazine. Yeah. Those are the collective oh, Okay, so work. this isn't a novel yeah. you're saying? No, no, it's a short story. And then it's the only movie that Stephen King directed himself. Oh, yeah, the first three Stephen King short story books are actually collections of, like Brian said, his short stories from like horror pulp magazines like Cavalier. Uh, he did a few for Playboy as well. Yeah, and just like just odd magazine appearances. Like you this know, is before, before Christine. Yeah, before Carrie even. Before Carrie, yeah, yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and come back. We got more good pop, bad pop. Yeah.
right, hey, we're back. Well, welcome back. Welcome, Jake. I would <laughs> welcome back to one of our uh, worst episodes ever, wouldn't you say? I would not say that. I don't think it's one of our worst episodes ever. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I may be too delusional to realize it, though. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, mm. um, I put this movie on the list. I want, I'm interested to see if you guys watched it. There's someone inside your house. I watched it. I did too. I also did. Um, interesting story, guys. Interesting story here. I put this on the list and I went into Netflix and I don't know how this happened. I, I, I'm looking. <laughs> this is not the movie I watched. I went to watch this movie. <laughs> But I watched a completely different movie. And then when I'm yes. doing the notes for this show, I realized I looked at the poster and I looked at the main actor and I was like, Brian, you thought you watched There's Someone Inside Your House. That is not what you watched. I had no clue what I had watched. So I, I went back to Netflix to see if like it was on like, you know, and I was like, where, where's that movie I watched? I literally had to type in a description of the movie on Google to find <laughs> the movie that I had watched. What? I know this sounds insane. What so was great. I'll, I'll get to that, Jake. I'm going to review okay. it next. But I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did not watch. There's someone inside your house. I thought I was watching it though. So. <laughs> So when I saw this, we literally are going to record in like an hour and a half. And I'm like, I do not have time to watch this movie. <laughs> so the first this is great. I'm going to find out how there's someone inside your house was when I talk to you guys. And then I'll talk to you guys about the movie that I actually watched after you guys get done with your review. Because I did not watch this fucking movie. And I think this will be <laughs> super interesting to hear what you guys thought about this one. Uh, there's someone inside your house. This is on Netflix. After moving to live with her grandmother in Hawaii, a teenager must confront her past after fellow students at her school are murdered. Uh, there's someone inside your house is a horror novel by American author Stephanie Perkins. It was published on September 12th of 2017 by Dalton Books, Jake. Oh, ooh, Dutton Books. I apologize. Dalton Books is their rival. So I, it's, <laughs> you were thinking of B. Dalton. B. Dalton. I was actually thinking of Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse where he played Dalton. <laughs> Walden Books. Mm. That's a good uh, one too. So I did not watch this movie. When I was watching what I thought was this movie, this is blowing my fucking mind because <laughs> The title of the movie that I watched has nothing to... I, this is blowing my... I don't even know how I started watching this movie. What? Yeah, what happened? I don't know, Jake. I have <laughs> no idea. Did you post on Facebook that you were watching this movie? Like, no. Like the correct movie? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think I did. Um, Jake, what did you think about uh, There's Someone Inside Your House? Oh, I hated this movie. I, I don't know how everyone else felt, but I mean, you did yourself a favor. Whatever you watched had to have been better than this. This was really, really bad. Um, it, you know, it was like Fear Street, but watered down minus the camp, minus the charm, minus the interesting characters, minus the self-awareness. The only thing that was left was the 
just insanely tropey horror motifs. I don't know how many characters you see get a knife stab right next to them that almost kills them, and they scream because the knife is right there. And, I mean, the killer makes a mask of the person he's about to kill every time before he kills them. (laughs) And even when the killer is revealed, he makes a remark. One of his lines is, you know how difficult it was to make all these masks? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's not played as a joke. I think it was a deadly serious line to explain, you know, how that was possible. Um, Yeah, when this movie wasn't boring, it was predictable. And it was, it will probably be the worst horror movie I watched this year. So, what did you guys think? Did you guys like this thing? Stephanie, what did you think about there's someone inside your house? Sorry, it's my dog scratching. Um, okay, bud. Sorry. Um, so, I didn't, I didn't care for this movie. It actually felt to me like they had taken quite a few elements from Scream back in like 96. It just, from the beginning of the movie, you know, you know who the killer is. You're just waiting for them to tell you who it is. And, but like they did a worse job at keeping it a secret than I think movies like Scream did. I think it, I agree with what Jake said. None of like no campiness, like not a whole lot of suspense. I didn't even really like the killings in this movie. They were a bit like underwhelming for as gruesome as some of them were. They just weren't, they didn't do it for me. Um, it, it was pretty bad. It, it was just pretty bad. I, I think it, it just it was, it was the whole thing was just unnecessary. I'm not even really giving a lot of like feedback just because there's not a whole lot to give because they didn't give me anything to provide feedback on. I didn't think the movie was very good. I give it a low taste it. Low taste it, but there's someone inside your. I'm so far. I'm glad I, I fucking missed this movie. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, oh man, Brian dodged a bullet on this one. Yeah, holy shit, Billy. What'd you think about? There's someone inside your house. I'm getting sick of saying the title of the fucking movie that I didn't watch. <laughs> This movie sucks. <laughs> this movie. Um, so there was the, this, everything they're saying is completely correct. It, it just did not, it was very predictable. It did not have any of the charming campiness. It seemed very imitating. Um, there, the only funny part of the entire movie was that after a death, there was a part where a bro said, I hope they're serving fireball in paradise, brother. I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. And then um, I think this may be the first film in history, and you guys may, you guys definitely have a better, uh, you know, library than me, but has there ever been a, a Nazi pot party in a movie before? This might be the first. Yeah, I think so, right, Jake? I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. There was a Nazi uh, paraphernalia pot party in this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, you're really running out of ideas. The kills, like you said, I actually laughed when you talked about how many knives pop in and out of walls next to people. Until you said that, it didn't really occur to me. Then I started thinking back to the scenes. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, it was all those type of scenes. Um, I I think, Brian, I'm really looking forward to hearing the review of your movie because this one, again, it's not a big time commitment. It is, you know what it is. If you even watch the Netflix little quick preview on the home screen, you get a vibe for what you're going to see. It is lazy, though. Like, Fear Street's a great comparison. Fear Street, way, way better. Even the worst Fear Street is better than this. Correct. Wow. Holy shit. one last thing too. This movie had 
a thread that I feel like it was starting to pull. Like the killer was exposing people, like was exposing people's secrets and like everybody's like in theory, I guess everybody's got some like a secret they're holding on to that they don't want people to know. And like, I don't know. The secrets are just kind of stupid. Yeah. They were all bad secrets. It was all the kind of shit where like, it's like going to expose these people if anyone finds out, but it's all these situations that if you would just explain to someone, they would understand what happened in that situation. They were, uh, they were, that's that's the thing I have in my notes. It's like, this is why the movie didn't work for me is that all the victims were total pieces of shit. So like, you didn't even care. Like the one girl hosted like a white supremacy podcast <laughs> and the other dude was like a high school football player that beat the shit out of a kid for like a hazing thing. Like I'm like, yeah, good. Kill those motherfuckers. And then you, you like you guys say that you start to see the killer becoming pretty predictable and you're like, why is that person give a shit about that anyway? And it's, I'm like, oh God, it, it, it is, it's just. It's very up and down, but mostly down experience. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess the the final secret was the one that was stuck in my mind, and that was of the main character, and that was very much a situation where it's like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm being bullied, and I retaliated, <laughs> and oh my god, people are going to find out. And I, I was, for the final secret reveal, it, it should have been something. Like, they should have had some balls and actually made that character do some some hideous thing that they would have actually been ashamed of. It also seemed yeah. very public knowledge what she did. Like, it didn't seem like that would be an easy thing to hide. Yeah, it makes sense, actually. Yeah. Like, that, that, it makes a lot of sense when you put it like that, too. When I was doing the notes for this episode, and I realized I watched the wrong movie, <laughs> and then I started looking at what movie you guys watched... I was like, I bet they fucking hated this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, what you watched had to have been better. It had to have been. Dude, I dodged, like you said, Jake, I dodged a huge bullet because I watched a movie that I fucking loved. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking jerk. <laughs> and I thought I was watching the right movie when I watched it. I don't know how I watched how did I fucking even watch this? I don't even know how this pulled up. Did I have this for next week? Hold on. I got to see if I've got this. Is no. it a new movie? Do I have it for next week? It came out on September 29th, Billy. So it's pretty new. Okay. But I don't know how I got this confused with there's someone inside your house because the movie I watched was also on Netflix, but it was called No One Gets Out Alive. Similar. And it's based on it's based on Adam Neville's novel Mangini's No One Gets Out Alive explores the real life horror of how undocumented immigrants are exploited using a conventional horror movie construct. Amber is haunted by the death of her ailing mother in a hospital scene we see revisited multiple times throughout the film. And so in this movie, you've got this girl. Amber, she's an undocumented Mexican immigrant, and she moves to Cleveland after the death of her mother. And um, her mother, uh, she she can't live a normal life. Her mother just, she, she gets sick, and then she gets better, and then she gets sick again. And so finally, after her mother passes away, um, she's trying, she moves to Cleveland, and She's trying to save up money to get a Texas ID because she's got a good job lined up for her. Um, 
And, um, but she needs to prove that she's an American citizen and she's not. So she's going to buy this Texas ID. And anyway, she moves into this boarding house, uh, that's run by, um, this guy red and his, his brother, who's really odd. Um, he's, he's a huge man. He's, but he's very odd. And, um, I, if I get into it too much, I'll spoil it. I will say that that things start happening in the house, and, and you're always wondering, like, like you know, s- s- girls will show up in the house, and then you won't see one for a while, and you're like, well, what happened to that girl? Are are these guys killing these girls? Are they? Is, is there sex trafficking going on? But then there's also like this weird horror element, and you just need to watch the movie to find out like where it goes and what happens in this. Um, I absolutely loved it, though. I, I I give this movie a Tupperware. I had a blast watching this fucking movie. I thought it was fantastic. You watched a Tupperware movie? <laughs> I did. I well, I did. I I you know you might watch it and feel feel differently. I mean me. Me and you, Jake, when it comes to horror stuff, sometimes we don't always line up. But I, I absolutely thought that this was fantastic. I don't know how I watched this and didn't watch the fucking shit movie you guys watched, but I loved what I watched. Yeah, I mean, just on description alone, it sounded way better than what we watched. I mean, <laughs> it actually sounded like it, it had a, an iota of thought when it came to the, the writing and the structure and the idea of it. I mean, that... That seems like a really cool presentation, like way to present that story. Yeah, you're always kind of guessing as to like what's really going on in this house. Um, and uh, is there something more kind of like sinister and demonic going on in this house? Or is it simply like these guys are just fucking like sex trafficking these girls? You really don't know what's going on until the story dives deeper and you get to the end of it. But I fucking loved it. It's a Tupperware, and it's on Netflix. It's called No One Gets Out Alive, and it is fucking phenomenal. I loved it. Um, I also wanted to talk real quick. I watched uh, – I don't know if any – I didn't put it on the list because this was just like a spur-of-the-moment kind of theater watch for me this week. But I watched Cop Shop in the theater. Has anybody seen Cop Shop? I've seen the trailer, no. but I, no, I didn't see the movie. No, I didn't actually. This is one that uh, I was on Scenic Cast maybe three weeks ago, and Kova was talking about it. Kova was saying it's a really good movie, and uh, I was like, okay, well, you know. And I kept putting it off, kept putting it off, and like I think like the thing that pushed me over the edge to watch this one was the fact that it was the last showing for it, and it was like if you don't see it now, you're not going to see it. So I went, it was Thursday and Jake, literally the only theater playing it was the theater in my town. If you went, even if I went to Peoria, they still weren't playing it. Nobody else was playing it. So like I had to see it this night. Um, screaming through the Nevada desert in a bullet ridden car, wily con artist Teddy Moretto hatches a plan to hide out from lethal assassin Bob Vidic. He punches rookie officer Valerie Young to get himself arrested and locked up in a small town police station however jail can't protect moretto for uh, for long as vidic schemes his own way into detention biding his time in a nearby cell until he can complete his mission this one's directed by joe carnahan i love joe carnahan he directed um stretch with patrick wilson which i think was on netflix If, if it's not on netflix you can try to find it it's called stretch um and then he directed boss level with frank grillo that was we i think we i think we all 
Jake, I think we reviewed that on this show, boss level. Frank Grillo, it's kind of like the we, groundhog. We yeah, it's a Tupperware for me. Um, and Joe Carnahan also was going to direct uh, at one time the Daredevil reboot after Affleck. Before, do you remember when? You remember when the rights were going to lapse back to Marvel if Fox didn't make a Daredevil movie? Yeah, yeah, and they they were just going to hurry up and make one before we find out about this the sale. And so, sorry, my cat was on the table. I had to <laughs> take him off. Um, but uh, Daredevil was they were going to reboot it after Affleck, and they were going to have Joe Carnahan direct the movie, and he actually made a sizzle reel that they put on YouTube. You can actually watch it now. That sizzle reel. It's been on YouTube for years. Just just um, Google Joe Carnahan Daredevil sizzle reel, and you can watch it if you want to. They didn't cast an actor or anything. This was basically like just his vision of like what he was going to do, what he had planned for it. But anyway, um, god damn it! Now something on my fucking computer screen popped up, and I don't know how to get rid of it. <laughs> That's distracting. God damn it! Get up. Let me pause. All right, I'm back. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. All right. Anyway, it's, it's uh, Cop Shops directed by uh, Joe Carnahan, and uh, it stars Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, Toby Huss, and Alexis Louder. And um, I loved this movie, too. Oh, my God. This was, this was a lot of fun. I couldn't believe I loved this as much as I did. You've got uh, Frank Grillo at the beginning of this movie. He's being shot at. He's in a car that's been got all these bullets in it and shit, and he's running away, and then his car breaks down. Makes it to, like, this casino, and he wants to get arrested because he's being chased. He wants to get put behind bars because someone's out to kill him. And so he punches this police officer in the face, played by Alexis Lauder. And she is fantastic in this fucking movie. Anyway, Gerard Butler's the guy that's going after him. And Gerard Butler gets himself put into jail with this guy. So they're like in cells right across from each other. And Gerard Butler act like, acts like he's drunk. And then Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler are fucking, you know, going at each other across these cells and things like that. Anyway, they end up breaking out and shit just goes crazy in this fucking police station and there's gunfights. But this movie, the best way I can kind of describe it is if like, if you took, it feels like if you, it it was written by like a very like young Quentin Tarantino. And, but it also feels like it was directed by John McTiernan. So it's like a Tarantino, Tarantino meets John McTiernan. And if you know who John McTiernan is, he, he was the director who directed Predator and Die Hard, some of the uh, last action hero, uh, not my favorite, but some of the best fucking action movies ever made were directed by John McTiernan. So it feels like it's a combination of Tarantino and McTiernan, and I thought it was just a, a blast. I absolutely loved this movie. I, I Cop Shop is an absolute Tupperware, and so when you can watch this, if this streams somewhere, um, you know, if you have a, a day off or you just kind of like want to watch something fun, uh, I highly recommend Cop Shop. I had a blast. I thought, uh, never had seen Alexis Louder in anything before. I thought she was fantastic. Uh, Toby Huss is great in this movie. And, uh, 
you know, the two main leads, Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo are great too. So Cop Shop is a Tupperware for me. Um, let's talk about Bad Sport on Netflix. I only watched the first episode. I want to know, did, did anybody else watch any of Bad Sport? I watched I the first episode. How, Stephanie, what did you watch? I saw the first episode and then... I don't think it was the next one, but the 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 one there was a third one. I think about soccer. I watched that one. Soccer one, uh, Billy. I watched the first two, so the the premiere, and then the one that was about like uh, marijuana and stuff like that. Okay, okay, yeah. Bad sport. It's uh, true crime and sports intersect in a docu series that examines global controversies and scandals with firsthand accounts from those involved. And I watched the first episode, um, a gambler and players involved in a 1994 Arizona State basketball point-shaving scandal describe how they plotted to fix games for a payoff. And uh, here's the thing with this. I fucking loved this. I thought that this first episode was fantastic, but I kept reading the descriptions for all the other ones, and I didn't care. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I want to hear what you guys have to say about the second and third episode. But since we all watched the first one, I'm going to say the first one's a fucking Tupperware for me. I, I, you know, I want to. I thought it was fantastic. But um, Stephanie, what did you think? I agree, total Tupperware. Um, I wasn't jazzed about it. I know somebody who had watched it was like, "You should watch it," and I was like, "I don't know." And then when it was put on the list for this week, I was like, "Okay, maybe I'll give it a shot." The it's really good. Yeah. I, I love how they don't make the, each episode, there's not, they don't make them too long. It's just the right amount. They don't drag, sometimes in documentaries, series, like they'll drag the beginning part out to get to know everybody. They give you the information like fast, quick. You find out who all the players are and then you get involved in the issue right away. Stephanie, I'm, le- some- I'm learning something about Stephanie this episode that you want instant satisfaction. Absolutely. <laughs> in every aspect of life. It's- there is no slow burn with Stephanie. It's instant satisfaction with you. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, give it to me right away. It just sounds so dirty. Like, give it to me. <laughs> like, I just want it. <laughs> but, like, it, it was really good. There was a couple of characters in that first episode. And, like, I felt myself, like, talking to the television. Like, you're so dumb. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Or, like, it was it was really good. I can't, can't believe I got as into, you know, point shaving as I did. And... They did a really good job at somebody like me who doesn't understand betting of like giving a visualization yeah. of what betting is. And that was so easy to understand. Yeah. I, I, I that, that first episode, I was, um, I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about like the second and third one. Cause like I love basketball. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to watch this basketball episode. And you got this guy, Steven Headache Smith. And this guy was like, you know, sounds like he was a fucking a legit fucking NBA prospect at one time. You know, going into, you know, the 1994 NBA draft, he could have been drafted. It feels like the scandal kind of followed him and like that's what kept him from being drafted, but he got involved in this in this point shaving thing with this gambler and they were basically they were they were rigging these games. He he was the point guard. He fucking you know, he's the guy that takes the ball down the court. He can control the tempo of the game. And this guy was a game changer anyway. He's a really great player. And so like he was controlling he had to keep the if they won the game, they had to win by six or less. And so these are games where like 
you know, and that's the thing in basketball. Yeah, that's a hard thing to fucking do in basketball, even if you are a superior team. To, because basketball, things can change so quickly in a game. Somebody can drop, you know, a couple three-pointers and they're right back in it. And to keep a game within six points the way that he did for those games that he did was just a feat within itself. And, uh, and then, you know, as it went on in this, in this documentary, I was just like, holy shit. Oh my God, dude, stop. And what drove me crazy was he was making 20,000 a game, but the other guy was making millions. I had me so, there was something so gross. Yes. Yeah. It was disgusting. It was. He had holding holding because they were kids. They were fucking kids. Fire. And this guy could have made. Think about the money this guy could have made in in the NBA. Just even on a rookie contract. If you get drafted in the first round, that's guaranteed money, and that's way more than any of the twenty thousand bullshit. Think about fucking guys sitting on the riding the bench in the NBA. I don't know what it is anymore, but like back in the day, it was just like these guys are at least making like five hundred thousand a season. Yeah, for doing nothing. For riding the bench, showing up for practice. And, like, now this guy fucking ruins his chances of getting in the NBA because he's fucking point-shaving here. Jesus Christ. Jake, what did you think about bad sport? Yeah, I loved it. It was an absolute Tupperware for me. I think it was um, made more enjoyable by not knowing anything about this story. So it kind of made it edge of my seat. Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? And someone going to figure out that this is going on. So I, it was very exciting too. And I, I agree with Stephanie that, um, you know, I understand how point shaving works and the betting line and all that stuff with sports betting. Um, but yeah, they made it so anyone can understand that very simply. And it didn't take a very long explanation. So I thought that was really well done. Um, it was fascinating to see the footage that was actually yes. aired on TV after knowing what yes. was going on, like after games would end. And you saw both aspects of it. You saw when he was elated with himself, or like Brian said, pulling off the amazing feat of winning just by six. And then you saw the de- defeated facial reactions. And it was just wild to watch that under the context of knowing what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, Dude, there's yeah, like, they're big- down by six. What were they, down by six? And yeah. he had to hit a three pointer. There's no way to win the game. And like, right. and like he's still playing. He's, he's, how do I, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to watch it. Just watch it. I don't want to spoil yeah, it. it. I don't want to well, spoil yeah, it. Yeah, you're exactly right. They needed the, the, the line was at four. And yeah. so he needed to make that three to not lose all of his money. Yeah. And the rest of the team is like, the, the game's over. So upset. Set. Yeah, the game's and, over. What do you care? When you yeah. when okay, when you're down when you're down by six and there's one second left, all you do at that point is throw the ball in and let the time run out. The game's over. <laughs> yeah, this guy's running like he's got gasoline in his veins <laughs> to fucking make that final shot, and and you can't blame him knowing the situation that's going on. I mean, you can blame him for getting in that situation, but once you're there, you, you know, I get where he's coming from. I'm with I'm with Stephanie though that it's like. It's sickening to watch this young kid make these mistakes 
for this money. And it was also sickening to hear about these college players not having enough money to even eat. Yeah. And it's true. It's like, aren't they changing that? Haven't they changed that where like the college players are making some money off of the, off of the jerseys yeah, and have, stuff? Yeah. I believe they have changed that. And what was, what was headaches? Um, what was the other guy that was in cahoots name? Isaac something, I think. Yeah. I thought it was really cool that with his money, he specifically said he bought food for the whole dorm and the whole team. Yeah. yeah. Now they think they can make money off of their likeness. Like if they're used in games and stuff, I think it's specific, but they can make money. Cause it was, he said, I didn't even have, you know, money to eat. Like, and you know, tossing these kids $20,000, like, you know, like a stray animal when you're over here collecting a million, doubling that and then doubling that, you don't look like a hero. You look like a D bag. Yeah. Oh, uh, Billy, let's get you in on this. What'd you think? No, so it's a total Tupperware, at least the first episode. It's very interesting, like yeah. you guys are saying now. I mean, just for example, Bryce Young is the freshman quarterback for Alabama, so he's 18, 19 years old. Just the first endorsement deal he signed already is for over a million dollars. So, I mean, it's it's very much changed. Now, that's not for all college athletics, and anyone now can make this money, but that being said, the the stuff about how accurate – he did that six-point thing – twice in a row just even to start the documentary when they talked about the first two games and how crazy it was where and it was an interesting aspect that since it was back then they couldn't watch it live it wasn't on tv and they had to watch the ticker in the sports book in vegas and it only came by once every like five or six minutes so that's how they were starting to see until they started to sit in the stands and you know inevitably things kind of come to a crashing terrible end or else we wouldn't really be talking about it in this documentary um i looked into i watched the second episode it was interesting it talked about like kind of a a, i don't want to get again i don't like to spoil too much of it but it had to do with a a race car driver slash team and a uh, kind of like a pot marijuana situation as well like trying to infuse the two and make money doing both um i'm interested to hear about the soccer one because i heard that one is being reviewed really well um, but there's even some things with like horse scandals and different things like that. It gives. Uh, me like, I read the horse one. I was like, I am out. I am not watching that Same. one. Yeah, Same. it's pretty intense. I was that's exactly why I'm saying it. Like yeah. now I'm saying it, but um, I am looking for. I am going to continue. I think something. I'm not going to binge them, but like you know, one every couple of days and stuff like that. But um, very akin to like the vice type of things we've been talking about throughout this episode. So I think if anyone is a sports fan or even just anyone who's a fan of behind the scenes little known scandals or situations behind things you may have heard about but not getting the full context and i think that's what the best documentaries do so um, i'm looking forward to finishing it man i'm telling you like some great sports documentaries have come out and i don't even think you have to be a sports fan to enjoy these sports documentaries the last dance fucking uh malice at the palace um i would also say quiet storm the ron artest story um, the Alan Iverson documentary that came out a few years ago is absolutely phenomenal. I've got one on the list for next week, uh, a Vince Carter documentary that I want us to watch for next week. The Rodman one was good. The Rodman one. Uh, I watched the, did you watch the Rodman documentary when he went over to, uh, yep, the Korea uh, North one. Korea? Yeah, that was insane as well. So, yeah. Some- what did you think about the soccer one? Um, the soccer one was good. It was really good. Um, I went through and specifically picked the ones I thought I would be interested in. The figure skating one is one I vividly remember, and so that's going to be the next one. Yeah. Um, but, no, the soccer one's really good. Um, and without giving anything away, like, clearly soccer is huge. And, other like, it's not as big as, obviously, here. It's other parts of the world. But because it's so big, 
there's so much room for corruption and it's just, it runs so deep. It's very, very good. Um, something else I just want to know for coming from somebody who knows almost nothing about basketball, but in that first episode, you like, you really, it really hits you how much, without giving anything away, how much of a future he was putting in jeopardy that, um, headache was putting in jeopardy when they discussed the draft from the year that he wanted to participate in the draft and the names they were rattling off. I knew those names. So mm-hmm. he would have, there was good company to be in that year with people up and coming out of college going into the NBA. So that was, that was just kind of hard to listen to without getting, I hope I just, I, did, I think I gave it away, but I didn't need to. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder, like, if there wasn't, like, this whole scandal with him, like, would he have been a first rounder? Would he have been a second rounder? Like, he's not going, a, he's not going ahead of Jason Kidd. We know that. But, like, you know, he, he definitely could have even been, like, a second round pick. Sometimes second round picks are even better than the first round. It, if you get signed in the second round and you fucking blow up as a player, if you only had a one-year contract for your first year, you could get your fucking big payout in your second year. And those fucking other, you know, those other players, they're under contract for, like, three years. So it really depends. It really depends on, like, what kind of a player he would have been. I don't know. We'll never, we'll never know. Right. Have you ever seen Hoop Dreams? No. Billy, you ever seen Hoop Dreams? I have. Oh, my God. That's. I think that's my favorite... I think it's my favorite documentary of all time. Really? I love Ooh. Hoop Dreams. Damn. Uh, I mean, it is really good. I'm trying to think now. You have me think of, like, favorite documentaries of all time. That's a, that's a hard pull right off the, t- off the head, though. But, I mean, I mean, as far as even basketball ones, I mean, I guess because it might be recency bias, but Last Dance was so good as far as – and I think it obviously has a connection to you and the area and like where you grew up and things like that. But, like – just the honesty they were able to get and the footage that they had. I appreciate these documentaries where guys right now are even doing it where they're filming things that they're not going to be re- allowed to use or release for 20, 30 years from now. And it's such an interesting filmmaking form where these guys are, they're the ultimate non-spoilers. You know, these guys hold on to this footage and this knowledge for so long. It, it's so interesting to me and it makes me appreciate it so much more, but I haven't watched Hoop Dreams in a while. I think I'm going to revisit it soon. I, I think it'll be worth it now that you yeah. have that. Yeah, here's the – oh, God. Yeah. You said the last dance, and it's like, yeah, I do have that Bulls connection, man. That's hard That's hard for me to put Hoop Dreams over the last dance because I do have, like, this this this, this amazing connection with the Chicago Bulls. That fucking the, – the 98 rally in Chicago uh, – I was, the championship rally, I was there. I was in the seats, man. I was oh, there. So cool, I was dude. fucking there in the seats sitting down when, uh, it, that was an incredible day. I got on the radio that day. My name is in the fucking newspaper. So that was a, that was an amazing day. Uh, hoop That's dreams. Amazing, dude. What was so cool about hoop dreams? Oh, fuck. Uh, right now in my, in the room that I'm recording, I've got a Chicago Bulls locker to my left and to my right, I've got a Chicago Bulls soda machine. I'm not even kidding you. Beautiful thing. <laughs> anyway, um, hoop dreams. What I loved about that so much was the fact that they they documented these 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 young players, you know, from their freshman year all the way to their senior year. Like these were these were NBA possible NBA prospects, and they documented their you know their their journey throughout this. And then when they went to basketball camp, you do see like you know you do see guys that actually made it to the NBA. I remember seeing, I think Jawan Howard shows up. I think they get a shot of maybe Jalen Rose as well. There's some other players that actually made it 
Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to The Guilty. Who watched The Guilty? I did. I did. I did as well. A troubled police detective demoted to 911 operator duty scrambles to save a distressed caller during a harrowing day of revelations and reckonings. It's directed by Antoine Fuqua, and it's from a screenplay by Nick Pizzolatto. And that's the, uh, he's the, if that name sounds familiar, he's the creator of True Detective. But uh, I also love Antoine Fuqua, mostly. I haven't loved everything Antoine Fuqua's done, but for the most part, I, I love yeah, he's, Antoine. He's done a couple stinkers. He's done a couple stinkers, but he's done some amazing fucking movies, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a remake of a 2018 Danish film of the same name. Uh, this film, though, stars Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Christina Vidal, with the voices of Ethan Hawke, Riley Keogh, Eli Gorey, Divine Joy Randolph, Paul Dano, Bill Burr, and Peter Sarsgaard. And, uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, first off, I thought, I remembered, uh, what was that movie? It was Tom Hardy in the car. It was Locke. And basically the whole movie is Tom Hardy, uh, in a car driving and having telephone conversations. This kind of reminded me of that, it, but it's, you know, we do get to see other actors in this, but most of it takes place over this 911 call, over these 911 calls. And you've got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who is kind of like a, a he's a police officer, but he's been demoted uh, and he's a, it, right now he's doing duty as a 911 operator. But he's got like this big, uh, you know, uh, court hearing coming up shortly. Um, and you find out like, well, you know, why he's going to be in court and, you know, um, but he gets this he gets this phone call. And it's from this woman, Emily, who is in distress, and she says she's been abducted. And he he he's he finds this out through just like asking questions and then asking her to answer with yes and no. She's pretending that she's on the phone with her daughter Abby. And he picks up that she's been abducted. He starts asking her yes or no questions. He finds out that she's traveling in a white van. And then she is forced to hang up. And he gives this information to the uh, California Highway Patrol. And they can't find the van without a license plate number. They've tried pulling over a white van. It wasn't the white van they're looking for. And so throughout this... He's, you know, sending police officers to Emily's home to check on their daughter, Abby, who then later calls in. And this whole thing is about trying to track down this white van of this mother who's been abducted. And I could this was this was fucking like white knuckle for me because I was I you know, it's like I'm. This kind of shit can happen. And so I was just, I was just like, what's going to happen to this poor woman? Is he going to be able to save her? And I was fucking sucked into this entire thing. So I won't give my rating yet, but I want to hear what you guys thought. Billy, what did you think about the guilty? So, I mean, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I thought the premise, like you said, I really did like. It is something that is believable, something that could happen any day. I felt that it may have drug on a little long. I think the, there was a little bit too much filler scenes of him going in and kind of brooding. And I know there's a PTSD element to it. And I think all that stuff was definitely relevant in that sort of state, but there, 
just seemed to be a little bit too much almost of like repeat scenes to me and I wanted the momentum to go a little bit more. Uh, it's it's a middle of the road taste for me. I think Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job. I, I did want to see what was going on at the end. It does have a pretty cool, not cool, but it does have a, a twist to it with the overall outcome and stuff and where it goes that I didn't see forecasted, which I thought was cool. It reminded me of a movie I really like, like Phone Booth, old mm-hmm. Colin Farrell and Forrest Whitaker movie. Oh, I think wow, Phone yeah. Booth, I think Phone Booth maybe is a little bit better than this. But again, like a, a solid middle of the road taste for me. Nothing outrageous. I, I think, like I said, I think it could have been this movie. I think it came out to be like a little bit over like an hour and a half. I think that this movie was an hour and ten. I think it would have been a high taste for me. Was well, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in. Uh... Yes, phone yes. booth. Yeah. He was on the other end of the yeah. phone. Yeah, you never yeah. actually saw him. Yeah. The, the Joel Schumacher film. It is a Joel Schumacher film. One of his better. I think you see him like one time in that movie. You, and see, it, his, like, you see his like silhouette. Yes. Yeah, he's like blurred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, what did you think about The Guilty? I thought it was good. I think... I thought it was good. I think at times... Jake Gyllenhaal's performance felt a little forced. Um, not, in, not, not, not for a large portion of the film, but for, you know, a couple parts of it. Um, what I liked, cause I, I thought it was good. I liked that it only took place in the, in the 911 operator within his, you know, his role there at his desk or two desks. Yeah. Um, you really, I find myself rooting for what he's, what his goal is in the movie, but not him. Sure. Especially yeah. once you find out what happened, like there's a thing you find out about that character, and you're definitely not rooting for him. Um, but it's interesting to not like the character, but want them to succeed in what they're doing. Um, so I found that interesting. Um, the there's like a backstory about the character that they're giving you very small pieces to, and then at the end you finally find out what happened through his interaction with Emily, who he's on the phone with. Um, he makes a lot of rash decisions. Um, which causes, you know, which has some outcomes for him that may or may not be expected. I thought it was good. I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I think if you're, I think this is really going to hit some people. I think it touches on some points, like uh, Billy mentioned with PTSD. Um, some things relevant, I guess, like in the world we live in socially, I guess. But I, I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was well done. And I thought the casting was, I thought the casting was well done. I think Jake Gyllenhaal was a great choice for this. I think his I think his performance was was phenomenal. Not only was he like his character kind of like worried for the safety of the daughter and, you know, her son and Emily herself because of like what's going on with his own family, but then on the flip side like this guy is like I think he wants he's a man of action. That's why he's a police officer. I think is cuz like he likes to be out there and in the elements like he he would he hates being stuck on the fucking end of this phone i think that that's what's angering him is the fact that he's not out there and he's the one that's not like doing any of this and he feels helpless being over the phone he just wants action he wants things to get done he's like you know if i was out there this is how i would do it i would get shit done and it's just driving him crazy so i appreciated that that intensity with his with his performance because i feel like just being on the phone is driving him fucking crazy because he wants to be on the other end of all this um i i was totally engaged this entire movie like there's no way i'm turning this off like i've got to see the outcome of this 
So, and I thought it was an interesting way uh, for like storytelling and like not, we never see these other characters. We never see Abby. We never, we never see Henry. We never see Oliver or, or Emily. We never see any of them. It's just, we hear their voices. And, uh, I thought, I loved this movie. I thought it was a Tupperware. Joe, uh, Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you, Brian. I, I thought this was, um, this really, really took me by surprise. This was a Tupperware for me as well. And I, I too love Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. I, I thought, there was so much, um, like, character stuff just delivered through his performance and the screenplay that was just so smart. Like, you easily picked up on the fact that he's been up to these kind of shenanigans before. Like, it almost seemed like the dispatch lady was just frustrated with him. Oh, here he goes again, you know, trying to take the law into his own, not take the law into his own hands, but, you know push the needle faster than it was going to go if he didn't and i thought you know other movies would just beat you over the head with this kind of thing they would like give you the flashbacks or tell you exactly what he did before but this just very like subtly like kind of dropped that on you and i i i agree i was glued to this it was very white knuckle i thought the moments with the guy sitting next to him were brilliant moments to let you kind of catch your breath like there wasn't much comedy in this movie but there was definitely some light chuckles from just the reaction of the guy sitting next to him and I, i thought they were really well placed throughout the movie to uh just let you sigh and like catch your breath for a second before the next phone call happened. I, yeah, I, this was fantastic. I, this was not on my radar at all. And it, it's one of those Netflix movies that could easily just slip by you. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the guilty. It's on Netflix. Yeah. This one, uh, I'd like to see the original after seeing this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Da- the Danish one from 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, to, I don't even know who's in that one. Yeah, no idea. I knew nothing no about it until, yeah. you know, after watching this and reading the wiki. Yeah. Uh, final thing I want to talk about is uh, 10-year-old Tom. Who got a chance to watch 10-year-old Tom? I did. I watched some. Me too. <laughs> you guys sound thrilled. Um <laughs> A young boy learns to deal with all of the bad influences and grown-ups around him. A young boy learns to... Oh, God. How many times... I, I hate it when I copy a synopsis and they have it written out three times, Jake. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, This is... Uh, <laughs> it only works for Beetlejuice. That Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, created by the life and times of Tim director Steve Dildarian, and it stars Byron Bowers, Todd Glass, Jillian Jacobs, Edie Peterson, uh, John Malkovich... And then we've got guest voices from David Duchovny, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Natasha Leone, Tim Robinson, George Wallace. And uh, I, uh, when I started watching this, I was like, holy shit, this reminds me of a show. And then um, I looked up Steve Dildarian and uh, he did the life and time, uh, the life and times of Tim. And then I remembered that I did watch the first season of that show and I really liked it. And so, um, I burned through the entire first season of 10 year old Tom this week because this type of humor, just, I, this shit gets me. I, this is my, I like this kind of humor. Um, so, um, I was just kind of hooked on the show. I think for me, I'm a big fan of the life and times of Tim, which I thought only ran for one season because I think it came out in like 2008. 
Oh God, I can't remember. It came out in like 2018 and then it took them like two or two years, three years for the second season. And I never watched the second or third season, which I will get back on. But anyway, I loved 2008. it. 2008. 2008. Oh my God. Okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's when I watched it. I watched that first season when it first came out, and then the second season didn't come out for like two or three years after, and I didn't even know it came out. Yeah, and then the third season came out right after the second season, a year after the second season. Yeah, so I loved it. I I think this show is fucking fantastic, but comedy is subjective, but I give it a Tupperware. I I love 10-year-old Tom. I thought it was fucking hilarious. So, Jake, what'd you think? Yeah, I liked it quite a lot. It's a high taste it for me. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect with, with comedy animation. But, yeah, this really got me, too. I loved how dry it was. Um, it's not, like, goofy, punny jokes. It's just it's just very dry and, like, oddly serious in a way. But still, like, it's still kind of goofy. Like, I love how they don't try to give the kids kid voices. I thought that was a very smart decision. They all pretty much talk like 30 somethings mm-hmm. and they don't even like try to pretend to have like juvenile voices. And I thought that made it <laughs> there's a more scene, funny. There's a scene in the, I think it's like in the final episode where he's like, he's like mowing a lawn and he's like, Oh my God, it's so hot out here. Uh, sweat is rolling off my 10 year old Johnson. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Why, why would a child say that? <laughs> I watched the first two episodes. Um, I like the format. Is every episode like the the old? Fit? It's like two yes. episodes in an episode. It's two episodes within an episode. Every episode, yeah. I like that format a lot. Um, if there's something you don't like, it's very quickly on to the next plot line. Uh, I thought all the supporting characters were really funny. Um, the whole sequence where they're calling the drug soft pretzels and then they're also going to get soft pretzels. <laughs> it just had me fucking roll it. Did you see, did you so, see, did you see the episode with David Duchovny as the ice cream man? Yes, that was hilarious too. <laughs> he comes I, back I love, like, and there's the only decision we could make. And then the kid explains eight other decisions he could have made better. There's, uh, there's continuity within the show too. They will reference things from previous episodes and it's pretty funny. Um, David Duchovny's character comes back in the finale as well, so it's really good. So he lied when, when he said that's the last time I do business with a ten-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Which was a great line. Uh, and I just really, I you know, I, a lot of this stuff is just I I don't really care for it, and I, I thought this was pretty brilliant. Yeah, it's really. I would recommend the Life and Times of Tim as well, Jake. I think you'd dig it. Um. Oh, Stephanie, what did you think? <laughs> oh no! The Here's... sense of dread in your voice. Yes, I, I. We never see eye to eye. We don't. I still adore you, though. <laughs> so <laughs> I liked it. I'm going to give it a high taste. It. Oh wow! I think. Yeah. See. I know. Sometimes you surprise me. Sometimes. <laughs> I try. Um, I liked the dry humor. What I appreciated about this that I feel like sometimes hits you in the head with other like animated series about kids. I think of like Big Mouth. I feel like sometimes the humor in a show like Big Mouth, like they're always trying to give you something funny. They're always trying to shock you. They're always mm-hmm. trying to a little kid's wang or whatever. But like in this show, like it doesn't have to be over the top. It's the subtle conversations that are funny. It's the situations that are funny. Um, I like, I agree with Jake. I like the format. 
I'm going to, I've only, I only saw the first episode, yeah. so the two episodes in one, but I'm going to continue watching it. This is definitely like, it feel, almost feels, feels kind of fresh to me in a way. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I loved your description of the uh, Netflix series Big Mouth, where they're always trying to show you little kids <laughs> wang. Well, what was that? Laughter covered it up. She said they're always trying to show you little kids wang. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. She said it Honest very. <laughs> I, you know what? I love the first season. T- first two seasons of Big Mouth. That's that third season. It, I think it's run its course. I think that, that, that type of humor has run its course with me. I would agree. It's like diarrhea. It's run its course. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of, you got, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I think they kind of fucking just, uh, they kind of, they skated by on that third season. And I'm going to call them out on it. Third season of Big Mouth. Not so good. Um, Billy, what'd you think about, uh, the light, uh, oh, uh, 10 year old Tom, excuse me. So I only saw the first episode as well. I would give at least that a high taste. It I enjoyed the the dry humor. It reminded me of a bunch of old school Adult Swim type of like home video kind of vibe shows with that dry humor and, and basic animation style. The the, did, the show is called Home Movies. Home movies, home movies. I say home video. Yeah, I, you know I, what I'm talking about. I know. Kid, I just didn't want. Action. I didn't want Correction Tuesday. Yeah. No, 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 no. I appreciate it. But like, it, that's the vibes I got, which I really, which I, I love again, growing up watching that kind of stuff in Adult Swim and uh, that dry late night. It, it, this reminds me of very late night humor yeah. in a good way. Like, it's yeah. just the stuff you would have seen late night watching as a kid or, you know, your teens, whatever. And I, I did like the episode with the GoFundMe out of the first two. I just thought that was very clever. <laughs> Except for it with the ice cream man and, the the dad giving the kid advice about having to buy ice cream related items i just that had me going so i'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it i just didn't have a chance to watch the entire season so far but i definitely will watch it throughout the week i i was a, i was a maniac this week with this show it was like uh, i was like cause, stephanie i've been watching a lot of friends at night do you watch oh. friends are you a friends fan uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I'm uh, actually, I th- I'll, I'll watch the reruns and stuff. See, I thought you were a Friends fan. Now that I said it, I feel stupid because you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we could, I thought we could, again, I'm, I, I, Jake, I feel like I'm trying to bond with Stephanie this episode and it's just not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, she, she's like Teflon this episode. You can't get <laughs> shit to stick. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You know, I'm really trying. You know, it's like I'm you, more of a king of queens girl than friends. Oh my god, you're king of queens. That's, that's the worst thing you've ever seen. I know. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. You're a fucking. You're you're a Kevin James fan. No, I'm a king of queens fan. There's a difference. There's a difference. I'll, I'll yeah. give her that. Okay. Yeah. All right. My dad loves King of Queens too. You and my da- you and my dad would be best friends. <laughs> I don't think CBS has made a sitcom I've liked since Murphy Brown. <laughs> Murphy Brown. Oh. <laughs> oh, I loved Murphy Brown. Mm. I loved How I Met Your Mother in college. I loved How I Met Your Mother for the first few seasons, and then I just yeah. kept watching because it was like, fuck, I'm th- I'm this far down this goddamn rabbit hole with these characters. <laughs> I gotta see how it ends. And then that fucking finale can suck my dick. Yep. Anyway. Is that crude when I say suck my dick? Is that like the crudest thing you can say anymore? 
Oh no. 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 I can't no. I shouldn't even say the crudest thing you can say anymore on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for your imagination. Okay. Okay. I've sucked my dick as tame. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I can I can still say that. That's cool. I mean, people, when, like, a new Transformers movie comes out, people say it raped their childhood. So I think Suck My Dick is pretty, pretty okay. Yeah, and, like, I'm actually using, like, Suck My Dick in, like, this negative way, which I honestly <laughs> wouldn't mind. Yeah, you're, you're forcefully gonna shove your dick into the finale of How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, Not why am I, why am I? Thing. Why am I saying suck my dick as as, as if it's an insult? Like, that's something that I might enjoy. <laughs> Facts. That should be our new rating, Jake. Oh, man, this is, this series, <laughs> this series really sucked my dick off. <laughs> Let's do that. Our new, no, our new rating system is like, uh, like, like, what do you think? Like a taste, it's like a hand job. Busting up the Tupperware. Busting nut, yeah. I fucking, I fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, let's let's get even dirtier with it. We'll, we'll call it a hard cum. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give this movie a semi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, I had a, I had a, like the like a low taste. It'll be like a like a mild chubby. Yeah, <laughs> pop, pop culture ejaculations. Oh uh, man, dude! The, tup- the Tupperware should be morning wood. Tupperware, uh, morning wood is not great. I don't enjoy morning wood. Okay, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta learn to love it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's. Yeah, I don't. I don't enjoy being woken up to a hard dick, Billy. I mean, it's yours, though. It's like, I, I don't know. I mean. No, I don't, I don't want to wake up to somebody else's hard dick. Like, that. of course. <laughs> that would be worse. As a straight male, that might be my nightmare. I get that. <laughs> anyway. Are you surprised? Okay, I'm so sorry. You don't have to answer. Are you surprised? Like, when you wake up with that, are you Are you surprised? Like is it like a like is it a shock? Because I don't know how those work. Like, <laughs> I yes, I I one time I jumped out my window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just running around my running around my neighborhood, covered in glass Shit. with a hard penis. Yeah, it's, it's not a jump scare not by any means. No. Okay. <laughs> I th- oh man, I. Th- Oh god, I remember the first time I ever had like a, a wet dream. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck? I did- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how we all were. <laughs> Dude, but here, listen to this. Listen, for me, it wasn't at home. My parents sent me away to a boarding school. Oh no. And I was up like, I was on a top bunk and like there's fucking 40 guys and I wake up and I fucking came in the bed. It's like holy shit. <laughs> so I had to I had to get up before everybody fucking woke up and changed my underwear and shit, man. It was fucking it was a nightmare for me. Yeah, you guys talked about Alf. <laughs> I was a little bit older than Alf age when I had <laughs> I was fucking eight years old when I watched Alf Billy. I'm not fucking I'm not fucking coming in my bed when I'm eight. <laughs> My balls hadn't even dropped, bro. <laughs> Brian was a prodigy. 
God. <laughs> <laughs> Early bloomer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was fucking eight years old, Billy. <laughs> God, Billy, what are you, what are you fucking big mouth? <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, let's, let's jump into the, let's jump out of fucking morning wood and wet dreams and jump into the pop cultural leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> jump onto the morning Alright. Uh, I don't know if this news is actually gangster as fuck, but uh it comes from Dark Horizons. Ridley Scott, Gladiator 2 is ready to go. He's 83, but he's 83, but filmmaker Ridley Scott ain't slowing down one bit. Scott has two films completed and ready for release in the next few months with House of Gucci and The Last Duel. His next feature shoot is his Napoleon historical epic kit bag starring Joaquin Phoenix and Jodie Comer. That's not all, though, as in a new interview with Empire, he says the Decades in the Works sequel to his 2000 Oscar winner, Gladiator, looks to be finally happening. Scott tells the outlet, I'm already having Gladiator written now. So when I, when I'm done, Gladiator will, so when he's done with Kitbag, Gladiator will be ready to go. How the film ties in with Crow's slain Maximus is not clear. But for the first time in a long time, it seems the project is more than just a pie-in-the-sky style idea and may actually make it into production in the near future. I don't... What the... How, I, do, I do not want this movie. It's a... Uh, it's a... It's Gladiator 2. Is it... Do, do we know if this is... It's a sequel. It's it not... It's a sequel. Just no. And it will star Russell Crowe. How? He's so fat. He's dead. He's also so dead. It doesn't matter how much weight he's gained in the interim. He's fucking dead. Is this God of War now? Is he gonna like be fighting people in the afterlife? Like what? Is, like what, is it gonna be like his son or like a different gladiator? What could they even do? I love Gladiator. It's it's one of my all time favorites, and I oh man, I'm just so worried that this sequel is gonna like put a bad taste in my mouth about the first one i please know ridley scott i hope your idea is fucking bananas good tell you what jake tell you what what you know what jake let's do this let's refuse to watch it yeah i i'm down unless unless word of mouth is like you know really good i'll have to see no it's like uh, listen like sometimes i gotta put my foot down there are certain times where i gotta put my foot down on movies uh I love Blues Brothers. I love the Blues Brothers. I think it is a fucking hysterical film. I think it's damn near perfect. It takes place in Chicago. I fucking love Blues Brothers, Jake. I, I put my foot down on Blues Brothers 2000. I will never watch that movie. I'm not going to let anything taint my fucking view of that first movie. I love, Gla- I love Gladiator. I think it is a damn near perfect film. One... One movie of the year. It fucking won the Oscar for uh, film, uh, best film in 2000. And I love Gladiator. I think it's, and you know, I mean, if you look at it, it, it is kind of like a remake of Ben Hur in a lot of ways. 
But I, oh yeah, it's it doesn't reinvent the wheel by any means, but it's such a gorgeous yeah. movie with a gorgeous score. Yeah. And oh. I'll you know, I'll watch the trailers, but I might put my foot down on this one and say I refuse to watch this. I refuse to let anything taint my fucking I wish I wouldn't have watched that fucking final Bill and Ted movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It, it was harder to tell with Bill and Ted because it didn't end with Bill and Ted dying in part two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I guess they did die in part they two. They did but die, but it didn't end that year. way. Yeah. It did, they, they, they had to go to fucking uh, heaven and they had to go through hell and heaven to get back. Um, <laughs> Stephanie. going to happen in Gladiator too. Stephanie, are you going to blow my mind and tell me you've never seen Gladiator? I fucking knew it, Jake. I called it. Yeah, I can see it, though. I I don't think it's one of those movies that, if it wasn't of your generation, people hold up on a pedestal very often. Oh, of my generation? Do you think I'm younger than I am? I think you're younger than me. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, like, a whole generation younger? I don't think so. Stephanie, how the fuck has Gladiator eluded you? Um, I don't know, actually, to be honest with you. What year was that? Was that like the mid-90s? That's what I'm thinking. It was 2000. How old were you in the year 2000? 18. Yeah. Alright. Gladiator. Gladiator. You fucked up. Gladiator was the, the Gladiator was the first DVD that I ever bought. Mm, It was one Uh, of my first 10. It holds a special place in my heart because I saw it the last day I had at a job and the place I worked at actually closed and we were cleaning the building out and we were done cleaning the building out and they told us we could go and do whatever we wanted as long as we came back and punched out when it was time to go. So me and another coworker, it was opening night of Gladiator and we went and saw the first showing and I got paid to see it. So it holds a special place in my heart for the memories of that. <laughs> it's the only it's really movie I've cool. ever been paid to see. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Stephanie, watch Gladiator. It's really good. Definitely. I don't need. No, a... I know he dies at the end, right? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, we, I, it's just a flesh wound. He's going to be okay. I'm sorry we spo- spoiled a 21 year old movie for you, Stephanie. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. We're teasing. How did you know I hadn't seen it, Stephanie? Wild there, guess. Listen, listen. There are certain things that I kind of pick up with you, and I felt like this—it's not out of the realm of possibility that Stephanie's never seen Gladiator. So I had my bet on you'd never seen it, and I was right. You're spot on. I know, I know. Like, listen, you just recently watched like Star Wars movies for the first time, right? Um, no, I still haven't seen them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen Mandalorian, right? <laughs> Gonna be my favorite. Oh my god. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my mom was right. I need I, I need to pick better friends. <laughs> I hold value in other areas. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just fucking with you. Like if I <laughs> if I ever need like a Harry Potter expert, I know who to go to. So there Thank we go. You. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Billy. Do we need a fucking Gladiator sequel? <laughs> No, what are we talking about? This is crazy sauce. Like it's, I, 
No, I don't even like. I can't even try to think of anything to give like a, a flip side to it. It a movie that profound, that well regarded. I, I mean, it's close to a perfect movie as I can remember. I I was in freaking like middle school that movie came out and I, I think I've seen that movie 20 30 times at least in my life and the the story it was, it was a great story but again there's no there's nothing you can do in this next movie that's not going to cheapen the first and yeah, I think yeah. that is something that isn't like really forgivable to me I really hope that maybe I'm not, I never wish ill on a movie, but I'm hoping maybe this Napoleon movie just is god awful and bombs. And they're like, no, 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 we are not letting you near goddamn Gladiator. Like, beat it. Like, I, 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 like I said, I really don't want that to have to be what stops them from doing this. But like, whatever it takes, because I'm with you guys. I am not going to go see that movie. Yeah, I yeah, I think I'm going to put my foot down on this one, Jake. Unless I hear different. Yeah, man, I. Listening to Billy, it makes me even more mad. It's like just the idea that Ridley Scott would make this movie already takes away from the greatness of the original. Like it just, I'm shocked that he doesn't see that movie as a one and done. <laughs> He's not even writing it. He's letting someone else write it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he doesn't write any movies. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. I can't wait till someone brings me the script for it. I'm like, what? Like it's not your idea? Like what are you talking about? It's terrible. Yeah, and there's really not even one drop of science fiction in the movie. So, like, what are we doing? I mean, not that he dies in the in the movie or anything, but how are we bringing him back to life in the second? One? So that's con- that's confirmed. <laughs> that's confirmed that yeah. it's confirmed that Russell Crowe's coming back. I, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I swear I, they've been talking about this movie for a long time, and I swear that was one of the weirdest things about it was that. It's Russell Crowe again. I've never heard that, that he's coming back for this movie. I'm typing this out right now. I thought that was the same thing. I think there had been been talks in the past about like a hypothetical script, but now this is supposed to obviously going to be a different one, but I, I thought I'd read it that same thing that he had mentioned, at least had mentioned wanting Russell back. So, I mean, maybe even if it's not fully about him, he's there's involved an, in some way. There's an article from Cinema Blend that came out in August of last year that's titled, Russell Crowe reveals how Gladiator 2 would have brought back Maximus. And he says, I have, I haven't talked to Doug in a long time. Who is Doug? Doug Ryman, maybe? Uh, Douglas Wick, producer Douglas Wick. Um, it's a, it's a pitch from Douglas Wick, who's a producer. I haven't talked to Doug in a long time. Last time I talked to Doug, he said he had this great idea where Maximus gets carried from the stadium and they pull back this big rock and he gets put into this cave and then the rock closes over and he's anointed with oils and then the rock opens up and he comes out. And I said, Doug, I don't joking. (laughs) Doug, I don't think we have this story. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> reading that with a hundred, like I was like, every word of that. I was like, wait a minute. That's the quote. I swear to God, that's no, the I'm quote. The same article. <laughs> I would be, I'd be okay with that movie. It was like a roadhouse movie. You know what I mean? Like he just goes and kills all of Rome. But like, what the fuck? 
Oh my god, I, Jake! I had no idea that, that yeah, this. That was hilarious. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's wrong, though. I'm pretty sure that story is public domain. <laughs> I think you're right. Anybody can print a Bible. That's true. Yeah, so he's good to go. If that's how yeah. he wants to do it. I think the Bible is like one of the only books that are out there that's not copyrighted. So you can basically just print it off and give it out, and nobody's going to sue you. Yeah, if you want to make a fucking cartoon with vegetables, fucking reenacting Bible <laughs> shit, you can you can do it. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Veggie Tales. Is that what you're talking about? Veggie Tales. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I apologize for calling it Bible shit. I. I I got a little bit ahead of myself there. Oh wow! I didn't even hear that. That was what <laughs> yeah, I, said, I said. Vegetables reenacting Bible shit. <laughs> wow, that went over. I didn't even hear that. It was like that moment where Stephanie's talking about uh, uh, child wang earlier. Then, you- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just natural shit. You expected me to say it, so you don't even. Right. Face you. There you go. Let's jump into let's jump into DC news. We're gonna do DC, DC news this week first. This episode's terrible, isn't it, Jake? Mm, yeah, I the first time around I, I wasn't there yet, but I think I'm I think I'm convinced. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. Leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> Episode special. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's like spoiled milk. Like I, I don't like the milk anyway, but then it just gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Jake, you're you're lactose intolerant, sir. Yeah, yeah. Hey, have you been? Can you drink the uh, the lactose free milk? Is that a thing for for you? I can, but I, I never have, like, on the regular, so it, it always makes my stomach weird. You don't have, like, this milk craving, ever. No, no. I just do calcium supplements. What that's about, like a pill. What about uh, what about chocolate milk? Uh, I like it. I like it okay. I like the, the one dairy product that gets me fucking shitting and I can't help myself is fucking ice cream. Like, at least three times a year. I break and fucking eat some ice cream. Oh my god, I can't. I know I yeah. got the next day all off. <laughs> I, I, I know I can hide away in the bathroom for four hours. <laughs> that that is a that is a that's a terrible thing. I can't imagine that that it's like 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 ice cream has that effect on certain people. It's oh, such man. a it's, it's a, for me. It's quick too. <laughs> 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 Ain't no ice cream drive through. I gotta buy it and take it home. <sighs> Oh man, yeah. I don't eat ice cream all the time. I I, I can't I it's, I can't keep ice cream in the house. I'm not one of those people that uh, that uh, that is disciplined around ice cream. I can't so it's just all or nothing. It, yeah, it's like it's I can't get a Ben and Jerry's, Jake. And you know how many calories are in a little thing of Ben and Jerry's? I'm gonna blow your mind Aren't here. You supposed to eat one of those in one serving? There are three million calories in one thing. Of- <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Is that real. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. That <laughs> that the, like honestly, there's probably over a thousand calories in one of those little things of Ben and Jerry's. It's it's ridiculous how many calories. I want to know how many servings it tries to tell you that is. There's probably like eight servings in there. Oh come on! It's a fuck kind of that discipline. I hate it when I hate it when they they fucking like they they show you like oh this only has eighty calories per serving. And then you look and there's like seventy seven servings. <laughs> yeah, they cheat. 
they cheat like that all the time. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. Stephanie, are you a big fan of milk? Do you enjoy milk? <laughs> she's never. I. She's I never. Brian, I've never had milk before. I don't eat dairy because I don't like the taste. So I don't eat cheese, milk, butter, any of that. I just oh my eat god! Gross. So I, I don't care for milk. I'll eat ice cream, but it just has to be like chocolate or like a very like strong like not creamy flavor. Sometimes when I talk to you, Stephanie, it feels like I'm having an interaction with an alien that just landed. <laughs> I agree. That was a big alien like, response. <laughs> my body rejects it. You're just like, yeah, it tastes gross. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. Oh my god. Billy, what is happening? Billy, bring some sanity back to this, this fucking conversation. I don't understand these people. Going on. on this podcast, what is happening? I don't know. Milk is fucking great. Ice cream is great. Anything, like, I literally, uh, cheeseburgers, grilled cheese, cheese steaks. What are, cheese, what are we talking about here? What is happening? This is worse than Midnight Mass. <laughs> I know. I, I don't understand this. Stephanie, no, yeah. here. I, no I see it, but I've had it up since before. I was in the single digits, Billy. Oh wow! Yeah. Why? I, the cheese—it tears me up. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I mean I can understand. I, 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 we can understand Jake. We can Jake. Jake gets a fucking pass, <laughs> but Stephanie. Yes, we're locked on you <laughs> for a human being not to enjoy cheese. Oh my god! Oh, cheese. <laughs> Do you bet that? Stephanie, do you like like Doritos? I do. So I can eat Doritos. Like that to me doesn't taste like cheese. That tastes like just artificial. It's just fucking. That's fucking powder. Yeah, I can. But I was negotiating with terrorists right now. You fucking. You give me a fucking. You give me a block of provolone right now. I'll stick my dick in it. I love cheese. (laughs) Waste deep is a fucking cheese whiz right now. Uh, cheese jizz. And it's really hard to order food like out at a restaurant because so much has cheese in it. Oh, and tell me about it. I, restaurants it, are good. Oh my god, when does that ever become a nightmare for anyone? Oh, I have to check everything. Everything. I, everything. Yeah. And you they have to check like, yourself. Oh my god. Twenty five percent of the time it's fucked up too, which is enough to just always Oh be my god, you're that yes, guy. Yes, they um, never get it right. Can I get that without cheese? All the yeah. time. And, and every time I order, yeah. They'll bring it up now too. Like I go to Culver's and they'll they'll ask me, Do you want cheese on that? And I'll say no. And then it'll have cheese on it. I'm like, I didn't even bring it up this time. <laughs> like, he was I probably went, mistaken. I went yeah. to <laughs> I went to Buffalo Wild Wings this years ago and ordered a salad, and it came with cheese on it. They brought it with the cheese, and I said, I ordered it with no cheese. And he said, can you just eat it anyway? Because I don't want to bring it back. And I was like, oh, you no. piss amp. And then I, you know, I sat there and picked the cheese off like an idiot. You know what? I, I like, fucking, I would have I I gave that guy a high five on his way back to the kitchen. <laughs> Not all heroes wear cake. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, Stephanie, out of context opinions is she thinks servers are fucking piss ants. You know, you know what I'm entire service industry bunch of piss ants. This year, this year, who's ever fucking uh, Stephanie's secret secret Santa for the for the leftover army? I want you to fucking buy her a fucking big old package of string cheese. <laughs> Do not. Yes. Yes. If you are Stephanie's secret Santa, I want you to send her string cheese. Oh, I can't. Mm-mm. 
Cheese oh is so gross. Oh, cheese. Oh, what the fuck? What, what the fuck? <laughs> You're not getting the last word on this, damn it. <laughs> this is not like, who the fuck is going to agree with you? I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like, not, you are the minority. Out. 90% of the people listening to this podcast right now fucking love cheese, and then 100% of mice would agree with us as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, all mice surveyed. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you know, you know, hey, Billy, Billy, have you ever had a pizza with cheese curds? I mean... Put any cheese on anything and I'll eat it. What do you mean? It doesn't really matter. But no, I have it. But now I will try it. Oh my god, cheese curd pizza is fucking amazing. They just put the cheese curds on there and then they slap it into the brick oven and then they uh, fucking melt and it's just this chewy goodness in your goddamn mouth. It's fucking amazing. Stephanie wants no part of it. Stephanie wants no part of it. <laughs> no, no, no part of your cheese shenanigans. And there were so many cheese curds around me. I was just loaded with cheese curds. Like everybody walking by just reeked of cheese. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everyone. They were, they were sent to me from some other <laughs> universe to make my day awful. She woke up with a morning curd. <laughs> so. <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm sign gonna you. When, when people smell like cheese, that, that is not a good thing. I, I, <laughs> Oh my god. No. I would I, honestly I'm pretty antisocial, but if more people smelled like cheese <laughs> I think you'd regret that. No. No, it's like holy fuck, why am I humping this guy's leg? What is going on right now? Oh my god, he smells like he smells like mozzarella. Ah. <laughs> You're my little mozzarella, aren't you? Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> DC hey, this news. This is a front page DC news. Yeah, this is good DC news. <laughs> uh, news from Murphy's Multiverse. Uh, James Gunn confirms development on one more DC project besides Peacemaker. In the discussion on Twitter, Gunn chimed in and confirmed that he is working on another DC project in addition to Peacemaker. Of course, he doesn't give away what project it is exactly, but it is great to know that once he's done with the Guardians threequel, he'll likely jump on whatever project is currently in the pipeline. He's no stranger to working on multiple projects and will likely get a hint once he's wrapped up with his next Marvel project. This was his quote on Twitter. He said, yes, I'm developing another DC project besides Peacemaker. Here's my question. First off, I, I want to say this is great news because I, I love James Gunn's take on the Suicide Squad. I'm looking forward to the Peacemaker series. But do we have any guesses on his next DC project? Is it going to be another uh, movie? Is it going to be another Suicide Squad kind of, you know, spinoff? Could he maybe do a Bloodsport series? Or is it going to be a new property altogether? Hmm, my gut says it's going to be a new property altogether. Hmm. I feel like he wants to. I think that's what Time Warner would want too: is him to put his shine on something else. What do you think? Do you think he's going to go with another obscure DC property, or do you think that they're going to fucking hand over the reins to one of the? I think they'll hand over the reins to anything. I think if James Gunn wanted to do a fucking goddamn Superman movie, they're going to let him. But I'm asking, like, what do you think, James? I, I was going to say the same thing. I. I think he's gonna. It's gonna be an obscure thing, but just like you say, not because he, they wouldn't 
if they wanted, if he wanted to do one of the big three, they would just let him do one of the big three. I think he gets his joy from doing these. He's a big fan of the medium. It's not like they're telling him what they want. He, he, he loves these characters, especially yeah. like your your B list, your C list, your D list characters. Like James Gunn is a, is a real fan of this medium, so I, I think it will be that kind of thing. Stephanie, did you watch the Suicide Squad? I did. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Did you? I did. I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I like. I think I've liked a lot of what he's been behind. Yeah. Um, and so I'd be. I think I'd be down just to watch to watch whatever the property is because it's him. So, um, yeah. I but I enjoyed Suicide Squad. As far as DC, I don't know like what your history is with DC, but uh, is there any kind of DC project you'd like to see James Gunn work with? And then, you know, I know I'm not giving you a lot of time to think about this, but um, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Not being super familiar with like a lot of the maybe peripheral characters of DC that aren't like super famous, yeah, or like maybe well known. Um, but I think. I would like to see him do something similar to like Guardians. Like I think a lot of people weren't familiar with Guardians, but he was able to take it and kind of make it almost like a fan favorite for people. And it's like the quirkiness of it. I want to see him take something quirky. Can I be made quirky and do the same thing for DC? Can I tell you what I'd love to see? What? I would love to see a James Gunn Lobo series. Mm. Lobo movie. Perfect. Lobo. James Gunn Lobo series or James Gunn Lobo movie. That's that's what I want to see. I love the idea of Lobo is such a great idea because it combines kind of the both things from Guardians and Suicide Squad. Like <laughs> yes. he gets to do more outer space stuff and he gets to do the fucking hyper violence as well. Yeah. All in one movie. Yeah, I think James I'm, Gunn and Lobo sold. James Gunn and Lobo go hand in hand, man. I think James Gunn Lobo series, let's do this, man. That would be Oh my god, Jake. Yeah, make make fucking Batista logo and or Lobo and let's go. I don't know about Batista. I don't know about Batista, but I but I do think that if you got James Gunn doing Lobo, this could be like the next big fucking like Deadpool kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it could be huge. I think that's a, that's one of those characters that people never quite forget about. And if you did it really good, I, I think Deadpool's a great comparison. What I, I love a movie that p- people wouldn't think didn't make a lot of money would make a shit ton of money. What I love about Lobo is at the time when they created him, they said, "Let's take like the worst things in comics." Wasn't that the inspiration for Lobo, Jake? Like, let's just take yeah, all like it's it's like super self aware. It's like comics. it's nineties comics parody, and all, but but it fucking people loved it. Um. Billy, uh, thoughts on James Gunn and another project, and what would you like to see James Gunn do? Obviously excited. I, I really would love, I know it's not going to happen after Guardians, I would love to see James in the future maybe return to the MCU, maybe even like the future future. I know like things are still probably a little bit raw there in certain ways, but I would love them to see, I know that they've talked about it in interviews and stuff, I would like to see the, the Harley and Poison Ivy stuff, maybe even in like a series on HBO Max. Yeah. Give it some time to breathe and stuff like that and stretch it out, but I really loved the Harley Quinn stuff in the Suicide Squad. I really loved how he had her personal point of view and even with the artistic style of those scenes and got to give her a little bit more of a serious edge as well as still, you know, highlighting the playful side, so... I think that 
unfortunately, based upon like when the Suicide Squad was released and not and with the day and date with HBO Max and not being able to get the great box office, I think maybe his next. I mean, Guardians, I think will do well regardless. I think maybe his next DC, even for Warner's, they want him maybe to play a little bit more safe. So I think. Whether that's a series or a film, I think if you have Harley and that Poison Ivy storyline, which has become very popular, you know, over the last few years from the animated show and the comics, I think it could, yeah, I think it could be good. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with you when it comes to Warner Brothers wanting him to play it safe. I think that they would let him pretty much do anything uh, at this point. I, I even though like gar- like. I, I do. I think that they would let him pretty much do anything with the success that he's had in his past. I think like he's that kind of guy that I think yeah, that you're on he the said he wanted to do fucking Q-tip man and they'd let him do fucking Q-tip man. I'm right there with you, Brian. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I just think maybe even if they would prefer and that's a, a story he's mentioned. I think, I think if Warner Brothers went to him and they said, uh, James, yeah, we enjoyed what you did with the Suicide Squad, but I know you came to us with this idea, but we want you to play it a little bit more safe. I think James Gunn is saying, okay, all right, uh, you know what? I'm going to go off and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to make some, you know, because, like, he can make his own original stuff. He doesn't need to do DC or Marvel, to be quite honest with you, at this point in his career. I think he would go on to do something else. I think I think whatever he brings to the table for Warner Brothers, they're going to let him do. That's... I think they just want to keep this guy happy and in their camp. But I do agree with you. I do agree with you that the most likely thing that he'll do next is probably Harley Quinn Poison Ivy. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a thing. Like, I, I, I didn't envision that as like a thing where they, they kind of gave him any kind of saying, you should do this or you can't do this or that. I agree with you. I think if he wanted to do Superman or Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, anything like that. Oh, that's playing it safe, honestly. I, like, yeah, but- exactly. I, you know, I just think, I, I just think in regards of if we're going to go off into something we haven't heard about at all or, the idea, I like. I just think it's safe, just in the regards that we saw that he has already shown that he could portray the character really well, and that's kind of what excites me. And I do know that there is a storyline he's talked about, and that fans have been clamoring for. And sometimes, to me, I guess I kind of say that where it's like maybe the expected thing is the safe bet. Maybe that's kind of more okay. like the way I'm kind of taking it from. Sure. But sometimes the safe bet is the right bet, and I, I think that is a safe bet. If he did that, I think there'll be a would be a great reaction. He would do the story well. Jake, what about what about what? I agree. A, oh, go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was I agree with Billy on that aspect because I, I think Harley Quinn is actually safer than half the people you listed off there, Brian. I, that's safer than Green Lantern. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as uh, safe. Like, what I mean by safe bet is just like I, I guess I was taking that as like just like known characters. Like, I but, think Harley Quinn is that though. I mean, it'll be her fourth film appearance if that's what he does. Sure. I was I was thinking more obscure characters. Um, like, what if James Gunn wanted to do like a Metal Men movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get you on the obscure side. I just meant on what what we were defining as safe. I definitely think the proposed Harley Quinn Poison Ivy movie is in the safe category. Oh, I, I'm not disputing that. I'm not, and I'm also thinking that you know, well, if I guess, <laughs> yeah, Green Lantern at one time we probably could have said that was safe, but after like the whole Ryan Reynolds debacle, probably it's some. Yeah, agreed. It, it's yeah it's more damaged goods. Sure. Um. 
Metal Men would be fucking awesome, by the way. I would love to see something fucking simple like fucking Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Yeah, Swamp Thing. James Gunn and Swamp Thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's more of like a Del Toro. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Guillermo Del Toro doing Swamp Thing? Jesus Christ. Well, he was going to do the fucking... uh, uh, Um, Justice League Dark. Justice League Dark at one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that would have been Ball Swamp Thing. Fucking Zatanna, Constantine, Animal Man, Swamp Thing. Jesus Christ, that would have been incredible with Del Toro. Uh, um, news from uh, ComingSoon.net. Um, ben Affleck had quote a great time reprising Batman role in the Flash. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's good news, isn't it? Stephanie, are you happy? Hey. Are you happy with that news? Um, yeah. Whatever makes Ben Affleck happy. You just want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben Affleck in a recent interview said it was a really nice way to revisit that as the prior experience had been difficult. Affleck told Variety, I had a great time. I love Ezra. And I had a chance to see Jason Momoa, who's over in the UK making Aquaman. Affleck also joked that he's likely under a gag order that he's unaware of, so he might get sued for confirming his involvement. But yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely gonna be in the, uh, the Flash movie. And, uh, Michael Keaton's gonna be there too. Oh my god, Jake, two Batman. Yeah, and Affleck had a great time, so it should be should be good. I'm happy that he had a good time. Yeah, that headline, I saw that this week, too, and that really cracked me up. I was like, oh, boy, what a scoop. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. We're, we're reporting on Ben Affleck's mood. <laughs> no, I don't mean for us. I mean, I, I mean for whoever printed that article. That was brilliant journalism. No, quite the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also kind of implies that the other times he was miserable no he said he said the prior experience had been difficult yeah oh, okay <laughs> i'm sure it had yeah uh billy you looking forward to the new flash movie i think it's gonna be cool i like that Warner Brothers can do with which is do what DC Comics has been doing. So basically, DC Comics get bloated and they hate their storylines. They do a Flash storyline and reset their continuity. So the films have gotten a little bit confusing and not in line. So they're going to do a big Flash movie. I am also happy that Ben Affleck is happy because who doesn't like it when people aren't happy? I mean, that was a really breaking story. I would like see about him, like you said, Jake, it's like that implies that he's just miserable all the other times. And it's a news story to say that he enjoyed himself working. So, I mean, I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to the film. I think I'll enjoy it. And, um, I'm glad we're covering that hard hitting news. It's, it, here's the thing. I, ben Affleck's not my favorite Batman. But on the flip side, like, man, it really hurts, though. It really fucking hurts, though, that a guy that I feel wanted to be Batman more than anybody. I really do feel like Ben Affleck wanted to be Batman so badly. We're talking about a guy that, like, in his previous house had a fucking bat cave built, you know? Like, he had a man cave that was like a bat cave. He's a huge Batman fan and he gets the chance of a lifetime. He's in the position. He's in, he's like, he's got that caliber in Hollywood to where he can play Batman and he plays Batman. And then, you know, there's, 
not everybody loved him in the role. I mean, I know he does have his supporters, but not everybody loved him in the role. And then it wasn't like the easiest thing with like, you know, with the, with the Batman v Superman and the Justice League was just fucking, that was the last time he played the character, the Justice League with, with the, with the Whedon stuff and then the Snyder cut. It was just like, what the fuck? Um, so it is nice that if, if he got to play the character again, that he gets to go out with a smile on his face. Okay. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Am I crazy in thinking that No Way Home is kind of pulling the rug out under from all these Batmans being in the Flash movie? Like, they really should have got this out first. It's been in the pipeline forever, right? I don't know, man. I don't, like, just seeing, I mean, we already saw um, Spider-Verse and, and, like, that kind of did it first. Yeah, but it's different, like, getting the actors. That I know. Play. I get that. I get it. I I, I still, uh, it, it doesn't matter for me. Like, it's still a fucking Keaton. Jesus Christ, oh, it's yeah, Keaton's yeah. Batman. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care that, I don't think it'll take anything away from me. It's still Keaton showing back up as Batman, you know, 30 years later. Just, I just hadn't really thought about those two movies side by side like that. It's just fucking seeing Keaton in that role again. God damn it, Jake. Like, we were fucking, we were like 11-year-old kids seeing that movie in the theater. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited. But both the Keaton movies, like, he's one of my all-time favorite Batmans. Yeah. He's also my favorite Batman. I just wanted to chime in. (laughs) I think he's my favorite Batman, too. Yeah. He's definitely my favorite Bruce Wayne. Jake, what? Yeah, who's your favorite Bruce Wayne, Jake? I think Keaton is my favorite Bruce Wayne. I, I you know, the the iconic nut scene is so good, and yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. No one's really been a spectacular. I don't. I don't think they've nailed the Bruce Wayne ever. Like, I Keaton's my favorite, but I still think it it can definitely be improved on. Like they they've never really let that character shine in a live action movie the way they should. Hmm. Billy, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Bruce Wayne? <sighs> um, I probably would say my favorite Bruce Wayne. We're not doing is... animated. We're not doing animated. That's too easy. Uh, not Conroy. Yeah, no, we're not doing that, that. That's an easy. Yeah, I'm talking that's about live action. Easy one for me, especially. Oh, that's tough. My favorite Bruce. I, I, man, that is tough. I, I'll probably say Keaton. Honestly, those were that was my first Batman. Um, '90s kid, so it was. Yeah, I was very young. First one. I just. Felt like it had the most mystique to it. Maybe that was just Burton's kind of portrayal of it with that gothic aspect to it. And it made him seem a little bit more mysterious. I think by the time I even got to the Nolan Batmans, Batman and Bruce Wayne was a little bit more almost like kind of like a action hero spy. And I had seen spy movies. I'd seen Bond movies and Bourne movies and things that were kind of similar to that vibe. And I still love those films, obviously. But I think as far as the Bruce Wayne character himself, it's probably the Keaton Batman. Was it was it uh, was it the first Nolan movie where uh, the one part I loved that Bale did? I think, Jake, tell me if this is uh, if you or Billy or Stephanie, if you remember. Is it, it's the part where fucking Bale is playing, he's, he's as Bruce Wayne and doesn't he buy that hotel? He's like on a date with like two women and he buys the hotel. 
He runs into Izzy runs into Rachel. Yes. They're like funny to see here. He's like, oh yeah, I'm here. Oh, I, I bought. It's hard to get. She got a reservation months ahead. He's like, oh, I bought the place. Yeah, so. yeah. I thought that that was a cool Bruce, Bruce Wayne moment <laughs> for Bale. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they're most serviceable. I just think the Bruce Wayne moments are few and far between. They are. Yeah. They are. That's why this is like super yeah. hard to to like nail down. Like, who's your favorite Bruce Wayne? Yeah, no one's really been terrible or egregious by any means, but it's like the best is just it's really hard. Yeah, you're right. It's a tough question. What about what about Robert Pattinson? I can't wait to see like how much of how much of the movie is it going to be Bruce Wayne? How much of the movie is it going to be Batman? You know, like I don't know. It's such a closed off character. Like he's kind of a, you know, an emotional drain of a character like they just doesn't really open itself up to audiences i i think it's yeah it's really hard to judge i i think pattinson could do good but i think again it's not going to be the most likable thing you know yeah, yeah the dog agrees, the dog agrees. <laughs> sit I, Ubu, I, sit I, I good dog we get a, a little bit more pat i mean uh, bruce wayne with pattinson because it's an early bruce wayne as well and maybe we still see that combination of him trying to figure out his regular life and live that lifestyle as opposed to some of the other Batmans I feel like we got the portrayal even though some of them were supposed to be early Batmans they they seemed a lot more comfortable with that dichotomy and separating it I'd like to see a little bit more of like the psychological effect and the emotional effect that being Batman is having on Bruce Wayne early on and maybe what's left of Bruce Wayne we don't know what this this version of him will be like at the start but I'd like to see a little bit more of that, you know, to to be able to be like, you know, he's definitely the best Bruce Wayne. I I would think that Matt Reeves may focus on the human side a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I I hope Matt Reeves nails this. I can't. I'm I'm really looking forward to the Batman. So, all right, let's move on into uh, Marvel news. Marvel news. And Jake, you, you, maybe we need to take another couple weeks off. You know what I mean? Mm, I think we have to at least get to 400 <laughs> and then take like five months off. Yeah. <laughs> news from Cinema Blend. Uh, did Marvel India just slip up and give the release date for the new Blade movie? Did you guys hear about this? I did. Yep. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Marvel India posted the rundown of films that are in the uh, MCU pipeline for the next year, and uh, in the gra- they showed a graphic, and they showed in the graphic they showed Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, uh, and then they showed uh, Blade, October seventh, twenty twenty two. Jake, can they hit that date? <laughs> Seems unlikely, but I think they could. Really? They they could be further along than we actually know. I don't even know that. I don't think they even started filming. No, I don't think they've started filming, but I I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the most, like, post-production of the movies they do. Like, just by the nature of it, it's not going to have, it's not going to be as intensive 
to get ready after the uh, on location filming and all that stuff, you know. Okay. All I right. think they could do it. All right. Uh, I don't know if I buy this though. Is like the official word. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It'd be cool if it was that soon. I also like that it's an October date, so it becomes like a Halloween type of movie. Yeah, I like that. I like that. If they can get it out in October, that would be fantastic. Um, how many movies does that make for uh, Marvel in 2022? Gosh, I gotta think. It's uh, Thor, Doctor Strange 2, Blade 2. Uh, right now oh. it's uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Thor, Love and Thunder, oh. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and the Marvels. So this would make it a fifth film for... Uh, yeah, it would be five. Yeah, it'd be five for 2022 if this uh, if this is confirmed. I could see it. Five? Jesus Christ. Five and five. There's five in 2023 already, too. Yeah, what are those five? Ant-Man, Quantumania. They have five release dates. I know that. And, well, Guardians 3 is in 2023 yeah Quantumania oh, I can't think of anything else I'm brain dead Marvel now has 7 movies scheduled for 2023 and 2024 is what I'm reading what movies Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Untitled Marvel Film and then Fantastic Four that's like rumored to be one of them. That's yeah, like it's to be announced. Five movies in 2023, September 14th. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Okay. So I named the only two that are actually on the plate so far. I gotcha. Okay. They have, they have, like you said, Ant-Man and Guardians, and then three release dates, the June, I mean, July 28th, okay. October 6th, and November 10th. Wow. Five, the next... Three and then four are already slated for 2024 release date wise. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, do you remember when it was just two movies a year? Oh, yeah. Even that felt like it was like, wow, they're getting two out a year now. Oh, I know. I know. And like, and then like, uh, two movies a year. And then if Sony had a Spider Man movie, it was three. There was usually like one superhero trilogy going on at a time. There was nothing like ever overlapping or barely overlapping. So now it's, I mean, it's great. I mean, if you love the content, it is, it's just to even think like 10 years ago where we were, it is just staggering to, mm-hmm. to know this is how much content you have available. Oh, and remember, Morbius comes out next year as well. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, that did not sound sincere. <laughs> I also think there's a chance that we won't see Blade next year either. I don't. Yeah, I think it's a little too soon. I do. I don't, I'm not buying it, Brian. I'd rather go watch my so-called life again than Morbius if I need my Jared Leto fix. Oh, my so-called life! It's a really good show, dude. Oh, it was good. It was really good. Was. Yeah, you liked it too, Stephanie. I did. I liked my so-called life. Yeah, Jared Leto was always eating cheese in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Leto looks like someone that probably stinks of cheese. <laughs> what do you okay? What do you think about this uh, Marvel Marvel's WandaVision spinoff with Katherine Hahn in the works? I'm super excited for it, Stephanie. It doesn't sound like you are. No, no, thank you. Is it too? I, is it too much? 
Yeah, it's start, it's starting to feel like too much, and I think I I don't want Disney's gut reaction to be every time people uh, there's a fondness for a character by a large majority of the audience, then they need their own spinoff. Um, I just it's it is it's feeling like you said it's just beginning to be a bit too much. I don't need it. No, remember like when WandaVision came out, like they were saying like, oh, let's get a a Randall Park and fucking oh, uh, yes. Darcy series. You know, where it's yeah. kind of like X Files meets the MCU. Like everybody's getting a spinoff. It's like Oprah's like, you get a spinoff and you get a spinoff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get a spinoff. It's like pretty soon we're gonna find out like the fucking the the the, the hot dog vendor from Spider Man's gonna get his own fucking series. <laughs> <laughs> the Bodega Lee. Yeah, yeah. It's just too much. It's unnecessary. I love Catherine Hahn. I love Catherine Hahn. But uh, I, I want to, you know, if they're going to do a fucking spinoff with her character, um, I want to know how it's going to play into, like, the greater MCU. There better be a really good reason for her to be showing up in her own series. Because the last time we, you know, the last time we were with the character, like, is it going to be a prequel? Is it is this going to push the, the story forward? What are they going to be doing with this? I know she has ties with the Fantastic Four in the comics. Um, is this going to be helping to usher that story in? What are they going to be doing here? I don't know. Yeah, no idea. I, I am excited though. I I think Strike While the Iron is hot. I, I think I love Catherine Hahn too. I I love the character of Agatha Harkness. Um, I hope it's a sequel. I hope we're restoring her memories and moving her on. So. I, I tend to agree more with Stephanie on this. I, I, I don't, I, it's kind of like what I had asked you guys about Peacemaker a little bit, but like, is it too much of a, a good character, like spoiling it? And I kind of want to be able to have her appearances be really impactful for me and, and to pop. Now, alternatively, if she were to be involved in some kind of a series, I know they just came off of What If and that was animated, but that was kind of an anthology series. I'd love for her to be almost like a, um, like a Tales from the Crypt, but it's Agatha Harkness kind of being the overarching host maybe of some, like, MCU one-off kind of, like, horror stories or something like that where she could be involved and be... Maybe she's still locked in the in the house right now and all she, the only thing she has time to do is kind of just, like, talk about things. Like, something like that. Like, I want to see her physical appearances be a little bit more impactful because I love the character and I, I don't want it to be... There's a lot of characters we've had around the MCU for a while that I think they, they deserve their own shows and probably still have them coming that we don't know about. But I, 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 that character I'd like to keep a little bit more spaced out. I want to see Agatha Harkness host like her own show like Tosh.0 where she's looking at silly videos from, <laughs> from TikTok, you that know? Too. And she can... <laughs> I don't... I don't know. I, here's the thing. It's like how many movies was... Hiddleston in before he got his own Loki series. I, I'm kind of with Stephanie here. Like, it feels like they're just handing off, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a little overload right now with all this shit. It really is. Like, I haven't, I watched the first two episodes of What If and I haven't gone back because, and it, it'll be a while before I finish it or if I ever get back to it. Uh, same. I got three in. And, it just it, for as much as I love this stuff, and I, I if she does a spinoff show, I'm, of course I'm going to watch it because it's MCU. Um, but it just feel it does feel like a little much. It does feel like a little much. I don't know. 
I yeah, hate that. I, I hate like the... I'm just blinded by, by my love of the actress and the character. No. If it was any other, like, third-rate character from another show or movie, I, I would probably be on the same same page as you guys. But I'm here for this. I don't know. I don't even, like, I don't even care if it has zero impact on the greater MCU. I, I want to just have fun with this character. Trust me, I'm not down on the MCU. Like, I love the MCU. Like, I'm ready for Fantastic Four. I'm ready for the... Uh, for them to usher in the X-Men. I'm ready for Wolverine. I'm ready for fucking Cyclops. I'm ready for fucking Jean Grey, Beast, whoever they want to bring in. I'm ready for it. But I think on the list of like series that I need right now, Ag- the Agatha Harkness series is not, not there. So it's going to take a, it's going to, and I loved the character. I thought she was great. It's just, I don't know if she needs a spinoff. Yeah, I don't think it's going to um, take away time from the important people doing the, the more important things. Like, I'm sure they'll just find someone that is passionate about writing this thing and let them go. Like, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, crap, you know, Avengers 5 is delayed because we're doing this Agatha. We're <laughs> we're thinning it too much, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just like, talking about my I'm talking about fun. my excitement level for the for the character and like for the series. It's just like. I'm ready for Fantastic Four. I'm ready for X-Men. It's like, like, I, I, I never even envisioned an Agatha Harkness series until like this article came out. And like, I don't know, I'm not like, my excitement is not like jumping off the charts right now for like an Agatha Harkness series at this point. I feel like, you know, fucking Tom Hiddleston put in his dues for like fucking like, how many movies did he fucking make before he got his own series? I just don't know if I'm there with this character yet. Yeah, I hear you. I see what you're saying. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, but I, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, I. <laughs> I just, I don't think Tom Hiddleston was like upset though, right? What do you it mean? Wasn't like he's like, damn it, where's my TV show? No, 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 no. It's not that. It's just like I was ready for it. I was ready for a Loki series because I'd been following this character, you know, through you know four or five, six films, and uh, I mean, she gets like one appearance in like the Wandavision series, and she's already getting her already getting her own spinoff right now. It's I don't know. It just seems like we haven't spent enough time with the character for them to like fully. I don't know. We'll see who. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know where they go with her. Like, so where they go with the series. Like, I love seeing her as the character. I just didn't know the next time we were going to see her popping up was actually going to be in her own series. I wasn't ready for a series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right. I don't know where to go. I was hoping someone else had an opinion. So like, no, nobody does. I've been thinking. <laughs> Mm. I think our I think our guests I think they've checked out, Jake. I've checked out. Hmm. <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> Boy. Alright. Let's see here. Uh yeah. I I, I want to thank our lively guest today, Jake. That's what <laughs> I <laughs> Woo. Rumors from comicbook.com. Uh, Marvel. I thought that would actually work. I'm sorry. I would nothing. Comment. I thought, I thought that would like get some liveliness. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I need like, I need like those defibrillators right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I feel like Stephanie just ate a pound of cheese and she's just she's out for. The- <laughs> She's out for the. Make her make the Reggie noises again. I I couldn't do much more of that. (laughs) Marvel. This news comes from comicbook.com. Let's get into this. I want to know what you guys think. Marvel rumored to be considering Daredevil reboot with Netflix actors. The rumor comes from Daniel Rickman, uh, Daniel RPK, if you follow him on Twitter, and indicates that the characters would have different histories from their MCU introduction. Uh, for for their MCU introduction, and nothing from the Netflix series would be canon. The rumor also notes that it's unclear if the project would be a Disney Plus series or a film, and also seems to include various supporting characters from the larger universe of the Netflix shows, which means it could potentially also see characters like Kristen Ritter's Jessica Jones as well. Now, it's important to remember that these are just rumors and speculation, and that goes for the rumors that D'Onofrio and Cox will appear in Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home as well. Recently, Cox even continued to deny that he is in the upcoming Spider-Man film at all, commenting that he, quote, genuinely doesn't know what's going to happen with the character. My answer is no comment. I don't know what's going to happen. I genuinely don't know. Cox recently told Forbes, though he did acknowledge that he wouldn't want to jeopardize a chance to return, as well as expressed appreciation for the fans who have continued to be vocal about things. Uh, also, if there was a chance of that happening in the future, I don't want to say something that could potentially jeopardize those chances, because the people high up at Marvel, maybe they see this stuff or hear what I say, and maybe that influences. I don't know. I have no idea. I love how passionate the fans are, and I feel very, very, very touched that so many of them have gone online and made their voices heard about the desire for me to come back. So yeah, that's the rumor coming from Daniel RPK. Talk to me. Oh, and, and not yeah. s- not Stephanie and Billy, because you're fucking in a coma right now. Jesus <laughs> no, fucking Christ. I, mean, I, I, I... It's, the thing about it is obviously we all want those characters to come back and those actors, those of us who'd watched the series and liked it. It is interesting to me that they would like to completely retcon it with a series or a show. It, I know that there, there's been a decent amount of separation from the Netflix stuff, but I still think that's still a little confusing. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy to have them back, but I would be happier to have them back more so through other properties and then just come back to a, a series where it's just like, I mean, we just saw Venom get snapped in. So I don't know why they need to kind of change the history with the same actors and everything. And it, uh, uh, did we all die? What the fuck? No, no, I'm here. I was, I was letting someone else talk. I no one was talking though. The Charlie Cox <laughs> stuff. I, I really think like he's gonna say what he's gonna say. Like he even like kind of commented that he's not gonna do anything to jeopardize, you know, his his yeah. ability. So he he could very well damn know like what his next three Marvel projects are if that's indeed the case. But yeah, I think it would be cool. I, I love the idea of using Echo as the main character and kind of like walking through this greatest hits of Netflix Marvel characters that we want to see again. I, I think that'd be very cool. I think it could be, to agree with what Billy was, I think it could be a bit, it, it may prove to be a bit confusing for some of the viewers. And so I think that, that, so I think that's maybe like a hill they'll have to figure out or like a hurdle rather, um, because I think that that actually may cause an issue. 
Huh. Is the is the Hawkeye stuff? I mean, is that? I know that takes place at the end of the year. So I guess again, is is it, do you guys think that the Daredevil characters are just going to be snapped in, or are they going to be explained as being there the whole time? Like, what are your guys' vibes on the Daredevil characters? Like how they get introduced? I think I think they'll have been there the whole time. Yeah. Well, hold on. I I, I honestly think that I when it comes to Kingpin, I think Kingpin uh, was involved in the snap. And so I think Kingpin will come back from the snap. Ooh, I mean, that actually makes sense. So I think Kingpin's been gone for five years and comes back from the snap. That would but be... yes, yeah, still part of the MCU we know. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. I You've talked about that before. I think that's a great theory and a yeah. great explanation as to why. Because it's the Kingpin, and if he's been around for the last five years, he would have been getting up to some crazy criminal shit by now and i'm sure he's been so, involved in you know criminal shit but it's like it's street level stuff it's not avengers level stuff so it's not like thor is going to show up to thwart the kingpin you know this is street level stuff and that's why we're going to get these street level characters but um um there's been some there's been an update to the Air, uh, Echo Daredevil news. Daniel RPK updated his Patreon post to include, uh, he said, to be clear, this is, uh, still very much Echo's show. When I say it's gonna feel like season four of Daredevil, it's because we'll get to see all these characters from that show coming back and play big parts in it. Uh, but Ooh. Echo is still the lead and it's her show. Also, another thing that is important to note is the characters will be somewhat soft rebooted into the MCU, but will still have a history with one another. So they'll look somewhat different with a bit of different backgrounds, but still played the, uh, still played by the same actors. So this was, uh, from Daniel RPK's Patreon. And not only is Daniel RPK saying this, but I also went to uh, Reddit, and uh, who I think is a legitimate leaker is, uh, and I've talked about this person on the podcast before, but My Time to Shine Hello chimed in and said this. People asked me to confirm this, so let me just say, yes, I can confirm this. Wow. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, this, what I was kind of getting at, like introducing them in another property. So then at Echo one was one that I was kind of worried about just as where do you kind of find more legs to that story than just kind of spinning off of Hawkeye, but a way to kind of use it as a half soft reboot for the Daredevil characters. I think that takes a lot of pressure off of the, the Echo character. So, I mean, that just even right there, that scoop actually makes me more excited than I was previously. I think it's happening. I, I think we're getting these actors back. Go ahead, Stephanie. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you to repeat part of that about the characters, like the part about the characters. If you could reread that, I'm so sorry. Uh, it goes. I, I, was, I was confused. Uh, Echo is still the lead, and it's her show. Also, another thing that is important to note is the characters will be somewhat soft rebooted into the MCU, but will still have a history with one another. So they'll look somewhat different with a, with a bit of different backgrounds, but still played by the same actors. Yeah, yeah. It also kind of implies that if you've never seen those other shows, 
they're not going to leave you hanging. That they're going to give you somewhat of a not necessarily origin, but you'll as an audience you'll be able to know who Daredevil is only watching this. Right. I'm. Thank you for that, by the way. I honestly, uh, what what comes out first, uh, Hawkeye or yeah, Hawkeye comes out first before Hawkeye no does come out. First. Yeah. So if D'Onofrio shows up in Hawkeye, I can, I can, I, at that point, if D'Onofrio shows up in Hawkeye, and let's say he shows up, they said he's going to be in three episodes. Let's show, say he shows up in episode four. If he shows up, if D'Onofrio fucking shows up in that show, I'm saying, yes, this is all happening. Everything's all, I know that's an easy thing to say, but I, at that point, Cox is coming back as Daredevil. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that fucking Kristen Ritter comes back as Jessica Jones. Um, they're totally, and I think that might be where they stop, right? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Luke Cage and Iron Fist again. And I, I also do agree with your theory that once we see Kingpin and Hawkeye, if that's the case, then the door's wide open that you can bet your bottom dollar that we're going to see all these other characters popping up and this Echo stuff is true. Yeah, I think it's really cool. That's a really cool place for Daredevil to be in is that Echo show. They have a really cool relationship in the comic books and... I mean, obviously they're going to homage to that, I would think. In, yeah. In the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it'll start with, uh, fucking Kingpin showing up in, uh, in the Hawkeye series. You know, I'm, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know. I never thought it would happen, but, uh, I definitely think it could happen. Um, got some possible. You were pretty, and not to, not to drag it on a bit longer, mm-hmm. but you, when we very first talked about this kind of stuff, uh-huh. you were very anti this kingpin coming to the mcu in any way whatsoever because yeah. of the, the water down factor yeah are you are you still like worried about that at all i <laughs> um i don't it's gonna be it, it, okay if d'onofrio comes back he's not he, i don't i don't see any way for him to be the same type of kingpin that he was in the netflix series man like it'll be D'Onofrio yeah, as Kingpin, I but I don't like those Netflix series. That was fucking like that was some serious shit, man. He was he was he was killing people, fucking slamming people's heads in car doors. Like he was. I just can't see Disney Plus trying to pull that shit off. Am I worried? Am I worried about? I don't know, man. I mean, Kingpin's been in the comics for years. I mean, there's, there's other ways to, to portray the character. Um, I, I would, I, I would be happy with D'Onofrio coming back and, and playing the character, but. And I get why you've softened on it, because I've softened on it too. It's just like enough time has passed. Sure. It's like, give me back D'Onofrio as Kingpin. Yeah. This is the way I have to have it, then this is the way I have to have it. Give yeah. it to me. Yeah. And, and same thing goes for Charlie Cox Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved him as a character, and. You know, if we could get to see Charlie Cox Daredevil hanging out with, you know, Tom Holland Spider-Man in a future movie, I would, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Like, I'm not going to, just because I didn't think it was going to happen or it couldn't happen or they were going to water down these characters and pussify them, um, doesn't mean that I would not like to see these actors playing these roles again because I think they fucking, they killed it on those Netflix series when, when they were given what they were given in that first season, they fucking killed it. 
D'Onofrio and Spider-Man would be so wonderful. I mean, if you think about the animated stuff and in the comics, the Kingpin and Spider-Man stuff is always so great as well. Just I mean, maybe in the Daredevil is obviously maybe most anonymous, but I love those storylines with Spider-Man. And if we do continue to get Tom Holland and get to continue a Spider-Man that's growing into adulthood and stuff like that, the interactions that he would have with the Kingpin, you know, being in New York and more localized crime type of thing. I, that stuff is really what I want. So I really hope that they both are able to interact long term in the MCU. I would like that too. Billy, what do you think about uh, John Bernthal coming back as Punisher? Do you think it's possible? I think anything is possible. I mean, I love John Bernthal. I love him in everything that he does. But I think that Frank Castle character could be one that could be recast. I think there's plenty of people that can play that character. But at the same time, if he's game, I don't think Foggy would be anti-having Bernthal in the MCU. So I don't know. What do you guys think? That's an interesting one. I haven't thought about that. That one's really hard. That one's really tough. Like, I, I don't know. Just, um... I don't know. They've done some pretty heavy subject matter, though. But it's like, how, you, how can you do Punisher without showing R-rated violence? Like, it just, ugh. I don't know. I don't think it would work. Wasn't that was the first was the first Punisher movie? Was that PG thirteen? Not not the uh, Dolph Lundgren one. Not oh. Dolph Lundgren. Not Dolph Lundgren. I'm sure the second one was with Thomas Jane. Yeah, I don't know about the the. I don't know about the first one. Now, I, I don't care about the Dolph Lundgren one. Oh, I the Punisher with Thomas awesome. Jane was rated R. Both of them? Uh, I never... I don't think I ever watched the second one. It wasn't good. And it wasn't Thomas Jane. They replaced No, Thomas it wasn't Thomas Jane. Punisher... Was it Punisher Warzone? Uh, it's close to that. It was 2008. Yeah, it was rated R, and that was Ray Stevenson as the Punisher, and it was rated R as well. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Newman shows up in that movie. <laughs> Newman. <laughs> Wayne Knight shows up in that movie. He plays Microchip. Microchip. <laughs> Uh, He's a prime. Once I, I was like, well, who would he play? Microchip. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into, I want to jump in. This is like, this is, this is really interesting shit. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, possible spoilers. And this comes from My Time to Shine Hello on Reddit. And he's talking about, he or she is talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this is what they have to say about this movie. Wanda is the main villain. Shumagorath only has a small role as a demon. Wanda summon, Wanda summons to bring America Chavez to her. The Darkhold is the reason it's corrupting Wanda's mind. With the idea of doing whatever it takes to get her kids back, it makes her think they need help and are in danger somewhere in the multiverse. Wanda is trying to reach them, but can only use astral projection to travel the multiverse. And she needs to make it so her whole body could go through to her kids. The solution is America Chavez, who can create portals. Wanda uses the Darkhold to summon demons to bring Chavez to her, but the demons destroy everything in their way, including Chavez's reality. 
Chavez gets to the MCU uh, and seeks help and gets to Doctor Strange, who's attending Palmer's wedding. Palmer's, um, what was her name? Um, it was Amanda Palmer? I can't remember her name. I think that's right. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, it's the, the his love interest in the first Doctor Strange oh, wait, movie. Palmer is freaking Neil Gaiman's ex-wife. Wait, um, it's Christine Palmer. Christine. <laughs> Doctor Strange. What, Christine what Palmer, are, Rachel McAdams. Yes. Is it Christine Palmer? It is Christine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway, Doctor Strange is attending Christine Palmer's wedding at the time, and then Shuma Gorath gets there and is attacking New York. Uh, Strange beats Shuma Gorath and then talks to America Chavez. After that, Doctor Strange goes to Wanda, and they fight. Strange tries to bring her back to her senses, but there's no use. Wanda gets to Kamertaj... Kamertaj um, is uh, the place where the Ancient One and Wong and all the sorcerers, they all train and everything. That's where they all live. Uh, and uh, Wanda gets to Kamertaj and blows the place up looking for America Chavez. Strange and Chavez run into other realities escaping Wanda. So they're running away from Wanda. They go through a lot of crazy places till they get to a Mordo variant who's the master of the mythic arts in his universe. So they're going through different multiverses, trying to get away from Wanda, who's going crazy looking for her kids. So basically, like, the whole thing here is that Wanda is trying to reach her kids, but she can only travel through the multiverses using astral projections. So she, in order to uh, make it so that her body can go through these other multiverses to actually physically get her kids. She has to use America Chavez who can create portals for her to go through the multiverse. So, uh, she's trying to get to America Chavez and it feels like Dr. Strange is trying to protect America Chavez and trying to talk sense into Wanda. Wanda's not having it. She just wants to have her kids. Wanda follows her, follows Doctor Strange and America Chavez to Kamertaj, blows the fucking place up looking for America Chavez. And then Strange and Chavez go on the run through the multiverse to get a fucking away from her. Cause she's fucking crazy. She's going nuts trying to find her kids. So they, they're going through the multiverse. They get to a place in the multiverse where they meet a Baron Mordo variant who is the master of the mystic arts. So now you've got Doctor Strange who's the master of the mystic arts in the MCU meeting a multiverse Mordo who's also the mystic arts master in his universe. And he tricks them and then brings them to the Illuminati so, Jake, we're going to be introduced to the Illuminati, not the Illuminati in the MCU, but the Illuminati within the multiverse, which is a police-keeping force of the multiverse. Check this out. I'm not going to tell you who their leader is yet, but it, here's the group. Baron Mordo, Monica Rambeau, Captain Carter. So Captain Carter from the What If series. Balder the Brave from the Thor comics, Jake. And and they're led by Charles Xavier. Yeah, what a reveal. 
be wild. They put strange and hold on. I'll get into the Charles Xavier stuff. If you, oh, that's bullshit, Brian. Guys, I'm telling you, there's been fucking, there's been storyboards leaked. Jake, I've sent you pictures from the storyboards. Yo, yeah, I've seen him. Yeah. It's wild. He's in his freaking old school freaking car. Yeah. Yeah. Floating chair thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 They put strange and Chavez in prison. To get to them, Wanda takes over the body of this universe's Wanda, who's just a normal housewife with her kids. So we get to see different Wanda variants throughout this movie. Uh, she uses her body to kill some of the Illuminati and get Chavez out. But before she can do that, Xavier enters Wanda's mind and tries to free her mind from the MCU Wanda. He's also trying to reach MCU Wanda and help her come to her senses. When Wanda finally gets to her kids, she realizes they were never in any danger and were living happily with the other Wanda in that universe on a farm. The kids want their real mother back and fear this Wanda. So that, 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 that's what's gonna snap Wanda out of this. So Wanda's been fucking, Wanda's been fucking traveling the multiverse. She destroyed the Comertage. She's, she's fucking, uh, scaring the shit out of Doctor Strange and America Chavez. They're running through every multiverse to get the fuck away from her. And then she, she, she gets into this universe and she finds her kids on a farm happy with a normal Wanda who, and uh they're not in any danger at all and they just they want their real mother back and they want to get away from this Wanda and this is what breaks Wanda and then she disappears but not before she does the same thing she did in WandaVision but this time she does it to the whole multiverse her sadness or in this case madness causes a wave a blast of energy uh Doctor Strange and America Chavez get back to the MCU but the multiverse is more broken than ever. I'm guessing what Wanda did will get her kids to the MCU and they'll be older. Um, and then my time to shine. Hello was asked. So is Mordo only in the movie as a variant? Who's the master of the mystic arts in his universe? Or are we going to see MCU prime Mordo as well and get a continuation of that? Too many sorcerers cliffhanger from the first movie. Uh, and then my time to shine hello said, you'll see MCU Mordo for like five minutes trying to hunt Wanda before she kills him. Oh, that makes what? sense though. That makes sense. You, you kind of have to tie up the loose ends of that character if you're not going to keep the actor on, like signed on to do more movies. Like it's such a big, important, powerful character that. Either you're signing them for more movies or you're killing them. So I believe that. Hmm. Uh, what do you, Billy, I, Billy, I'm kind of like the reaction you had was the same reaction I have. Like you fucking built this character up and then you're going to kill him within five minutes. Yeah. And the MCU is not usually big for the quick off shock value. Again, there was always the behind the scenes thing. There, like Jake said, there's contracts and this and that. Maybe we're signed, but. I feel like that character is one of the only ones that has a, a overarching relationship with our Doctor Strange. And I'd like to see some people that 
knew him from the beginning and a lot of the characters that have been introduced to him now in the MCU only know him as the Sorcerer Supreme. So I, I, I would be, I mean, I am, it'd be interesting, but I, I am surprised to hear that. Now we all know that we could get types of multiversal stuff later on and we could get another version of him again. If you have a Secret Wars S, but it's, it's, or whatever. it's the actor is Chuetel Ejiofor, who's like he's a fucking—he's yeah. fucking an amazing actor, and you're gonna fucking kill him off in the first five minutes. Like we've been waiting since like when did that movie come out? 2016, 2017. I mean, for crying out loud, we've been waiting for like what's gonna happen with Mordo and Strange, and they're gonna kill him off within the first five minutes of this fucking movie? Are you kidding me? Not the first five minutes of the movie, but the first five minutes of its introduction into this movie, Wanda's going to kill him. I, I, I think if that's true, that's a huge letdown for me as a fan. No, yeah. I, I agree on the aspect of it's not a great idea. Like, but I do believe the validity of it. Like, I, I, I believe the source, and I believe it probably will happen. I believe I, the source as well. I do. I believe the source is a hundred percent legit. But I do agree that that's that's a poor decision. That there's so much more potential for that character. Yeah. Um, Why is nuts, man? That's a that's she's. I mean, what is where does that character even go from there? I mean, what where do you where does she pop up again? How does yeah that, yeah how does the movie resolve itself? It's just everything went to shit and then it's over. I'm I'm, I'm curious. She disappears. I bet she goes to someone for help at that point because it sounds like seeing what she did to a different version of her kids is finally what it took to snap her back into remorse and realizing that you know she's got a problem i I think she seeks out help after this she fucking blows up the whole fucking multiverse man like not blows it up but she fucking that's she creates it man she like she you know what i mean like she's the one like i think like you know we're talking about venom earlier and what happens I think could that be the events of what happens in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? Easily, it could be. Easily, I still think my gut still says it's something that happens in No Way Home. Yeah, but it's it's definitely a, like if it doesn't happen there, you know where it is happening. Yeah. Um, my time to shine. Hello was asked why. She wasn't wearing her Scarlet Witch costume in the shot. So, yeah, there's the picture. And he says, uh, because this isn't actually our Wanda, not her body anyway. She can't go to she can't get to other realities with her body, only her mind. So she takes over the body of the Wanda in that universe where the Illuminati lives. And that Wanda isn't the Scarlet Witch. That's the reason she wants Chavez to bring her whole body into other realities. And, uh, they were also asked like, if, um, you know, does Wanda have like the same face in all of these different realities and they all have the same face. So all the Wanda's that we're going to see in the multiverse of madness have the face of, uh, Scarlet of, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Olsen. Excuse me. Uh, my time to shine. Hello says that Xavier is not trying to kill her. He's trying to free her mind from MCU Wanda's control. He goes into the Wanda versus Xavier fight and says, here's what I know. During her battle with Xavier, Wanda is wearing black pants and a white shirt. Same as she does here. 
that detail makes me believe this is legit. And he's talking about the leaked uh, storyboard photos that we that that were released online. I have those pictures. If people would like to see those pictures, I would be happy to send them to you. Just send me an email. Um, comments at popcultureleftovers.com and title it Wanda versus Xavier, and I'll send you those pictures. Um, my I'm time seeing too. Yeah, they are. Um, my time to shine. Hello says, uh, forgot to mention her shirt is also covered in blood. And then my time to shine. Hello was asked whose blood it was. And they responded other members of the Illuminati. And then they were asked, wait, she kills MCU Mordo. Didn't they set him up to be a big villain at the end of the first movie? And my time to shine says hello, uh, says, uh, you'll get a new Mordo from the Illuminati verse. And he's also a bad guy who betrays the Illuminati for Wanda. Um, I'm hearing that Captain Carter does not die. Xavier does not die. I'm hearing, but I am hearing Balder the Brave dies. <laughs> that was Poor Thor's supporting characters. They yeah. can't catch a break. Right, exactly. The fucking um the uh The Warriors. The Warriors He's three. The Warriors stiff. three. That's uh, who I was thinking. The Warriors uh, the, three. Idris Elba's Himdale. Um if you're, Bob, a Thor, if you're a Thor supporting character, you're fucked. You're fucked. I'm hearing that uh Charles Xavier's role in the movie is small but significant. I can't tell you a hundred percent, guys, if it's gonna be McAvoy or Stewart, but uh somebody online, I think it was somebody from Collider, was saying that they believe it's Patrick Stewart that's gonna show up. Mm. That would be so cool. That would yeah. be that would cool. Be. And I'm not saying that that's gonna be the Xavier going forward. In the MCU? No, it's just the Illuminati. It's the Illuminati multiverse Xavier that they're choosing for this movie. Uh, My Time to Shine uh, was asked, is magic in the movie? So magic, um, you know, who is recently in the New Mutants movie. um, The response, no. Magic is not in the movie. That, I was, I I, kind of wanted to see magic pop up, Jake. I really did. Oh, I know. I, I'm sure you did. Have mm. you ever read Inferno? Yes. Mm. I'm reading it right now, and I um, I keep meaning to ask you, because I, I didn't realize, I've always heard of it and knew it was this Marvel event, but I didn't realize it was just basically centered around magic. Oh, God. Magic, like, her fucking, well, I don't think that the MCU would ever do her true origin story, just, you know what I mean? I think that they would flip it up. As far as like, if the MCU ever introduces her, wasn't she, she was like trained by like a multi, it was like a multiverse Kitty Pride and a multiverse Storm. Didn't they train her like in hell? Yeah, I believe that is the case. <laughs> she has, she has a batshit crazy origin, dude. Batshit crazy origin. Um, trained in hell uh, by I think yeah, like a like a multiverse version of Kitty Pride and Storm. 
She has an, uh, yeah. she's, she's one of the coolest fucking characters ever. In my opinion, I think, I think magic's awesome. Yeah. The demons are like taking advantage of her basically. Yeah. Like, use, using her powers to invade earth and create portals between limbo and earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, I, uh, in the comics, there's been times where she has protected the mutants by, um, having them hide out in limbo. Oh, I've seen that before too. Yeah. 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 And, uh, if you didn't know, she's Colossus's sister. And this is from 1988 oh. Inferno. They, she actually is, she goes by Ileana Rasputin. They mm-hmm. never, they never call her magic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When was she first called magic? I don't know. I, I, I was surprised by that too. I don't know the origin of when that name was. It has to be mid nineties, I would think. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Chris Claremont did it. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'd have to look that up too. I need to go back and like, I don't know. There's like, there's like certain runs of certain characters. Like, cause I, I, I love magic. Um, there's something about magical characters, especially like the magical female characters in like Marvel and DC. That's why I love Zatanna so much. So th- those are my two, probably my two favorite female characters. Um, in Marvel and DC would be magic and then, uh, Zatanna. So. I mean, those magical characters are always a lot of times interesting too, because they always have a lot of outward physical strength or obviously whatever you want to call it, magical telekinetic strength. They're always apt in a fight, but a lot of the times they have a lot more of the interesting character stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I don't know. The father daughter relationship with Zatanna is really incredible. And I think, you know, just like I, uh, it's batshit crazy. Um, magic's origin story is crazy. I just think, I don't think that they would, I would love to see how the MCU would give her an origin story, um, but I don't think that they would go comic book accurate because it is. Yeah, I think they would just make, make make it simple. Yeah, she's trapped in limbo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's technically true. Yeah, demons from limbo seems like you know maybe call them something else besides demons, but I, I think they could. It wouldn't take much watering down. Right. The more I think about it. I would like them to keep um, Anya Taylor Joy as uh, as oh, magic. Yeah. yeah, oh of course. Oh, I love her. Yeah, I would she's, agree. She's fantastic. Oh my god, Queen's Gambit! What a fucking series! Am I? Right? <gasps> Stephanie, Stephanie, did you did you watch Queen's Gambit? I did. I binged that in, in one day. It was excellent. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking series! Have you read the new? Have you read about how the the female poker pro that her character name drops sued the series? Yeah. I did, yeah. No, I didn't. I I don't know anything about this. Uh, yeah, because the one of the lines says that like they kind of pump up. I forget what her name is in the show. Do you remember what the main character's name is? Gambit. I, I <laughs> okay, so so Gambit has a line Queen. about how basically she's the like first professional chess player to beat all these men and she even name drops this other real professional chess player as like her doing something that she couldn't when in fact that chess player has on record beaten all kinds of men and predating queen's gambit took place so she's like suing them for defamation of character because it's just an outright lie what they say about her and her real life chess accomplishments Hmm. to try to bolster the fictional character 
Well, how do you feel about that, Jake? Um, I do think it's kind of bullshit. They, um, there was no need to outright. I, I think it's wrong to say a real life chess player couldn't beat a man when they, in fact, did before your show takes place. I think that is a bit of a low blow. Why use that character? Why use the real life person's name then? Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's they're purely trying to make their main character look better. I, I I think it was a little bit too much, too much exaggeration. Me not knowing anything about the professional chess world, that just went over my head. I yeah. just took it for what Dang. it was. It, they might they might as well have been talking about another fictional chess player in their universe. Yeah, all I knew. exactly. They could have put any. They could have thrown any made up name in there, and it would have had the same effect. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of side with the. Um, I think they should settle out of court and give this give this woman some money. Man, I think it's some bullshit. Some bullshit. Yeah, why use the real name? Somebody's she's somebody's got a payday coming up, don't they? Yeah, and if you're going <laughs> to use her real name, don't make outright lies up that like discredits their their fucking talent i mean they fucking earned that shit and a taylor joy and her fictional character didn't fucking earn that shit isn't that kind of like something we see though don't we kind of take real life characters and fictionalize them in ways i mean didn't we see like once upon a time in hollywood bruce lee like yeah yeah, exactly i mean i mean that's that was a way more egregious i think than like an offline that like what about what about what about it's like yeah I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that she. I, I don't. I don't think so because you're not saying that Anna Taylor Joy beat this character in chess. You're outright saying that this real life person could not beat a man when they in fact beat multiple men. I, I actually think it's worse than the Bruce Lee thing. Well, like well, she, Bruce Lee never. Hold on. What about what about uh the John Belushi movie Wired? You know what I'm that's talking about? Ter- that's pretty terrible, too. Don't you think that the fucking Belushi family shouldn't be able to sue over that fucking movie? Or, like, did they give did they give them permission to they make that fucking movie? They probably already got paid before the movie came out, is my guess. I, if you guys have never heard about this movie, there's a movie... I am not kidding you. There's a movie that oh, came I, out yeah. in the... It came out in the late 80s. And uh, Dan Aykroyd, when this movie came out, told people not to watch this. And I had totally forgotten about, like... You know, I had forgotten. I, I remember this movie coming out when I was a kid, and I remember loving John Belushi, watching him in the reruns on syndication on Nick at Night from the Saturday Night Live stuff. And I wanted to, I wanted to, basically, I wanted to digest anything fucking John Belushi. So I knew that there's this this movie called Wired, and I was like, holy shit, man, I gotta watch this. Uh, it's about John Belushi's life, and the movie starts off. It's like, um, uh. John Belushi has fucking like died of drug overdose and he's, he's, he's visited by a ghost that takes him through his life. And it's like, what's that fucking Christmas movie with the three ghosts and shit? Uh, Dickens, um, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. It's like Christmas Carol, but with like drug addled John Belushi having to watch his life and how what? he, I'm not kidding you. I am not kidding you. This is a real fucking movie that came out in the late eighties. It's fucking, it goes through like John. Yes. It's like fucking, it's like Christmas Carol with John Belushi going back and watching his fucking like drug addiction and how he fucking ruined his life and died. I think the movie starts off with like him dead and then like his ghost, like watching his life over again. I am not kidding you. This is a movie. It's called wired. That's disturbing. I watched maybe the, I watched maybe the, I rented this years ago 
And um, um, the person I was watching it with was like, yeah, like uh, now that we're watching this, I remember um, people talking about how bad this movie was. I turned it off after 30 minutes. I was just outraged by it. I can't believe it got made. Have you ever seen it, Jake? I've not seen it, but I know of its legacy. Like, and I remember all the, I remember Ackroyd talking about it and everything. Yeah. I, I rented this years ago on fucking VHS. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Um, I was too young to give a shit about it when it first came out. It's Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis, who fucking played Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four movies, plays John Belushi in this fucking thing. Get out of here. I'm not kidding Ooh. you. It, I, this, it's like I don't want to see it, but I want to. Maybe I'll like look. Don't, don't. It's disrespectful. It's it's a disrespectful movie. It'll make you sick watching it. I turned it off after 30 minutes. I could not believe. Um, in, it's not terrible casting if they were actually going to make a respectable movie. No, no. Uh, Chickless would be a great Belushi. Um, yeah. John Belushi sings the blues number I am I'm the King Bee with the Killer Bees on Saturday Night Live in nineteen seventy six. In March nineteen eighty two, John Belushi is found dead via overdose and sent to the coroner's office. As the as night passes, mysterious force wakes John up from the dead. Figuring out where he is, he screams out the hospital and is picked up by a taxi. The driver, Angel Velasquez, notices John and names a character he played, the character, a man who is a coke addict is actually about him and reveals himself to be John's guardian angel. He takes him to Chateau Marmont where he sees that he died the previous night with angel. John goes through his life and the mistakes he made when drugs got in the way. This is like fucking like release date 1989. This is like, you know, the height of the fucking like does someone, does someone play Dan Aykroyd in this movie? Uh, I don't know. I didn't get that far in the fucking movie. Uh, let me look at the cast here. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Gary Grooms plays Dan Aykroyd. Wow. Can you believe how disrespectful this fucking movie is? Like shaming the guy yeah. for dying. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a Christmas carol with John Belushi looking back at his fucking, uh, drug abuse. He's, fu- they show him dead at the beginning of the fucking movie and he fucking, he has to go through his life and his drug use. This is at like the height of like just say no to drugs. Like in the eighties when they fucking like, you know, they're the war on drugs, Jake. And they make this fucking movie. Oh, I rented this yeah. shit on VHS. Dare. <laughs> dare, the dare program. I don't know. We were talking about, we were talking about the Dr. Strange too. How did the fuck, how the fuck did we get on this? <laughs> I, I was just trying to remember where we, I think we started talking about magic. <laughs> then we went to Queen's Gambit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to Anthony Joy, and then we went to Queen's Gambit, and then we went to be talking about the the lawsuit. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Now it all now it's all coming back. It's all coming back. All right, <laughs> all right. It's a crazy lawsuit, though. I hope she gets some money. Oh, check this out. Um, if you, uh, I want to pr- point this out, and this has been out there. If you've seen the articles titled Rentra. The magical minotaur to arrive in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. According to My Time to Shine, it's true. In the comics, the character is an alien minotaur who possesses magic powers. He's on Strange and Wong's team to help in fighting Wanda. Asked big role 
or small cameo? And can you confirm Adam Hugel is cast in the role? Uh, big role? And yes. Adam Hugel. Hmm. Yeah, who is that? I'm looking him up right now. Nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, he was in 1917. 1917. He was in The Watch. Oh, I, 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 that was a BBC original. Yeah, 17 was the Sam Mendes movie. Sam Mendes movie, fantastic film. Who did he play in 1917? No, I'm looking it up. Private Atkins. Oh, fucking Private Atkins. Oh yeah. He was the guy. He he had that he had that diet craze that was named after him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he uh, he was under Sergeant Keto. Sergeant Keto. I was I was desperately searching for a keto joke for the last like ten seconds. I beat you to it, Jake. I'm not gonna lie. If you'd asked me a question I wouldn't have answered, I would have been thinking about keto jokes. Uh, um and then my time to shine uh confirms that uh that uh there are uh Ultron drones in the oh, uh in the movie, the Ultron drones arrest Doctor Strange. He got wild at one point. Um, let's move into uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Possible spoilers, and uh, this comes from uh, My Time to Shine. Um, says that uh, Norman Osborn is using tech. I believe it was Stark Tech to mind control the villains. That's why some of them, like Doctor Octopus and Sandman, are acting bad. Norman tries to come up with an evil plan, but Otto Octavius and Sandman initially refuse to take part in it, so he mind-controls them. Um, also wants to confirm that uh, it's Lizard that we're going to see, not Venom. Venom is in a post credit scene! So, okay. Jake, Jake, you were right there. I think I think Billy said that. Oh, Billy I said did, Billy said that. I did think I did think that that was a good place. Mm. Sorry to take away your thunder, there, Billy. It's all good, bro. Also, uh, they I, I'm hearing that they that they filmed uh, the death of a character at the end of the movie, and uh, they filmed multiple deaths they've been doing this in in series for quite a while now they did it for the walking dead they've done it for didn't they do it for game of thrones did they did they film multiple deaths so that they filmed multiple endings they filmed multiple people sitting on the throne at the end okay they also they well they they filmed multiple deaths in game of thrones uh excuse me walking dead um when negan kills uh you know uh abraham and glenn they also filmed negan killing other characters that way it wouldn't be leaked who actually was going to die so they i've heard that they've conf- that, that they've they filmed uh multiple deaths for um spider-man no way home and uh in pr- in a previous episode jake we talked about uh mj dying i'm hearing that's not true that oh, was good i'm hearing are you ready yeah drum roll I'm hearing Aunt May dies. That I believe. What? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I'm fine with it. I, I, this Peter never, we never got to see the Uncle Ben of it all. So, 
kind of be his moment, you know, his tragic moment. And then I'm hearing uh, Toby and Andrew Garfield will have uh, 40 minutes of scream time in the movie. It's a good That's chunk. A it's a good chunk. It is a good chunk. And I, I, I'm, I'm 100% uh, convinced that they will be showing up in the second trailer. I'm 100% convinced. I, I buy it. I buy it. I, I just think they can't sit on it. Everyone basically knows at this point. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to hide it. To me, there's the speculation is gone. Well, Jake, you remember, you know, I, I and I've posted it. I think I've posted it on our Discord. I think I've posted it on Twitter. I've retweeted it at least. But it's the uh, it's the HD um, footage of uh, of 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 a leaked Andrew Garfield in No Way Home. And I, I know I've sent it to you, Jake. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Stephanie, Billy, have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not. Okay. Well, Andrew Garfield came out after that was released and he came out and he said, Oh, that was, uh, that was, uh, what did he say? Oh, that was photoshopped. Yeah. And everybody was saying like, "Eh, it's not, it's not photoshopped. I mean, it it would have been more believable if he said it was deep faked, but he didn't say that. He said it was photoshopped. Anyway, I got an article here from stealthoptional.com titled Andrew Garfield No Way Home Leak confirmed by real professional VFX artists. Andrew Garfield is almost certainly in Spider-Man No Way Home. From script leaks to behind-the-scenes set photos, we're 99.9% certain that the actor is returning as Peter Parker. On the other hand, this could be the world's greatest ruse. With that said, the Internet's most known VFX artists have come out to verify the recent video leak of Garfield as Spider-Man. In a new video by Quarter Digital, the clip was picked apart and its legitimacy was verified. Is the Andrew Garfield No Way Home video a deep fake? The ongoing theory regarding the video of Andrew Garfield on the set is that it's deep fake. That's not true. From our own failed attempts at deep fake technology, that's just out of the question. This theory comes from two places. Number one, Garfield declaring the footage is a photo is photoshopped and two a popular video claiming to have created the video. The second point comes from a video by Alex Serrato titled how I trolled the entire internet. The short, obviously snide clip attempted to trick people into believing Serrato made the video. It worked. Many people believe the video. However, it was merely a ruse. Um, Serato's video showed his deep fake process, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they're just saying that, uh, that it's not the, the clip they've compared the clip. They've, they've broken down the clip that it's not, it's not a deep fake. It's not, it's not Photoshopped or whatever the fuck Andrew Garfield's saying that it, it, it it's a legit fucking, it's a legit clip. And Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield's going to be hilarious once the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to be, right? Yeah. Oh, I, that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I I don't know how – Toby just must be more reclusive, right? People just don't get chances to interview Toby. Mm. But, man, a- Andrew has had to dodge, like, this bullet, like, every other day, it feels like. Toby hasn't had the interviews, but on the flip side, like – there's so much stuff out there on Reddit. Um, I mean, I, I even talked about it a few weeks ago. Uh, they were filming and, uh, somebody bumped into 
Tobey Maguire on the street and got a selfie with him as they were filming. And uh, they asked him, are you going to be in No Way Home? And he looked at them and he said no. And then he winked at them. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> He's the man. He's a hundred... It's 100%. We're getting fucking Andrew Garfield and we're getting Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man. No way home. It's happening. We're going to see three Spider-Men on the screen together. And I wouldn't put it past them to see all three Spider-Men pointing at each other just like that fucking meme. It's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. And I can't wait. And I can't fucking wait. I honestly believe that we're going to have all three Spider-Men. We're going to have the fucking Sinister Six. I think I'm 100% in the belief that fucking Doctor Strange has been going through the multiverse and collecting these villains in this fucking box. And Peter finds himself in that fucking box. (laughs) And Peter's the one who fucking releases them. I think just like the leaks that we've heard, I think that fucking Green Goblin talks him into fucking releasing him. And and then they just start fucking wreaking havoc. It's so believable for the character. And I do think Sandman and I do think Doc Ock are against it at the beginning. And then I do think that uh, Green Goblin takes over them with some sort of mind control to make them, you know, go after Peter Parker. So we'll see. I'm, I'm really looking forward to No Way Home. Stephanie, are you excited for Spider-Man No Way Home? I'm very excited for are Spider-Man you? No Way Home. Yes, I am. I think it has the I think it has the potential to really be like amazing. Yeah. Especially with all the information that's been leaked so far. And not even just with the multiple Spider Man Spider Man, I guess. Yeah. Um I just I think it's gonna be great actually. Yeah, I do too. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. Billy, what are your thoughts on Spider Man No Way Home? Is this like one of your most anticipated? No, definitely all in. I, I grew up with the Toby Spider-Man. I, I'm really always, I love how, I mean, Spider-Verse is great. I, I'm looking forward because we've been talking about this for a while. I'm really looking forward to seeing like the general audience reaction, the people that don't know that this is coming. That's really like, I think I'm going to get the joy like that first viewing in the, in the theaters and things like that. But just to see, I want to see where it lands. I want to see. At the end of this movie, maybe it'll be a little bit more telling where that Sony and MCU relationship stands and where yeah. is it going to be more Tom bleeding into them or are they going to bleed more into the MCU? And I'm hoping maybe this movie will give us at least a little bit of clarity on that because more so I, I really want to see Tom Holland continue in the MCU. And I, I'm just curious where his um, kind of where the weight of his time will be spent. Jake, what do you think about that? Do you think Tom Holland's going to take a break for the MCU for a while after this? I do not. Okay, where is he going to go after this? It's a good question. I don't really know what. I mean, if they're if they're leading towards a secret war event, I think he's definitely going to be a part of that. I he'll still do his own movies. I. I I don't know. I don't think he's going to take a break from the MCU, though. Where did, where did Garfield and Toby? Where did Garfield and Toby Maguire go after this? Did they just go back to their respective universes? I would guess so. Yeah. Okay. With Secret Wars coming, with Secret Wars coming up, is it going to be a battle for just one surviving universe? Yeah, potentially. Probably. Does that pit these Spider-Men against each other? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> That'd be awesome, a fucking Spider-Man battle royale. 
<laughs> you play the fucking Squid Game. Oh my god! Oh no, Jake. What did you think about the end of Squid Game? I loved it. I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. It was. Oh man, it ended on a high note. I mean, it, not. I, I guess that's bad. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it ended on a good note. Like it was very satisfying. But yeah, very sad too. Hey Stephanie, is Squid Game something you watched? Absolutely. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I didn't care for the ending. Oh, really? Um, but I liked it a lot. Um, I was—I mean, I was, I was surprised by the ending. Yeah. I was surprised by the, the the first soft ending. I was surprised by it, but then the very last thing that happens, I, I didn't love. Um, but I thought Squid Game was excellent, and I just—it was—it was probably one of the best things I've seen so far this year. It's fucking phenomenal, Billy. Did you watch Squid Game? I've started it. I haven't finished it. I I will finish it this week, though. If you guys haven't watched, uh, and I know, like, I've been posting about how much I love Squid Game. And I've had so many people reach out to me and say, hey, Brian, have you watched Alice in Borderland? And, yeah, I I reviewed it on the show months ago. I absolutely loved Alice in Borderland. So if you didn't... If you, if you started Alice in Borderland, or if you haven't watched Alice in Borderland, or if you watched Squid Game and loved it, and, uh, you want more content that's, uh, kinda like, kinda like Squid Game, I would highly recommend watching Alice in Borderland on, uh, Netflix. Yeah, very similar. E- easy comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Squid Game gave me like a Belko experiment vibe too. Oh, Belko experiment's great. Yeah. Oh, I love Squid Game. Squid Game's so good. Um, That actor is in a movie that I think... What's it called? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yes, the main actor from um, Lee Jung Jae from uh, from uh, Squid Game is also in a movie that uh, I I reviewed um, a few months ago, and I think Dan West was on the episode. It's a movie called Deliver Us from Evil. Hmm. Highly okay. recommend it. He plays a okay. he plays a uh, a villain in that movie, and he's like he's a fucking badass. He's all tatted up. He's got tats all over his fucking body and shit. He is a fucking badass in this movie. Delivers from you. I bought it on Blu-ray. It was a whim. I bought it on a whim. I just I was out at the store and I fucking saw this movie on the shelf and it was called Deliver Us from Evil Evil and I was like, holy shit, it looks like a fucking like Korean shoot 'em up movie. And I bought it and I watched it at home and I fucking loved it. And I think it is streaming somewhere. I'm looking now. Scott Derrickson directed that. Really? Oh wow. And produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Wow. Uh, no, it's directed by Hong Wan Chan. So I don't know if that translates to Scott Derrickson. Yeah, I think you're Deliver looking at us from evil. I think I think you're looking at the wrong. I think you're looking at the wrong Deliver Us from Evil. It's oh, still, see, this is just like you watching the wrong show. Or- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just like what well, Brian did resulted in all of us watching. The, if you, the movie, hold on, hold on, Billy. The first Billy, thing Billy, I see is a picture of Eric Bana. You're giving me too much credit here because the movie that I watched was not even the same title as the movie that you guys watched. <laughs> Another great point. <laughs> I watched a movie that completely had a different title than the one that you guys watched. Yeah, Deliver Us from Evil. It might be – did you say James Wan, Scott Derrickson? I said Scott Derrickson. Scott. Yeah, uh, um, Eric Bana starred in – I guess maybe it's like an American remake of it or something. Uh, this movie just came out in fucking 2020. Damn, dude. Oh, his movie oh, yeah, came out yeah, in 2014. Wow. So this one's ripping off Eric Bana, you're saying? No. It's just it's two movies with two movies with the same title but two different premises altogether. <laughs> it's on Amazon. Oh my god, I want our listeners to listen to the uh the 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 podcast called Pop Culture Leftovers that's actually good. Oh, where's that? At? <laughs> yeah, where's that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man oh jake how'd you feel how'd you feel coming back <laughs> it was good i it, it started good not, not so good and then i think it got better it turned a curve it was i i would listen i'm i'm gonna say that we uh this episode was a turd from beginning to the very end. An absolute turd. A dairy-filled one. A dairy... <laughs> a dairy-charged turd. <laughs> yeah, we definitely came back. Oh, God. You definitely did an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Billy, got a question for you before we Stop. wrap things up here. Uh, I think I read on Twitter that you got uh, access. You're going. You're going to see Dune a, uh, a little bit early than everybody else. You're getting a screen screening of Dune before everybody. I will be seeing Dune this week. Um, I believe it is Monday. If not, it's Tuesday. But yeah, um, through a, a friend of mine works does like a marketing company, and um, they do movie screeners and stuff. And they made me aware of this one because I've, I've kind of talked about being very intrigued by this movie so i'm really excited man so uh it's gonna be long though i know it's long so the new screeners and stuff you usually try to keep the etiquette and not go obviously leave the theater during and stuff so gonna have to hunker in but i'm really really excited this was probably my most anticipated movie of the year so um to get to see it you know almost like a month early or whatever the case is um I, i will definitely give my put my impressions out there i won't spoil anything but it's it's gonna be a good time would you be uh would you be free next week to just jump on real quick and and give your thoughts uh, about the about the doom movie yeah no i'm sure i will be yeah we can talk about that but like right. i said i would obviously if i'm free obviously i will yeah if you're free if you're free awesome. and you can make it yeah i you know i i mean i would love to i would love to have you just uh you know call in for the episode and just you know give cool. your give your uh give your thoughts on doom that's cool definitely man stephanie Yes, my dear. You're not seeing Dune next week. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I'm also not eating cheese. You mean nothing to me. 
I'm kidding. I love you, Stephanie. I, I wanted to thank you. both you and Billy um, uh, recorded uh, little uh, parts in that video that was sent to me, and I wanted to thank you both for that. It, it meant a lot. Of course, of course, brother. You like I think it's a testament to you as a person, not just as a as a host on the show, that a lot of people care about you. So, um, you know, you've been there for a lot of people, including myself, during you know different things. So, it's just a little. A bit of appreciation that people can put out there, and, and real big props to, to Joe for organizing that. Joe's fucking, I, I fucking love Joe. Oh yeah, Joe's great, good dude. Joe Stark's fantastic. He's a, he's an amazing human being. So thank you so much. So you guys have you really have no idea how much that uh, that means to me. And I know like there's a lot of people that recorded stuff um, that, uh, and I know Josh Davis was like the whole time was very like. Um, I feel so stupid recording this. And dude, you, Josh Davis had me cracking up watching his video. And, and for, if you guys, if, if anyone recorded that and they've just felt really weird about, you know, recording themselves and sending me this video, just know that when I got it and when I, when I watched it and I listened to everybody, that it really meant a lot to me and it really put me in a good place. Um, this past week. So I seriously, it really meant a lot. It, it made, it really made me feel special. Um, so thank you to everyone that fucking contributed to that video. It was, uh, it was really awesome. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us this episode. Of course. Thank you for having me. I, I had a blast as always. You guys say the episode sucked, but I had a great time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jake, Jake, that's Jake. At the end of the day, that's all that really matters, <laughs> right? That is all that matters. I mean, I had a great time too. Suck or not, it, it was fun. <laughs> Billy, what's going on? What's new with you? Where can people find you? What's going on? A lot has changed for you in your life. You're getting married soon, dude. Getting married soon. Um, there has been a lot of changes, but things have been good. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Billy underscore Blinks. Uh, same on Facebook. It's content-wise right now, had kind of uh, trimmed back on the stuff I'm doing. So right now, it's myself, Brian, and Kevin. We're doing The Reality Guys. Uh, it's on YouTube right now, so you can just search The Reality Guys. We're covering everything from the Bachelor franchise to Survivor to um, F-Boy Island to Sexy Beast, anything and everything in between. The whole premise kind of came of the three of us kind of talking through covering other stuff that we're like, hey, does anyone watch reality TV? We all had kind of varying levels. Most of us had watched stuff back in the day, back in the 90s, things like Real World and Early Challenge. We cover the challenge now as well. Um, and it's, it's just turned into this really fun thing. And it, we've, uh, found a, a nice, cool little community. It, it was you know, tough because we kind of like started ourselves over a little bit, but, um, we've been having a blast with it. We've been getting really good engagement. And, um, in the future, we're going to look back to start doing some things pop culture related, but that's going to be after the wedding. Very cool. Uh, Jake, did you, did you, did you finish the circle? I did finish. what did you think? I liked it. I've seen a lot of um, a lot of people down on it, but I, I thought the ending was good. I thought it was solid. I, I, I thought the the final votes were really strategic, and I really appreciated that. 
And I, I like, I, I don't know how spoilery I want to get. I don't think that the winner deserved it. Me neither. I think, I think they do. I, I don't. They do. Um, I, I'll argue that they do. And, um, I like that. I'm going to be a tad bit spoilery, but I like that someone that didn't start in the game won. I, I think that was one of my issues. I was like, mm. just put all these people in at the same time because it felt almost like it was an unfair advantage to anyone that came in after the initial group. And I think this changed the game as far as that's concerned. I, charisma can definitely pull you through, and, um, and I, it did. And I, I think that's a good I, point. I, yeah, well deserved. I don't. I don't think so. I, I think uh, I, I would have given it to somebody else. I think somebody Jake else probably would have given it to the person that got last place. Yeah, that's Jake, that's are me. You, um, are you liking New Survivor? I love New Survivor. Uh, the the twists are a little bit a little bit obnoxiously confusing, but it, it's fine. I, I'll take that over a second reward challenge any day. I like that. Can you watch the New Survivor on Paramount Plus? Is that a thing? It is. Okay. Maybe I'll check it out. How many episodes in are they? Uh, there's been three. three episodes. Maybe I'll check it out. Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah, I was going to ask. It's been a great, it's a great cast. And, um, they Definitely. finally got, they're finally done like stunt casting as much as they used to. And they're actually casting people that love the show and know the show. And it just excels the gameplay so much. And, and they've, shortened the game too like it's still the same amount of episodes but it's only 26 days now but everything still happens within that time so it really creates a more frantic game billy did sexy beast seasons two come out yet it dropped this week <laughs> have you watched it, it i've watched uh Three out of the, I believe there's like six or seven. It's more of the same. I, I enjoy it. I think I think it's funny. I still just get a kick out of the reactions when they, the people they don't pick, reveal themselves and they're just like, oh, I fucked up really bad. Oh no, like that. That's just. The, and I like the the um, the narrator. The narrator is the one from. Oh God, now what's that Amazon Prime show? Uh, it's, it's, uh, oh my god. Where, where it's like the it, American meets the British woman, they like become, they, they get married because he like gets her impregnated. Do you know that Carrie Fisher was on it before she passed away? I have no idea what you're talking Catastrophe. about. Catastrophe. I never watched it. The lead character from Catastrophe is the narrator, so I, I like that any of those shows that, like F Boy Island, anything where it has the kind of overarching funny narrator that's poking fun at the show and being self aware, so. Should, should I watch Sexy Beast as soon as I get off the, the this call with you fucking yahoos? I mean, you liked season one, right? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would I would watch it. I mean, if you're going to go watch something now, I'd probably watch Ted Lasso before I would watch that. But oh, I, I think it's definitely worth the rotation. I think Survivor is better than Sexy Beast as well if you're just going in the reality TV realm. But that's just me. There's one more thing I was going to ask. But I can't remember what it is right now because I'm drunk as shit. Mm. <laughs> they really pull back on production on this season of Survivor 2, which is really cool. For like the first time, you see the cameramen, and they and they do it on purpose. And it, it's really neat after 40 seasons to kind of experience what the contestants experience and like see all the other shit going on around them. I like that winning and losing matters on this season a lot more. There are like circum, there are, it seems like there's a lot 
it's a lot worse off for you if you lose and like winning matters more again than just it, it seems like it, it really builds the momentum like you said in a short game like that it's i think if you if you take a few advantages away or if you at least can maybe you almost need to like actively track them on the screen now to know who has what advantages because that's usually a thing that's like sparsely throughout the season but now with like three episodes in there's been like five or six that have come up already Hey, Stephanie, I got a question for you. If you were on Survivor and the, mm-hmm. the first immunity challenge, and what I mean by that, it's like if you win the challenge, you get immunity and they can't vote you off. So, like, you could be a complete mm-hmm. asshole the first fucking, you know what I mean? Like, everybody could be like, oh, my God, Stephanie sucks. We want to <laughs> vote off Stephanie. She fucking sucks. She did, She watched the first three episodes of Midnight Mass and she didn't. <laughs> she, she she didn't absolutely love this show. She oh, hates cheese. She no. What if the first immunity challenge was you had to eat a fuck ton of cheese? Whoever could eat the oh. most cheese, would you just be out or would you fucking would you go for it? Because like we're talking about Jake, what is it? Is it a million dollars? Yes. Is it still? Yeah. It's a million dollar cash prize. Would you fucking eat the shit out of some cheese or would you just throw your hands up in the air and be like, fuck it, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, yeah I have to throw my hands up in the air on that one. For a million dollars. Damn. For a million dollars. A chance I mean, at a million dollars. You can fucking, you can I, fucking. There's no way I'd win. So like, I'm I agree I with Stephanie. I agree with Stephanie's logic. Why suffer when you know you can't win? For a million dollars. For a million dollars. There's not a lot I wouldn't do for a million dollars, Jake. <laughs> yeah, but if it... If, if it was just eat the cheese and I get the million dollars, then yes, 100%. Yeah. But Dude, if it's, they could, they could. If, if you're racing other seasoned cheese eaters, then what's the point of even suffering? Yeah. Seasoned. <laughs> season. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got some seasoned. I like how you said that. Seasoned cheese. <laughs> yeah, the, the cheese bats. <laughs> I wonder if there are still people listening to this episode waiting for the Cruella code. Hold on. My question is, I wonder if there's still people listening to this episode, period. Because <laughs> 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 trust me, I would have been out a long time ago. I, yeah, ha- yeah. I have to be here, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm forced to because like I do this show. But, like, you have a choice, okay? You have a choice. And for the people that bailed, like, an hour or two ago, like, seriously, they threw their hands up like Stephanie did with this cheese-eating challenge. She's like, I ain't, you know, like, even if, even even the most PCL-seasoned vets, Jake, I don't think are going to be able to, <laughs> are gonna be able to get through this episode. <laughs> Yeah. This is like the appendices, like the fourth out. ending of Return of the King. <laughs> this is, oh my god. Oh my god. How ironic that we complain about how long the ending of Return of the King is, huh? Oh, okay. Let's wrap this shit up. All right. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, people can't find you anywhere. And Billy, you're doing something. All right, guys. Um, Sounds about right. <laughs> Billy, I'd love to talk Survivor with you anytime. Let me know. You are, I was going to say, you are always obviously welcome, and I will, we will make that happen sooner than later, trust me. So, yeah, I, yeah. I really let me appreciate talk Survivor that. with you this season at some point. Just hit me up. Oh, good. I, good, man. I know you're busy and stuff, so I didn't want to harass you, but I would love, obviously love that. So, 
Stephanie, how does it feel to be left out of that mm-hmm. whole thing? Um, yeah, Stephanie, like the outcast. Stephanie, you. watch episode four of Midnight Mass, and you're in, and and, and you're in. Okay, then I'm in the cool crowd. I mean, I'm not cool. I mean, I I, I, <laughs> I don't seem to have a shit left and right. But I mean, it's, it's fine. Like, but I still got a couple of people that'll talk to me for five hours. So yeah, I don't think talking about Survivor on a podcast it counts as the cool crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, it's the Bachelor that makes me cool. I don't know. Just, for sure, for sure. <laughs> There's those of I us. I will save my final rose for you, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this, man. It's just oh. Jesus Christ. You guys gonna read? You know, if you come on and you have the right opinions about certain shows and you eat cheese, you're gonna get positive reinforcement leaving this show, man. I feel great. <laughs> I know you fucking like the, uh, like. There's the like I can understand Jake. He's lactose intolerant, but Stephanie's just like fuck cheese. Like she's like she's like I, you're probably wearing a t-shirt right now that says fuck cheese. Piss <laughs> ants. <laughs> it's probably like you know. Remember that kid? Like, remember that fucking bumper sticker with that kid pissing on stuff? I bet she's got like a picture. Of, I bet she's got like a bumper sticker of like that kid pissing on Swiss cheese. <laughs> on a the big block of cheese. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes or whatever, and he's fucking pissing on. I still see that all the time. Really? Who's airbrush shirt? Oh my dude, I work in Pekin, Illinois. You don't think I see Calvin pissing on shit still? Oh wow! (laughs) All right, God. Yeah, Calvin. If you're not pissing on this episode, you should be, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to see this episode. That's what I'm going to see. Rob Rob Forrest needs to hook us up with Calvin pissing on the PCL logo. (laughs) Calvin. (laughs) I want that as a shirt. That's good, right? Very good. <laughs> this is why you keep the, this is why you have multiple endings. <laughs> Calvin, Calvin pissing on the PCL logo. It's especially after this episode. Oh my god. Oh man, I love that. That's the greatest idea for a PCL shirt ever. <laughs> Second movie, Stephanie pissing on (laughs) Hey guys, the best way to show your fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Rip your ball trimmer. Yeah, give us money and rip off Bill Watterson and (laughs) say Uh, you like it or you hate us. You want to piss on us. All right, guys. All right. Uh, Just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags, blah, 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 blah. We'll see you next week. Yeah, later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. 
Good at toxic, good at Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's his name's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftover Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.